like right as they were ending and you stole what again like come on dude you gotta tell me all right so they like made a limited edition like set of cards like pokemon cards obviously because i'm a nerd um for the olympic games um and you can only get them at the stadium so right when the um games like ended i got to get i had a plane bring me in that's the way that's chaos window yeah Shit, yeah, good to, timing, man. Wow, good thinking. Did you squirrel suit into the stadium? You, of course. Well, that's the wow. only way I know how to get down now. I, I mean, nice. I would, it's a good, great way of ba- bypassing security systems. Well, so what's nah. the exfiltration plan now? You gotta, you gotta put them on the, the open market, right? Yeah, I gotta. Well, get first, back he's got to get them out, and yeah, I gotta get them back to the U.S. He's on a watch list. You know, the obviously Interpol will be looking for him. So he's got to, yeah, no, he's got to get it out some other how. We have a little trick up our sleeve where he's gonna, he's gonna be shipping it to me. Smash, did you decide where you're gonna stick him in the car uh, when you send it over? Yeah, we're gonna do it in the upholstery. Okay, where about uh, which kind of car are you bringing? Catch it. I think I'm gonna do a van, like a cargo, like a church van. Man, you could send a Skyline, anything like a Supra. Come on, man. Yeah, but that is, those would get fan, Although, I mean, that's hiding in plain sight. Church fan's not too bad, actually. Church <laughs> fan with, uh, like, Pokemon card? No one's going to check that. Ice cream van. Ice what cream about van? those little mini, mini Japanese uh, fire engine trucks? Have you seen those? Oh, the little, uh, the little yeah. uh, Suzuki carries. Oh, with a fortune. Yeah. Holy cow, smashed. If you could get some of those on the way out, that would be amazing. Yeah, win-win. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what we're winning about. Uh, winning, losing. Um, what is that? That's a bit, Las Vegas. Uh, Las, I think they win and lose on Las Vegas. Uh, uh, we're lost right now. We're we're, we're very lost. Uh, I don't know what we've been talking about. I don't know what you guys were listening into. Uh, uh, I'm confused. We were talking about the Fast and Furious. We're talking. We're talking about Part Ten now. We're talking about the uh, long prophesied Part Ten of uh, Fast and Furious. This is the one when where uh, Vin Diesel and The Rock are in the retirement home and they have to uh, steal the. Uh, Cadillacs with uh, soft seating. Anyway, it's a great dude. It was it was a tearjerker when I heard about it. Absolutely fantastic. That's what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. I don't know what else you guys are talking about because uh, this is a cannabis show. This is a cannabis show, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. If you are twenty one and over, uh, some of you know the drill. Welcome. Cheers. How you doing? Uh, sit back, relax. If you don't have your ice cube situation on lock, maybe don't sit back and relax. Maybe go and get the ice cubes. Uh, maybe go get some uh, papers napkin i don't know maybe you need a banana for all i know i, mean, I don't know maybe you're low on potassium go get a banana you got a second here uh, you got a little bit because uh, uh, every single show now we got to be real strict about it we got to be really really strict so folks uh, 21 and over if you don't know the drill sit back chill out now uh for those that are under the age of 21 west engine um you like to tell stories around a fireplace they're oh yes I, they're nice stories yes. this one is nice like stories, yeah. candies <laughs> and beach chairs and like Teddy bears, everybody gather around, gather around, gather around. Once upon a time in a faraway land, there was a a handsome prince named, get the hell out here. You can't stop here, man. Get out, get out, get out. If you're not 21, you can't be here. You know what we could do? Yeah, man. You know what the prince's uh, fiance's name was? Her name was, y'all get the fuck out. It was a match made in heaven. Just can't stop here. Get out. If you're not 21, come back when you're 21. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, we've had a problem with people uh, saying that they were a dog and then trying to get in. That doesn't work. Yeah, man. No, you, you, 
Well, I don't know. I guess we could. If check. they identify as a dog, who am I to? Who is I? As long like as they're vet? eating Alpo. I, I do we know. need like a vet certificate to to, to I don't wow. know if you had a vet certificate maybe you could get in if you're under the age of 21 perhaps I don't know and all your shots and neutered and all the shots and neutered uh, oh that's kind of cool holy cow that's I that's mean, gonna you know, be I would imagine you know, we don't want shit right there yeah we don't mm. want pets running around and just humping all over the place True, like yeah, a little yeah. Antigua. Mm. I feel though like all the, the the intelligent dogs that basically browse the internet themselves, I feel like many of them will not well actually I don't know why I think this that they would not be neutered, but like Brian from Family Guy, he's not neutered, right? No, he certainly isn't. He certainly isn't. He probably again, should like be. that's 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 ballist. That's like I'm I'm conveying like intelligence upon his balls. Like what if Tommy, what if uh, Brian from Family Guy, the mm. dog from Family Guy, what if he would be conceivably smarter without his balls? How do we know that? We don't. We don't actually know that, right? We're we're completely. And I feel like I'd be smarter just, without my balls. This is very much a, trick me nearly half as much. This is an off ramp. This this show is kind of known for off ramps. <laughs> we talk about random shit, and this is this is uh, one of them. This, this is, is one, one of them. I'd like to reemphasize. Yeah, so we've still gone through the non-weed portion of the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, so a lot of shows have been getting demonetized lately. A lot of fellow channels have been getting uh, uh, age-restricted, demonetized, on and on and on and on. If you are a child of any kind, mentally, physically, physically, legally, I mean, mentally, I don't really care. But uh, physically, if you're a fucking child, if you're under the age of 21, get the fuck out of here. This is not the show for you. It's not for children. It's for adults only. Uh, we need to be emphatic about this. When I'm super emphatic these days, it looks like this, the stream so far, at least for right now, they haven't gotten freaking age restricted. So, ladies and gentlemen, your kids, I don't know how much more we can possibly be. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, now that the kids are gone, uh, now that it's just us adults only. Uh, West Engine, just in case there's a straggler, just in case, what do we say to stragglers? Come on. Well, we tell them to get out, go about the business, and come back when they're 21. That's it. You see? You can't stop. No exceptions. Here. No exceptions. Ladies and gentlemen, now that we got every last one of those little, little pernicious freaking pestering kids, uh, they're actually fine, right? But they, they got to go watch something else like Casey Neistat or, I don't know, ping pong or something. Uh, maybe the real like repeat of the Olympics or something. I don't know. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. If you guys would like to listen to the podcast, I have to admit, I've been kind of terrible about uploading uh, episodes. I just uh, uploaded a new episode to, to do the editing today. Have not yet uploaded this week's uh, episode, but normally uh, upload a couple uh, episodes a week on, on uh, uh, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, uh, we're actually on Pandora as well. Google Podcast. Uh, uh, Amazon podcast, basically your podcast platform of choice. Go look us up. The name is Chronic Table. Uh, don't look up Fumador and the Flavors. That will take you probably nowhere, honestly. Uh, but the, the name of the show is Chronic Table. So if you guys like would like to listen to this uh, show on podcast form, please look up Chronic Table. Uh, with that said, uh, don't forget the photo contest. Fumi's photo contest is active this month. Uh, go look up Portland Cannabis Tasting Society. on. Uh, I said that terribly. Portland Cannabis Tasting Society on Instagram. Uh, just like it sounds. I realize it's a super long word. I've, I've been trying to think of a shorter way to say it, but whatever. We're just going to stay in that, that for now. Uh, Portland Cannabis Tasting Society on Instagram. Instagram. Uh, go take a look. A couple of posts back, there's a uh, an info po uh, post basically to explain what you got to do. Rules are quite simple. Follow the account, uh, tag the account. So follow Portland Cannabis State Society. Uh, create a new post. It doesn't have to be a photo. It could be a video. It could be a reel. It could be something else. But I do have to be able to repost it. So whatever it is, it has to be Instagrammable. You know what I mean? That stupid word. Uh, whatever you post on Instagram, you could email me if you ask me first, then I give you permission. 
but generally I want you to email me, please. Uh, uh, and then I can, or I'm sorry, uh, 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 Instagram, uh, 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 tag me. Apparently already high. Uh, I want you to tag me on Instagram, basically, if possible. And then I can repost it very simply. Uh, that way it has your name on there and everything else. It's super easy. It's easy to, for people to vote on. Uh, please tag me. Also tag uh, uh, hashtag Fumi's Photo Contest, uh, F-U-M-I-P-H-O-T-O-C-O-N-T-E-S-T. And then the photo itself, video, reel, whatever the fuck, it has to be made by you, so you don't get to hire a photographer. I mean, this is, of course, on the honor system. But basically, uh, you know, some of you might even be professional photographers. Johnny might be in the chat a little bit later, stuff like that. Uh, you guys aren't disqualified by any means. But uh, what I mean to say is you need to take the photo yourself. And here's the kicker. You also have to have either uh, grown, made, baked, created, whatever the thing you're taking a photo of. So, for example, that's the part that, like, in the future, maybe we'll have, like, an actual professional photo contest, whatever. I want to re uh, reward growers, like actual growers, growers that get their hands dirty and also have a really keen eye. And, and, and uh, I want to reward people for constantly improving their photographs and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, getting back in the swing of things, because we've done this photo contest a few times already, it's fun to see people get some seeds. And then a lot of times, honestly, they grow those seeds and then we get to see this kind of cool feedback loop. I got to see it years ago, a couple of years now at the Portland Canvas Tasting Society. And then we get to see people start to grow stuff and Anyway, we got to see stuff uh, like that uh, with uh, our photo contest. Then I just stupidly gave it up for a few months and uh, we're going to get back to a couple of people, uh, Dan Carino. And I think, uh, I don't know if they wanted to be shouted out per, uh, personally, but uh, I know they like shout outs in general. So I'll say like Painted Lady is super cool. Dan Carino is super cool. Other than that, we'll see if they like shout outs. Uh, let's see here. Is that all the announcements? Uh, folks, uh, I'll be brief today. Uh, please go look up uh, Fumidoro.com. That's my seed company. Uh, it's brand spanking new. Uh, the freaking uh, plastic is still on there. Uh, ripping freaking pieces of it off. It's like... You know what I mean? It's one of those kinds of things. Still, still got that new new tire smell, stuff like that. Uh, go check it out, my friends. Go check out the West Engine Swindle. Go check out uh, uh, I See a Witch. That's one of the other deals over there. Uh, every 10-pack, that includes the 10-packs the that are in those deals, come with a uh, five-pack plus of Silago the Bat. Uh, also, I still have, uh, honestly, a few, plenty of samples. I'm not going to say how many, but plenty of samples of Tommy Tricombe's newest uh, creations. One is uh, uh, Rambo Cookies. There's a couple. There's a couple of real nice crosses in there. So uh, Tommy Tricombs, I think he's uh, right there. Uh, he's uh, been very generous and thrown down some uh, real interesting stuff, dudes. Uh, we should talk about that a little bit later in the show, actually. There's some real fun crosses. He's been all bashful about it. He's like, oh, man, it's just my seeds. Da, da, da. But there's some cool shit in there. We're going to get to that because our main guest for the evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Josh, we'll do like a quick uh, intro and then we'll get to the freaking meat of it as soon as everybody says hello. Uh, but thanks for coming. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, Josh Rutherford, uh, uh, of course, I can't talk. Uh, Dutch Blooms, we're going to freaking back up. Dutch Blooms on uh, Instagram, uh, founder and uh, runner, really, creator of the Regenerative uh, uh, Conference. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, Chief and already, I got to catch up. Uh, welcome. What's going on? Cheers. Yeah, I had to start right away. I came in, came in out of uh, working. <clears throat> so. Right on. Got the old uh, hose shower going on, and then uh, rolled me a doobie, and I'm here to hang out. It is. Right on. Welcome. Uh, speaking of uh, D, what's going on, D? What's the uh, – we're always trying to figure out what the brain situation is. You know, is it fresh? Is it uh, not fresh? I don't know. Depends. Brains. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, chat? What's going on, panel? Um, big shout out to everybody out there tonight. What a great show it's going to be tonight. I'm smoking on some 
Gorilla Gas, and then I got some Pink Death Bubba or Pink Death Shatter right here. Well, there we go. Um, I just wanted to say quickly, shout out to Noof Le. You guys know him there in chat. I got the uh, chance to meet him the other day, and he hooked me up fucking huge. I got some so seeds I won in a contest from like months months ago from him, which is pretty dope. And a whole bunch of other stuff. He gave me some nematoids, so I got my plants all taken care of with all the, the mice and shit. And he also gave me some wedding agent, some other uh, cool shit. But we can talk about that later. I'll get on on to the next person. Here, really? cheers everybody. And Tommy, <laughs> I love your shirt, buddy. I gotta get me one of them. Right. Yeah. Uh, what's going on, West Engine? Welcome, my friend. Big up Fumidor. Big up Smash. Big up D. Big up Tommy Tricombs and Dutch Blooms. Big up. Big up the whole of chat. Hope everybody's well, living their best life, man. Yeah. And ready to get into it. I'm not gonna waste too much more time here. How about you, Smash? How you making out these days? I'm alright. Just trying to make it, man. Uh, I survive. Garden's about to come down. The papaya is tomorrow. <laughs> um, outdoor hasn't. I haven't taken it down. I've been spraying it with um, hydrogen peroxide and stuff just to keep it minimalized for now. Still haven't decided what I want to do, but other than that, I'm just really excited to have Josh on. Good. By the way, I haven't said hello to chat at all. Hello to everybody in chat. Hello, uh, Tom Explodes in the chat. Sure, bros in the house. Uh, Midwest Outlaw. Cheers, guys. Hippie Spinach. What a wonderful name. Uh, Masshole Grower already in the house. Kush Cloud. Cheers, everybody. Uh, Andy already in the house. Cheers, everybody. Uh, let's see here. Don't forget, by the way, to hit the, uh, well, hopefully the up thumb. You know what I mean? Hopefully they're they're here and they enjoy the show and stuff. So hopefully hit the, uh, the up thumb. If you dislike the show, hit the downvote button twice. Makes it uh, just much more effective that way. Hit it twice, remember. Always in multiples of two. The upvote one, once is enough, it works. But uh, the down one, press twice. Uh, make sure it works. Uh, double tap. You know what I mean? You got you to gotta make sure. You got to be sure. You got to be sure. Uh, Tommy Tricombs, welcome. What's going on? Uh, uh, what's new? Been freaking sending out some of your samples out, man. Uh, people are going to be excited as hell about some of that cool Good. stuff. Good. Yeah, the samples aren't bullshit. And I'm oh. not. I'm not bullshit. They're not bullshit. They're not bullshit. They're great. Bullshit. Grab <laughs> this shit. No, they're <laughs> good. Uh, listen, uh, I'll tell you a quick one. Uh, gorilla cookie cross that I made uh, with GMO. I ran it, and I was like, "Oh, it's trash. It's trash." I'm not even going to run any more from you know this. Like, I'm not even going to test any more of these uh, other crosses. Gave some uh, clones to a friend. He's he's took out the shit you gave me. I'm like, this is it. He's like, yeah, this is it. I'm like, oh well. Now I see. <laughs> like I don't know. I just are you not? Are you one of those people that doesn't give your crosses like a chance to like thrive? Like you're so uh, harsh, no, you basically no, cut them down to seedlings. Yeah, <laughs> throw them in there. Throw them to the wolves. <laughs> I definitely called this one trash, and it came out. Uh, he, he's like, you're, you know. He just kind of laughed at me, you know what I mean? This dude's a pretty successful guy. He's got a, a license and all that stuff. So he's just kind of laughing at me. Uh, cheers, everybody. Hey, Dutch, Josh. Cheers, buddy. 
Good to see you, man. Jump on. You man, you the man. I like the background. <laughs> yeah, my. Uh, uh, I got a real bad storm cracking in here, so uh, I might have to go into the a little closer to the Wi-Fi here in a second. But uh, just uh, uh, just here to tune in. Cheers, everyone. Oh man, it's going down. Uh, right. So, by the way, before we get into it, oh, I forgot to uh, pin that comment. By the way, the link to join should be right here. I'm going to pin it in a second. Uh, the rule is fairly simple. If you guys have any questions, you can honestly ask uh, in the chat. Uh, anybody you see with a blue uh, uh, icon would be somebody that is, is fairly well trusted in the show to kind of give you the rules. Uh, I, grew, I grew some top floor bingo. They all know the rules here. Uh, so if you guys have a question, just honestly ask in the YouTube chat. If you're listening in, you'd like to kind of participate. There's an easy path forward. You don't have to wonder any further. Just got to jump into the YouTube chat. Uh, there will be a link there. But, you know, say hello so that we know who you are and you're not just some uh, Vesper from the freaking winds or some shit. I don't know. Like, uh, uh, there is a simple rule that I get to in a second. Uh, but, uh, you know, we like to, just like anybody, frankly, we like to know the folks that kind of walk into our house. You know what I mean? So yeah, this is a little bit our house or our pub or anything else. So we do every once in a while let in random people, but it's better when we kind of know your name ahead of time. We uh, expect you a little bit. Maybe somebody in the chat says, hey, I'd like to jump on. Then we know, oh, okay, so-and-so that's coming on is, is uh, probably a friend. Uh, the rule is pretty simple, honestly, folks. Yeah, don't show your dick. Don't be a, don't be a dick. Don't, show, don't be a dick. Don't show your dick, man. Two uh, it's rules to live by, man. Rules to live by. Something about the balls, too. I can't remember. Uh... <laughs> yeah, come have a ball. Don't show your balls. That's it. You see? Very simple. I've got nuts in my dick. mouth now. Don't be a dick. Don't show your dick. That's it. Uh, come hang. Don't show your wang. It's, it's, it's so simple. It's so absolutely simple you could not possibly beat that you could not possibly like break that rule accidentally you know what i mean so uh, uh if you're halfway civilized it's not going to be too challenging to uh, to to break it uh with that said when we do have a guest on the show oftentimes we, we let a fairly selected list come on the the, the panel so we're probably not going to let random folks hop on until you know basically the, the latter part of the show where we're kind of just goofing off you know what i mean but uh it, folks you probably know who you are if you've uh sort of been welcomed on the show before with with uh you know some cool guests like potent and, and uh, uh josh here and and uh, uh i don't know uh, uh uh coot and so on uh spartan people like that you guys are welcome to hop on Anyway, with that said, uh, Dutch Blooms, welcome to the show. Welcome. Uh, you've been on the show before, but welcome as an official guest. Uh, tell us about, I don't know, Potent, when, when, when I talked to Potent about your kind of your work, he's almost more excited about the cool farm than anything else. Like, I know you're a, a seed breeder now of some renown. You have some really cool stuff where, uh, that you've been working on for a really, really long time. You've been working on the regenerative conference that everybody says nothing but the nicest things about. Uh, but our friend Potent, who everybody knows, he says you have one of the coolest farms around. Tell us about your unique grow style. Yeah, well, that's um, him and I are a dork out in that way. Um, yeah, when I when I mean I learned to grow cannabis um, in in Portland in Northeast Portland, and you know went went to Roots and Northern Lights were my kind of stores. Northern Lights in the beginning, but Roots uh, really was my store up there. And they when they moved up into MLK, so I was an indoor guy like like a lot of people, and and I just I got really into the technology of it. You know, I don't know. I grew up with a computer. One of the, was one of the first kids to have a computer. I never got super dorked out. You know, like but I'm I'm dork enough that I like when I got into growing, I got into the more techie end of things and, um, had, had, a, an experience. I, I moved to Minnesota early on and, um, was growing, um, 
vegetables out there and, and wasn't making enough money. And so I started looking around Craigslist for work and, and answered an ad for a hydroponic grower. And it kind of this, I took this job. I've kind of told the story once, so I won't make it too, too long, but I took this job for a, an aeroponic grow. And, and I really just, my eyes got opened into the technology and, and like how hard you could push plants. I mean, we were growing heads of lettuce from seed in like 18, 21 days. It was nar nar, like, like seed on, on the sure to grow and super fast. And, and we were just playing with the seconds on the seconds off the PPMs, everything. And, and I don't know. So that kind of launched me into kind of the techier side of things. And my next question, you know, obviously was, well, this isn't good. This is, this is better for the environment than shipping lettuce across the, the country from California to Maine, you know, but it's, this is not, we could, how do we do this organic? And that's where I found Murray Hollum and aquaponics and, um, eventually Steve, you know, when he first started posting. And so, yeah, him and I both just dork out on systems. I love the plum. Um, I love, love to pump water up to a big spot and, and make it flow downhill a lot and different reservoirs and shit. And, and it's just like this total dork, uh, thing. Are so you beaver? like is your family yeah. part beaver or something in the past? Well, yeah, it's kind of like, and, and, and then, then I, I started, I got my own property. Right. So like, I never grew up. Um, I, like most of us never did, but I, I really, really never did. I never got a real job. And so when I got my own property, it's like my own mud pit, you know, like, all right, let's get the hose going and start, you know, digging the dams. And and I literally just spent a month or two walking around just like, what the fuck am I going to do here? Like, this is a blank canvas. And I was like, well, I need running water, you know, co coming through here somehow. And um, so I, I just proceeded to build, um, and I'm still, it's still in process, uh, uh, an aquaponic system within my property. So, and then the concept being that I can harvest all the rainwater off all my buildings and, and as it's flowing downhill, cause I have a sloped property and I can make, um, swales and things to really harness and collect this, this rainwater into ponds and then pump it uphill and, and filter it through gravel beds and, um, and whatnot. And then eventually have a clean water source that I can fill a reservoir and, and water my whole garden. And um, the hope is I'm, I'm not quite there, but the hope is that I could eventually do just fill our whole house, feed our whole house and everything with that. Um, I got to get better water storage. Yeah, ultimately the, is the, deal. The, the plumbing of the house actually with the. Yeah. 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 Our whole house. Yeah. Like oh. the water, the water should be clean enough. Um, it's really about water storage at this point. So um, I, I'm doing it step by step because I don't have a ton of money. You know, so it's like, you know, it's like dig, dig a pond and see if the water holds next year. Oh, it did it. Shit. Okay. And like this year would have been a good year to kind of do some work on my pond, but I'm kind of getting late and I don't really have the money or time. So it might get pushed off to next year. And then I'm going to probably end up lighting it next year, you know, lighting my big pond. And that will give me the big um, water storage that I need um, to get because it's really wet here most of the year but we but but in the summer it's it's uh one of the driest most beautiful places to grow weed you know it doesn't often get very hot um we did have a heat wave earlier on and we're about to have another little one here but a heat wave for here is is 91 you know 90s um so honestly you know it's it's been a warm year here it's been in the 80s and that's a warm year for us usually like last year it was the opposite. I was wishing it was warmer. We had barely any days above 70, you know, and I'm like trying to get plants to grow and it wasn't warm enough. 
So, um, but it's, it's a, anyways, I was just trying to say, it's a really cool climate to grow weed in this, these few months. And if you can kind of hit that target and get your depth in and, or maybe grow some varieties that, that come in early, you know? So I, I'm, it's a learning process, man. I'm, I'm four or five years in the, into this property and, and four or five years in growing outdoors. So, um, it's kind of new to me, you know, and that, that means four or five goes at it, you know, versus indoor. That's a, that's a year, you know? A year's worth of experience happens in one year indoor, you know, and, and outdoor. It's just like it's been a really slow learning curve, you know, comparatively. Uh, I was going to say, uh, well, I guess I can ask kind of both questions because I write one down before I forget it. I was going to say that uh, we joke sometimes on the show about how great wine must suffer. You know, and we don't have a wine person on the show right now to, to laugh knowingly or whatever when we're, we're doing this. But uh, there's that expression. Basically, we're just going to take that word for it because we're not wine experts now. But uh, we'll say that we've heard wine experts on the show say that uh, great wine must suffer. They talk about how, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, on some Swiss or German mountainside or French mountainside, there'll be this kind of tenuous volcanic soil that has very uh, a shallow, maybe a topsoil. The plants are themselves just very kind of hooked onto the side of a mountain, almost falling off. And they have to really, the, the soil is quite a, a barren of minerals. So the, the taproot has to go deep into the rock to really get anything. On and on and on. And they basically say that creates this incredibly mineral rich, flavorful, uh, and somehow more impactful. It has got more depth and everything, uh, uh, wine, right? So I guess where I was going to with that was, um, is there any, like you, you live in kind of a, a slightly adverse environment. You've said this before, like in the summer, it'll be great for, for weed, but then it'll get cold all of a sudden, sudden or in the spring, it'll be cold. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm uh, uh, taking too much from it, but I, th I thought you used to say that it was a fairly harsh environment to grow weed, and I guess I was going to yeah. go with that. It, it, it is harsh. Fun? Yeah, like that, that's my point. Is that you only have this whole shot of win window to grow weed in, and it's not the natural cycle because it, it's going to shut down. And here, you know, we're just initiate. You're you're south of me in Portland. You know, just about four or five six hours, um, and it, it it is quite a bit different. Like I grew up on. I grew up in eastern Washington, just on the other side of Columbia River. So, so, so I grew up a little bit closer, you know, just a, it's a little bit farther down, but up here it's, it's, a, it gets wet really soon, you know? So we'll, we're initiating flower here in the next two weeks. What's up Cascadian. Um, and then um, about week three in, in August, we'll initiate flower and then we'll get, we'll start getting rain about the second, third week of September you know, and it'll hit hard in October, right when we're in week six, seven, eight, kind of finishing out and it just goes to shit and it has, you know, four, four years. And so I, I didn't know about how to find all the right varieties when I first started growing outdoors. You know, I was coming strictly indoors and moving into a greenhouse where I had experience growing greenhouse with vegetables. I didn't have experience growing greenhouse with cannabis. Um, and so, yeah. Um, it, it is pretty harsh in, in, in terms of that, you know, but, but what, what it, what it does. And so like the, 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 you know, if you think about wine, uh, the, the wine that's produced, it's minerally rich is minerally rich in those volcanic areas. And that's where I grew up in Eastern Washington in a, in a, actually one of the smallest uh, AVA period at um, Red Mountain. I, we grew up right by there and it's super volcanic basalt rock dust. And, and that translates into my head, like, and I, I'm, I'm amateur, you know, learning about this stuff. I'm not going to ever say I'm a soil scientist or a soil biologist or whatever the fuck these people say they are these days. Um, 
but like the way I kind of think about that is that the microbes have this, this plethora and this really rich, diverse thing to, to feed off, to feed the plants. And so I, you know, in, in, in translation, I add a lot of rock dust. <laughs> so that was a big, I was going to try to go really elaborate. Right? I was like, just add that. rock dust. <laughs> so, man, who tells us to add rock dust like a freaking mofo? And people were like, oh, well, how much is too much? Well, you can't do too much. You can't do too much. Like, I mean, when I say this is like once a year, you know, in my greenhouse and I'll pull three, three or four, you know, th there's always plants growing in my greenhouse, no matter whether I'm pulling crops or not, there's always plants consuming nutrients. Um, but, but I, I definitely, and I, and I hit, hit the minerals too, as well with uh, salt with C90, you know, and, and, and I rely heavily on um, the, the fish poop, the remineralized fish poop. Um, I, I think you guys probably know a little bit about that to get minerals in there. And, um, so yeah, I can't say enough about minerals, but in terms of climate here, uh, outdoors and in the greenhouse, cause I let my greenhouse, I've actually tried started to let my greenhouse mimic the outdoors, uh, within trying to hold, you know, certain, you know, I have a dehumidifier. So at night I'm turning that on, but I'm actually letting it drop down really cold into the sixties, um, in the summer and the, in the winter, I have to keep it a little warmer so I can keep it dehumidified, unfortunately. But I prefer those colder temps because um, I've seen what it does outdoors, and it's and it's in part been uh, hearing from my friends down in California who have the experience to like plant the same variety on the coast, you know, in the center, and then and then in the desert, and they can kind of see how the plant responds, you know, and the closer to the coast, the closer to the humidity, and those big temperature swings, you get a greasier, more resinous, um, also a, a larfier plant, you know, which um, if you can choose the right variety, that's kind of okay. And then as you move to a drier climate, you get a, you get a less resinous, more rock hard nug. Um, and so I really like uh, the way my climate, what it does to plants, the plants that I've been coming through, you know? And so I, I really am trying to mimic some of that, that temperature swing. And then I ride the high humidities, you know, in the day um, it's, it, I cool at 82 and um, the humidity, I keep at 70. At night, I bring it down. Um, I, indoors, I, I don't, interestingly. Um, indoors, if I'm running indo my indoors, I'll keep it pretty much like 82 and 70% humidity day in, day out. Um, but in the greenhouse, there's just so much mass of vegetation in there. I'm, I'm really learning how to control it still years into this thing. And um, so I, I have to really push to get it down otherwise i could bud rot and stuff you know it's a it's a big mass in there of, of that vegetation uh, it was a trip by the way earlier for the you said uh, we'll get to cascade in just a second because he's the he's actually the wine guy he was like wait a second that's my bat signal uh but uh i was gonna say it was funny that you were saying that the water is clean enough that's basically like all that water i remember watching it maybe on uh, potent show a few weeks ago and you were showing all the the circulating the little creek and just kind of distributing all over that water intellectually it's hard to imagine that but there's no reason why you're not telling the truth like it's clean enough to drink right like reader steve's been talking about how the, those aquaponic systems will dissolve a cheeseburger into drinkable water in a couple of days right yeah and, and i'm not you know i this system it is you know i'm total transparency i, I fully believe in what's going to happen but i'm not there yet i haven't turned it fully on so i ran out of water this summer so that's why i kind of went into that tangent that i have to do pond work and get a liner in um, I had, when I first dug it, I had tapped into groundwater. And so I thought, well, maybe if I could just inch this 
this pump down into that groundwater. I could just keep this thing moving, you know, and, and that's just not the case. So like, it's just a mud thing. And there is some stand, there's probably two feet of standing water, but I can't pull any more out of there. And so um, I got to, I got to fix that and line it so I can hold what I, what I, what I collect in the winter. And then, and then my, my other technique is I've, I've got bamboo and some plants around it, but to really get a, a plant coverage over the top of it to mitigate uh, evaporation as much as I can, you know, I, I don't know. I need about 250,000 gallons to, to, to get through that. Um, I'm planning for two. And right now I'm, I'm seeing what we have here, but I'm planning for a future where I'm not going to have any more water potentially, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I'm not full on prepper, but like I, I do, you know, that's why I have property and that's why I do a lot of these things is I just kind of want to be ready and self-sufficient. And, and, and I think water is going to get really fucking expensive and, and I don't want to be limited to what I do because of that. And, you know, so yeah, this is a, it's a big deal for me. It feels if, like I, we, I, we built this cool cistern this year and and got it all uh, cemented in and and then got a nice gravel bed and made a lot of progress to to really filter this thing and so as soon as the the, the rain hits it'll be flowing and, and i should you know within i imagine a couple of weeks i should have some pretty clean water there um i'll do some tests um and then i you know i may, I, I have the option there to then do it do a mechanical filtration if i need to you know so uh by the way welcome cascadian speaking of wine people uh we summoned you we were like oh my god we need a wine expert on the show uh basalt rock dust is that the key to ever like everlasting flavor with wine just sprinkle like salt bay well uh, when it comes to the wine it, that's when you're really talking terroir um and the mineral is a part of that but so is everything else the sun the wind the temperatures like dutch said the temperature swings uh, a, a lot of wine is made in if you look at like DLI maps um, daily light intensity maps a lot of the wine comes from really intense areas um, they have a lot of a lot of sunshine intensity and then they have the like on the east side where I grew up I grew up on the foothills I grew up in cherry country but if you go over there now, there's cherries, blueberries, wine grapes, apples, pears. There were still apples and pears, but the hill I grew up on was cherries. But um, it's it'll be 95 in the day and 55 in the night. Um, you get a 40 degree temperature swing, which, like Dutch was saying, we don't really mimic that indoors because of uh mostly probably because of electricity use and us trying to be conscious of the amount of electricity that we use because we do use an incredible amount trying to do this indoors in the first place but outdoors on the east side you don't have the humidity issue that you have over here so that temperature swings not not as much of a hindrance as it would be over here that temperature swing over here will throw you right through the dew point next thing you know you've got these plants soaked in water bud rot mold bugs i mean it's just a shit show after a couple of days of that you've got problems we're on the east side it's so dry that in the daytime the plants are like oh my god give me some water and then at the night they're like oh i can breathe again and it just goes back and forth between that so you get these stressors um 
which wine grapes can handle that at least uh, the way that we farmed them for the last 2000 years, thousand years, at least there's some vineyards in the ones that come to mind are the, the Rhone region of Germany that the Romans planted when they came through, they planted grapes, not that the vines are the same vines, but those vineyards are still the same vineyards that they've been since the Romans made them. Um, so these grapes have a, a a large amount of tenacity to withstand climate change and everything else that's coming along with what happens in the larger cycles that are larger than a human life. So we don't tend to give them as much credit. The wine grapes do just fine. Cannabis does just fine, but it's in a slightly different ecological niche or zone than a wine grape. Um, we're still trying to finesse out the, the terroir needed to express cannabis in its truest essence. But um, we've learned a lot really in the last, what, 10 years about trying to do this, watching these NorCal guys do it, watching them trying to replicate what they do in the NorCal and SoCal and then Oregon's proliferation of an abundance of cannabis in all of their different regions. And now it's kind of getting into Washington and several other states. We're seeing it in Oklahoma. I think we'll learn a lot in Oklahoma uh, about the plant in general, just because the the gloves kind of came off in Oklahoma. So there's people doing massive amounts of plant numbers with massive amounts of different genetics. Cause we're kind of at this, I hesitate to call it a pinnacle, but we're at this point where we have such a diversity of hybrids, even though they're all relatively yeah. interrelated, they have different requirements to bring out the best in them and i think we're going to end up learning a lot about what works what doesn't work if you can do it outside or if a greenhouse is best how do you actually like maximize the terroir of a greenhouse um which isn't really it's not true terroir but how many cannabis growers are actually harnessing terroir in the first place because most of us are growing in adulterated soils we're not growing in the native soil we're growing in some potting mix that we put in the ground and hope it turns into soil so it's it's kind of different than wine grapes on a few different levels but we still have the same environment we still have the same mold mildew bug pressures it's still a farming activity so there's still a lot of correlation but um there are places where it kind of falls short on what we've learned, but it's just because we've been doing this wine grape thing for so much longer. Uh, you know, it's occurred to me, uh, Josh, what do you think about, um, so by the way, you're the, the founder of the, the science of regenerative cannabis. Fuck. I always get the name wrong. Sorry. We'll get a little bit. You're, you're, you're off to a good start. Science of regenerative cannabis conference, right? No, I'm missing a word. I'm missing the science a word. of regenerative organic cannabis cultivation. There we go. Uh, and you guys do study a lot of this, uh, or you talk a lot about, first of all, regenerative growing and, 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 and of course, cannabis growing, but also just how to maximize the, the potential of the soil, the health of the soil, the health of the cannabis and the, the, the quality of the cannabis. Um, is there, I guess, where I'm going to with that, that's a 
super interesting topic that we should talk about a little bit later in the show too. But I guess I was thinking, how do I put this? Uh, people say that you can't get true terroir from a greenhouse, right? The Cascadian just basically nailed it in the simplest possible way. And they also say that you can't get terroir indoors, right? That seems kind of obvious on some level too. But at the same time, if you step back for a moment, why is that on some level? If, if we were to exclude time from the picture, right? Like maybe not tomorrow, but let's say that there's a goal that is achievable. I mean, a lot of you guys at the Regenerative Cannabis Conference, you guys also have kind of achievable goals for, for achieving regenerative status. Like, is it possible that uh, uh, the concepts of terroir and stuff, how do I put this? Any of the, the, the words that we use to define stuff are just words that we use to define stuff, right? That's, that's kind of obvious. But if we wanted to, like, could we create a terroir-like system? If we're going to even exclude the word terroir, because maybe that's just a word people want to uh, take ownership of. If we want to have something like that, is it possible to achieve that in a greenhouse or indoors? I think or that we're headed towards that more more than any any uh, crop out there. <coughs> right, T terroir. So for all the all the all the strictest, terroir is going to be <clears throat> a strictly natural thing, and so greenhouse doesn't fit into that. But I totally understand what you're saying. Can we create a a, a, a a niche climate, you know, uh, that, that we could replicate maybe even. And so, you know, like, I don't see why the fuck not an indoors may be easier than greenhouse, uh, 100% easier because you could, you could, you know, from what theoretically, although all of us know that we, if you've moved the same equipment, you know, from one place to the next, you could, there's dialing in there's a six month whatever dialing in period where you got to think reset everything and maybe buy a little bit more equipment or whatever but theoretically if in, the, in a really properly insulated space you know and and in a sealed room you could with the same diodes you could say this 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 and, and that could be the terroir and this is just like the circle jerk for like all the chinese led salesmen you know they just love that shit um I mean, but terroir but, too, like, but, but like I, changeable know, too, right? Like the, I mean, how do I say the, well, the one year is very sunny and hot. The next year is very dry. And the next year is, I mean, sure, there's, there's all, all sorts of, yeah, much. there's, I mean, your mind can, can go all over the place. And I, and, and so like to defend the greenhouse, if you will, versus if, is if terroir and outdoors is the ultimate, um, you know, letting the climate, you know, dictate the thing and, and be able to save that, that, you know, one thing that we haven't got into as a culture is, is really being able to save that because it doesn't save in a flower form, you know, I don't care who, you know, for, in my opinion, it doesn't save in flower form past, you know, four or six months, but in hash, we haven't really got to the point where it's like, Oh yeah. The, the 2019 Bubba Kush was like this. And the 2020 was this. And, you know, we're also running through cultivars. There's just a whole lot, lot that is, is slightly, but I think that's coming. It, it, to my point is that like and i myself just got a, a freeze dryer um to that end because i can grow a bunch of one thing now and maybe i don't need to sell it all you know maybe i could just store it in my freezers in, in for, you know freeze dried form and and press it out later you know to be sold a little bit later you know and so that i could grow a big batch of gmo and then store some of that or a big batch of congo and store some of that and and it was kind of also me kind of thinking how am i going to ride the next wave you know, if, uh, if, and when federal happens, there's going to be a, a big drop in price and how am I going to ride that? You know, I'm in a store, you know, and, you know, and so, uh, go ahead, Cascadian. I was just going to say that I think you're kind of getting 
close to something that came to my mind was that like in the wine industry, there's, there's certain years that are coveted because the terroir was beautiful that year. And we try to assert so much control on cannabis that we don't allow a bad year to really happen. I mean, last year we had all the smoke in Cali that was kind of out of our control, but I mean, we'll pump wells dry. We'll go to, you know, go broke buying nutrients. We'll do exorbitant things that the wine industry won't do. They'll just say, well, it's just a bad year. And they keep selling the wine from their good year and that bankrolls them till another good year comes along. But we haven't really developed that process in cannabis. I think hash is like the closest we could do to mimic that because flowers, it just gets prohibitive with electricity costs. Like if you're going to freeze a whole harvest, that's a, that's a massive freezer. That's a large electricity bill to sustain for an extended period. If you're going to try to, say well 2019 was great and you've got to make it till 2027 before you have another really good year like we it's just there's some finesse there that i'm not sure we'll ever be able to work through um the great wineries have been made by vintages and a vintage is a single grape from a single year not blend like typically not blended and they become known for oh this winery's you know particular vintage of this particular grape was just astounding and sommeliers all over the world will will hold that as a benchmark i think the closest we can get to that in cannabis is with hash but uh, we're not that sophisticated as a consumer yet we, we oh. run through we run because our rooms are so dialed in some ways we've run through cultivars you know in the same way it's like you remember that 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 cultivar at that time and it was smashing and it's not it's usually not the cultivar stopped smashing it's just like you got so used to it you know, being around and then something else came on and it smashed you know um yeah i think the the uh oh, I got my name from bro it's so funny should have had it and i lost it it came and it went what was it Bubba kush no, i was gonna say it's like skittles you know like how many how many years are they gonna be talking about skittles like it's gonna be james bond at the freaking probably for a long time because not that many people actually have it and not that many people grow it and it is a most amazing fucking flavor um, I, I've, I've been reading with the Testarossa stuff and I, I just found another good one, this Post Malone that was like a good Skittles with something in it. It's fucking awesome, man. Like, I'll defend that. Like, you know, Skittles was with the cut wasn't a strong growing plant. No fun to grow. Um, but that flavor is so when it's hits, it's so good. Yeah, I agree with that. But I, I was going to say just kind of the garden right now, man take a step back like i uh i chose the greenhouse in this environment and um i went a little too high tech i think in mine for what i for what i need like it, it's dope but I, I i if i could maybe take it back i could reinvest the money that i had spent into that i might do more low-tech greenhouses with depths and just some good fans and kind of try to hit that, like I was talking about, that good part of the season that I have here. And 
it's a little bit of a, that in that being a little bit of a blend of the both, you know, I'm, I'm getting some control to be able to grow this tropical plant in this region. Um, but also, you know, also getting like the, the, you know, the, the shift in the temperature and, and, and whatnot. And anyways, that's what, that's all I wanted to say about that is I, I really, and, and going forward, um, water's an issue, but also air quality is going to be a huge issue. It already yeah. is. If you're in LA, I would not be wanting, wanting to be consuming produce that was grown. Even Central Valley, like I used, I, I, I moved down there like 20 year, years ago, dude. Um, and it, and it, it was gnarly and it's gnarlier now. I know it is like, you know what I mean? I, I like, we should be growing our vegetables in cleaner air quality and it's going to get worse. And like, there's probably going to be a point where that's a, that's a, a sticker on a fucking, you know, tomato that says like filter air grown, you know, or climate controlled filter aired. You see it going towards greenhouses though. Like, even though like the years are just getting worse and worse outdoors, I think, in Connecticut and Mass, we've been dealing with some of the side effects of the smokes and stuff. Like it, it just happens. It's like every year is getting worse and worse. I, I think if you're not in a, a tropical or semi-tropical environment where this plant would naturally be found, um, I think you're just gonna have to learn how to how to manage the greenhouse game. Um because you're trying to do, you know, it's like trying to grow a pineapple or a banana outside of its region or an olive outside of its region, or, um, you know, it's like trying to grow tomatoes on the West side of the Cascades. You, I, I've got tomato plants, but I don't have my grandpa's tomatoes. I've, I've never been able to grow a tomato like my grandpa grew a tomato because he grew it on the other side of the mountains. And I think you're just going to have to, that's why I'm not sure that terroir is really going to shake out um, for a large amount of like the, the, the true essence of terroir. I don't know that it's really going to shake out for a large amount. Let me jump in there for one second, Cascading. Do you guys think you can bring um, terroir to your room by bringing IMOs to your room? Because that's, that's something I think you actually can do is bringing local, bringing indigenous microorganisms in and inoculating everything. And you think, I, I don't see how that's, that's not a great bring. idea. And you should do that. And I think that's going to bring a, a bountiful of ecology and biology and, and a mix and smorgasbord. And, and that's like, what's up, but, but, um, and, and you can target, like, I, I mean, I, like I, I, I do, I'm KNF cert, certified, you know, dude, um, you could do it in, in all sorts of targeted areas, like near your near your area, and that's and it's going to bring in a lot of cool stuff. But it's not going to bring like the, the that's why the, if you, the word terroir, it's it doesn't just mean nature. It, it's very air, specific. water, everything. Yeah, it's, and it's the cycles of the seasons and the years, and that's like the whole point. Is like terroir is this year is dry and hot as fuck. Last year was cool. And that's terroir is last year produced a certain quality of thing. And this year is going to produce another quality of thing that, you know what I mean? So like, we really need to go to, to, to a top, use, use a different word to be, to be fair. You know, right. the long, yeah. the longer the, uh, like the soil bed that is living and all that, you know what I mean? If you, if you brought in indigenous microbes and long, you know what I mean? The longer you let the bed live, you know, that's what people say. You know, seven runs in, it's getting better. You know what I mean? So, that's and like, like that's talking about like, war, you know what I mean? 
it, it's in the- it, that's more like uh what's the word uh I, i'm succession you know as you, your 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 soil is gaining in depth and, and 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 so that translates to depth of quality of product and but it but it, but it doesn't have the fluctuation that the terroir does in the in the craziness of one year to the next to the next where where you you are but yes if you grow in a living soil bed the more you do it as long as you keep everything in balance and pretty much just don't overwater it you know don't put in too much nutrients like it's going to get more diverse and you can bring in more microorganisms locally you know from you could bring them in from all over the fucking world you know and, and increase that diversity Sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off, Tommy, but, but, uh, oh, well, you're good. I, kind you're of good. Def- yeah. I, I want to defend the word terroir a little bit because like, I, I do think that, that there's something cool about that, you know? No, I'm just trying to get, thank yeah, you for yeah. clearing that up for me. Yeah. Ter- terroir has a very, you don't have to be like, funny about it, right? Uh, Cascade, I guess we're got, we got a delay. So I'll just finish my thought. Like you don't have to be too, su- uh, you don't have to think that it's some big snotty thing that's uh, only found in France. Like there's a difference in peaches that come from Georgia, right? Like fucking Justin Bieber singing about it these days, right? Like there's a difference, like, you know, probably if you're a fan of anything, pick something. If it's tomatoes, you just mentioned tomatoes, some kind of fruit, apples, something, you know, we got tons of apples here in the Northwest. A lot of people are really particular about their apples and like, fuck, this one farm has these apples or this one place has honey or whatever. Like there's a difference between sometimes one hill and the other. And, you know, maybe you won't know that unless you remember like, oh yeah, that one strawberry farm was just so much better when I was a kid. Like that's basically what it comes down to. Like that kind of stuff is essentially terroir, you know, it's, it's more than that, but that's kind of the, in a nutshell. Go ahead, Cascadian. Takes um, more than your lifetime. Right. I'm sorry. Or has like a very particular definition. When you get to the root of it, it's very much of a multifactorial combination of very particular elements. And when you take any one of those elements away or you tweak it, it's not terroir anymore. It's just your environment, Um, which is why I I agree with Dutch. I don't think it really uh, applies to how we grow cannabis. I think we need a different a different word or we need just a different understanding that we're not chasing terroir. Um, and like, like I was saying a minute ago, I think it's going to come down to for everybody that's not, which is a majority of people, everybody that's not in that sort of ideal climate for cannabis, that, that semi-tropical tropical environment where you can grow it outdoors, where it does produce a wonderful product year after year you're kind of going to get relegated to a greenhouse game, or you're just going to have to accept that there's going to be a particular flaw in your grow year after year. It just kind of is what it is. Um, but if you get into a greenhouse, you can sort of push your local environment towards that environment that you're not actually in allowing you to get closer to what is ideal for the expression of the plant the other half of that is to find i mean you can't grow like dutch probably would have a limited amount of success growing a a straight tie or a colombian or um an african strain where he's at just because he's so far north i mean he'd be trying to finish his flowers in, in march you know not to hell with november like You'd be trying to finish flowers in March and they wouldn't be any sort of representation of what it would be in Colombia or Thailand or Angola or Swaziland or Durban. Um, 
so it's kind of you've got to finesse your environment to the point where it it produces a particular profile a profile is not the right word but then you've also got to finesse the genetics and your choice of cultivar let's define this uh, for folks the the you know for us to be on the same page here uh terroir not to be confused with terror or something (laughs) terroir uh, it's a French term used to, this is Wikipedia, by the way, it's a French term used to describe the environmental frac- factors, not factors, that uh, affect a crop's phenotype. Remember we talked about phenotype and genotype and everything else, the expression, right? Not just what is in the, ge- the genes with the actual expression. Anyway, back to it, uh, including unique environment contexts, farming practices, and a crop's specific growth habitat. Collectively, these contextual, contextual uh, characteristics are said to have a character. Terroir also refers to this character. Uh, they say, for example, that some artisanal crops for which terroir is studied include wine, cider, coffee, tobacco, chocolate, chili peppers, hops, agave uh, for making tequila and mezcal tomatoes, heritage wheat, maple syrup, tea, and cannabis. Uh, and then they say that it's the, the basis, terroir is the basis of the French wine system, which everybody basically uh, assumes they're the ones in charge. And I was, by the way, going to say, like, I, I, I don't know why everyone assumes that we should jump into their rules or give them control of it. Like, I've heard kind of a lot of terrible things about those those uh, uh, old systems like I, I, I don't know my, my point is like we could do a different way of, of, of doing it we don't have to jump into the French way anyway uh, so they say that uh, it's a model for around the world okay that's fine uh, but uh, the AOC system presumes that the land from which the grapes are grown imparts a unique quality that's specific to that growing site uh, in other words the plant's habitat and the extent of terroir's significance is debated in the wine industry because of course you always do have to mention like which is exactly what we're doing. Yes. You know, you know debating I mean? like what the fuck a ter- terroir is and like can because we do for it cannabis indoor, like very interesting. Fucking, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. There's now, a half a dozen, a half a dozen varietals for wine, right? There's only like a half a dozen to a dozen varietals of wine. They're all essentially clones of each other. Some of those varietals are apparently like couple thousand years old like a uh, uh, cascade you probably know like i think some of the red w- wine varietals even the white ones stretch stretch back to like greek times roman times so those things have been like speaking of inbred lines right they've just been like very tightly held lines that have been cloned essentially mostly for a few centuries whereas cannabis now we still haven't even found the right bubba kush or the right skittles if we are going to have skittles in 2056 or whatever we haven't even found the right one for the Willamette Valley or whatever, right? Like we, we need to find the right branch of Skittles that will, that will acclimatize to that's, this place. That's kind of, I mean, that's just, it's just so complex because who's growing Skittles? Anyone in this room have a Skittles cut? Nobody in this, nobody in this place has a Skittles cut. I don't have one either. I'm just saying like, right. Who's got a, who's got a Bubba Kush cut? Nobody. Right. You do. All right. One, you know, my point is that we, we run through stuff so fast right. that it's it's really hard and it, until just recently we haven't been able to say what Bubba Kush is you know what I mean because like I, the thing I got that was called Bubba Kush could have been sli- the same slightly the same or totally different right we you know so like, there's just so it's, it's just like such a hard and I don't, I don't think with the way, because of the way it's gone, for whatever reason, uh, I don't, we're not going back. 
who, who, in, who in this place is going to stop growing less varieties? Like we all want to grow more. We all get lit up. You know, we're all trying to buy root beer and like, it's fun. That's like what we're into. And I've just admit it. We're like, you know, into it and it's cool. And like, we're not going to be, because we're not stuck in the, in like, a, like an apple or a vine where it takes years to develop this thing. And then you're stuck with it, you know, <laughs> to a degree, like we were, we're in and out in three months, like get it out, you know? I think that's like, this is just to illustrate the point here, Femi, sorry. Um, a lot of the things that, some of the things that people don't understand when we're talking about terroir and in relation to wine is that you can go to some of these traditional areas like France comes to, comes to mind. Um, you can probably count the number of different grapes that they grow in France on two hands. Um, you'll go to a region of France and they'll be like, this particular grape kills it here. So what we're going to do in this whole region is we're just going to grow this one grape and we're going to supply enough of this wine that the world can drink this wine. Um, but you don't see that kind of collaboration in the cannabis space yet. I hope that we get there. I hope that we can share the knowledge of this particular cultivar, like Bubba Kush really kills it in this region, whether, it, you know, wherever it is. And that every, you know, everybody in that region would be able to grow some derivative of Bubba Kush understanding that, that it works really well there. And the but problem the I see with Ascadian is when you do that, what you open yourself up to, like everybody's growing the same thing. You, when a pest or a pathogen right. comes in, it just annihilates everybody one time, wipes out the right. whole thing. Like right. that's why, that's why I think the, the, what the best thing cannabis has going for it is its diversity. Well, you should see the, the, uh, analness that goes on when somebody tries to bring a new wine variety into one of those traditional regions they don't that doesn't happen they don't let it happen because you jeopardize multiple families generational wealth with one person trying to be different but there's a collective understanding and with that collective understanding comes the ability that that comes things like if your tractor breaks but we've all got a harvest before this rain comes you've got 12 farmers tractors all pulling up to help you get it done. Like there's this community in the wine community that we don't have in the cannabis community. We're too busy fighting with each other to have something that somebody else doesn't have in order. And instead of sharing the wealth and working together, we don't, we don't have that cohesiveness as a community yet. Um, I think we can develop it, but it's, it's not there yet. And that kind of, helps to eliminate some of that worry but even then there has been like a lot of the french um grapes that are grown now are grown on a rootstock when they didn't used to be because of a pest that came through and killed everybody's grapes and they said well if we want to rebound we've all got to find a rootstock that works um and they did root aphid, wasn't it it was literally our fucking root aphids. yeah yeah and it's it's just that sense of community that I think we're lacking. How we choose to implement that and support each other instead of beat each other down and try to one up each other and play this hype train game is yet to be determined. I'm I'm far from the one that gets to determine any of that. But 
it's that lack of cohesiveness as a group of people that that's the bigger problem. Because if we had that, we wouldn't have the sneaky, let me bring this in and the root aphids and the aphids and the thrips that it comes with. Cause you wouldn't feel the pressure to get one up on somebody so quickly. We would all be building this generational wealth together as far as the industry is concerned, as opposed to somebody trying to diversify and be something different for the sake of not getting cut out of the game. Like they, they bring in something different because they're scared that their flowers aren't going to sell, which we also need to have a market that allows, you know, the, the Bubba Kush region or the, whatever region to be able to share Bubba Kush across, you know, this, the country or the world or what have you, we don't have that yet either. Cause we've been demonized for so long as a, as a culture. So that, that's why I was saying when I started to go off on my little tangent here, that there's, there's like levels to this shit and we haven't developed all the different levels to build up the resilience, to allow the community to be cohesive. It's, it's a, it's a whole shit show, man. But I feel like that's what we've got to strive for more than like understanding terroir or instituting some terroir. I think we need to work on our interrelational skills with farmer to farmer, region to region, and, and increase the understanding of, we don't all have to grow pre 98 Bubba, but we could grow some derivative of Bubba within this particular region because those plants do really well here or some Afghani offshoot or some Nepalese offshoot, depending on where you're at. Um, and everybody would understand that their crop is going to sell. It's going to, it's going to move. They're going to be okay. There's not, it takes the fragility out of the marketplace, out of the, out of, it takes the stress off the farmer's back when they know that, a, what they have is going to work and B, what they have that works is going to move. Um, and that's, that's the part of it that we've never had. Well, we're always this cascading, uh, the part that's going to move the, 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 okay, maybe that's not as, as good of a segue as I thought, but the, this whole time I'm thinking to myself, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's not a weed person the other day. Uh, not anti-weed like that's that's you know it's, it's, it's unique a lot of times uh, it used to be like if you weren't pro-weed in the past you were anti-weed right well nowadays there's a lot of people who are just like oh whatever you know it's no big deal so it's kind of refreshing to see a lot of people just not have an opinion these days like these days there's so many people who have an opinion even if they don't know something right so anyway it's refreshing even if someone doesn't like something they're like no oh, whatever anyway so we're talking about just as conversation goes we're talking about like you know farmers markets and there's just some fancy farmers market we're walking by and like oh you know that's the dream of you know cannabis people like you know the cannabis farmers markets with you know kind of this craft market whatever and so this perfectly reasonable question like who comes to this farmers market so like it hears us basically like jerking each other off there we always come this is always comes up there will always be a craft market this is like our freaking zen code or there will always be a craft market who comes to the craft market? Maybe it'll always be there because it's stocked by cannabis growing monks or something. I do. New cannabis sort of. I well, do. But real cannabis. I, do, you, do, you, do you also shop there? Yeah. Who shops there? I, it, I thought it was a good question. Do you? No, but, but think about it. Here's what I'm saying. I go there because I'm so into weed that I grow weed. I have a medical license, a recreational license, and a hemp license. And I'm on a forum here. And as soon as you guys say I got the gold, my ears are going to perk right up. And I will buy it from you because I love weed and everyone on this forum does too. 
like even the auctions, these auctions that we've been doing over the past year, prove it. You know, we're selling seeds for auction and people are going and being generous, but they're also starving to get some really cool, wild shit, you know, because we're so into it. Then so like, like, uh, and just same thing with beer. Um, at, when I brew beer, I buy beer to drink while I'm brewing beer. And I drink beer while my beer is being brewed. Even if I have lots and lots and lots of beer, I still want to t- try that new, new. Yeah, you know? you making your own beer right now? <laughs> no, but I'm about to step it up. My buddy's bringing this this weekend, bringing me a, a couple 14-gallon conical fermenters. So shit's going to get get fun. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like any, like if you're, if you, if you watch race, if you watch NASCAR on Sundays, you probably have some sort of car either in your driveway or your garage that you're working on. You probably bought, you know, the little electric NASCAR for your kid to drive in while he's four or five. You've probably got, you know, a box full of matchbox cars somewhere. Uh, it's, it's kind of that same. There's people that are just like all in on things. And, and for the people that are all in on cannabis, yeah, they're gonna like they're gonna be a Dutch. They're gonna have the hemp license, the rec license, the med license. They're gonna have plants freaking everywhere. They're gonna have seeds in a shoebox. They're but gonna have how many are there? You know what I mean? I think that's one of the biggest problems is our culture. I'll say our culture is not giving us the people that care about that anymore. Right. Um, it's giving us people that will stand in line for something to take pictures of and and other stuff like that like we i think we kind of missed where the terroir would have been like people are saying frenchie used to preach it all the time kevin dojry says it um but like it kind of seems like we might have missed it is am i wrong i don't think so i think that that a lot is to come we we are just scratching the surface of this stuff so in washington what washington is 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 what i know it's where i'm from but we also are a small pot compared to like California, you know, we're really small. We really only have about under 700 active growing producers in, ter- in the rec market. Right. And so I can base a lot on that and, and, and watch how slow that has gone. And that basically, for the most part, it's probably two thirds new smokers or old smokers that are started to smoke again that hadn't smoked for a long time. It's a, it's a new consumer and, and, and we, we, that we've been growing and growing and growing every year, our market since 2014, and it doesn't even account for the black market. And, and, and if you like, I, I have a friend who, who does numbers, he's a data analyst. And if you look at like the, the amount of square feet that we have licensed, it's insane for, for how much weed. like, there's no doubt that a ton of the weed that is produced in the legal market is being pushed out the black black back door into the black market and it's being consumed. And so the, the, my whole point is that the metrics we have, even in a legal market of it growing, there's still only a fraction of the of the of the reality. And I would say probably not even half of the of the of the of the, of the full yeah. and, and that the thing still hasn't been realized. Just like beer still hasn't been realized. I I shit you not like you know, like if you're in Portland or you're in some of these cities that are really fucking hot for beer, you, sh- you might start to see it. But like I'm in a tiny town, uh, you know, up here in Bellingham, Washington, we're, we're a small, I don't even know the population. It's under 100,000. We have like 25 microbreweries. Hmm. Really? Like, 
Yes. Like I shit, you know, we have 25 dispensaries, like in the shit, the shit can go harder. Like it really can. So like, you know, like, like, I'm going to say I'm with you. I think it can happen. Like if we can get the farmer's markets going and like, I, you see them happening. I'm coming from the other side of the coast. You know what I mean? I'm on the East coast. I'm in mass. And like, I know like anything on the black market realistically is trash Cali uh, reject um, all hard nugs. Like just, it all looks, the smells the same. Um, It's exotic, what they call exotic stuff. And it, and it's, not till you find a grower, you're finding something good, um, realistically. So, like, we have, I, I see farmer's markets popping up, and I know I don't want to put anyone out there that does it. You know what I mean? Because I don't know what the logistics are. But I do see people going and, and it happening. And if we can get it to, if we can get that to actually take off, I think we can go backwards a little bit. Just start off on the low. and just you know, That's how people do it at the farmer's market. They're selling, you know, whatever. I'm not gonna say anything. Allegedly. I mean, yeah, there are some alleged farmers markets, right? Like a couple of friends of mine might allegedly go to some of those farmers markets. But you know, we're talking about we're talking about like something that uh, I don't know. It's like a regular thing, right? Like, um, dude, there's there's farmers markets. You know, speaking of Portland or or the Bay Area or whatever, LA. Holy shit! Like when the farmers market comes, it's like the farmers that come there they compete for spots because it's like big money to be there. There's like regular clientele. They sell out of all their shit every day. Uh, the customers, like, you know, it's not the old farmer's markets, you know, because we get an audience probably from everywhere that, 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 that you know, all kinds of different countries. They're like, oh, what's, what's special about farmer's market in Bulgaria or something? Well, here the farmer's markets are now fancy, right? Because like all the actual farmer's markets went out of business because they got replaced by grocery stores and grocery chains and Walmart and blah, blah, blah. And now it's this kind of, I don't even know, a fancy back to the land movement or something. So it's like this intentional thing that you go to a farmer's market and usually you even pay like a little more, honestly, you don't pay less usually for like a tomato or something. You usually pay a little more, but it's fresher. It's right from the person that made it, blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. If you can find a good one, you know what I mean? You'll get a couple of good local gardeners that are just pumping out good product um, around here, at least. I think our markets are probably a little different. You know what I mean? Because you guys might have been, I think you guys were been legal longer and stuff. I'm talking about like the vegetable farmer's markets, right? And so like if we're talking about an analog to like a legal farmer's market, I'm not talking about, I mean, shit, like you, there's places in California probably where if you know the right people, I mean, I, I don't even think it's prob- probably. You well, but, 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 I mean, they're just five pounds to move. I'm talking about someone as a, and this is the person my, you know, my friend was talking about who comes to this farmer's market, not some guy who's moving pounds to Oklahoma. I'm talking about like long-term when the shit's legal. Cause I don't want to look over my fucking shoulder to sell weed. Uh, we're talking about, honestly, it's yuppies. We're talking about dentists and freaking hipsters and people that work at Trader Joe's and they come by an eighth at a time. Right. But the point is they're, coming to buy they might even buy a gram at a time of the fancy shit you're fucking straight up uh so you know what i mean like that's the kind of farmer's market that will sustain an actual legal future of of weed or or a dispensary model is somewhat analogous to that no hey hey shout out to uh shout out to nick i want to say shout out to nick i'm smoking at chelsea right now oh nice by the way, we might be way the fuck far afield from, uh, well, it, you know, uh, it's, it's every super, like, like, oh, super rain. Body I say to follow this, this farmer's market kind of conversation, like it, 
the rebirth of the farmers markets, you know, swept the country and kind of came out of it kind of, you know, like most things out of the West Coast, a lot of things in this nature out of the West Coast, right out of Oregon, really, um, the, the, the Oregon, Oregon tilt. And so like where you're at um, and growing out from there, it, it, it's more commonplace. But like when I left Portland in 2008 and there was farmers markets everywhere and I was like, this is saturated, like I can't sneak into a, a, a micro vegetable business here. And then I went to Minnesota and it wasn't nearly as prevalent, you know, but then dec- a decade later, and it's a totally big thing, right? And, and the, the, that's the same thing with the micro. That's why I like the the brewery thing really works because we can all remember back to when we were in high school and there wasn't any micro brews. There, maybe there was one one of those dirty wooden, you know, breweries around in, in, in a neighborhood here or there, but the beer wasn't that good, you know. Um, it's not like yeah, what we have now. But and in the same way, like, so when we did the conferences, um, it was like, you know, we kind of, th- we kind of all are pretty, you know, us that are on the West Coast, we think that we have the hot shit over here, right? But when we went to Michigan and we went to Maine, we, we were proven wrong. Like, the, Michigan has fire beer. Michigan has I'll fire fucking weed. Those guys are kicking ass. Same thing in Maine. Kicking Maine, fucking Maine ass. Maine brings the heat, bro. Yeah. We were totally impressed, you know what I mean? And so, like, I just think that, that it's the same way that, the, the you know, shit that grows, the shit that gets it, people get excited about stuff and they get, builds momentum. And we got people all over the place that are learning from each other now rapidly. And it's going to up the game for everybody. And it's going to up the interest for everybody. And, and we're going to have more consumers. And there's going to be more types of weed. You know, the dad weed is, is the dad weed needs to come in so hard so hard everyone tell us more about dad weed everyone that comes to my farm like wants to smoke weed with me and they're like these like my friends you know from before i got into weed you know and they're like dude if i even touched a puff of that i'll be wrecked and i'm like cranking four or five of these down (laughs) in the sash and they're just like what the fuck bro i want to touch it but they're like yeah i know you need that you need like the wonder ones and the low potency like under that but the taste good you know, and, and there's a whole gamut of products that we haven't even tapped so is into. the dad weed, the, the weed that the dad smokes while turning a ranch on an old Mustang? Or what is it? I'm trying to figure I that th- out. I think it's the one that these guys yeah, can sneak I'm, off. I'm a dad. When their <laughs> wife is looking like... <laughs> and st- get a little bit ripped, you know, but not so slim. Yeah. They can't function, you know. It's like the dentist. Because cause, and it's the same way that I am. Like, I'm not getting so fucking gnarly like when i'm hanging out with these guys and i'm just like grueling i'm fucking hanging out and having a good time but my tall it's a tolerance thing right you know and and people that work and that have different types of lifestyles can't build a tolerance to smoke weed like this just the tolerance either too we've talked about this we do talk about this quite a bit on the show like i'm not really that big of a fan i think of some of the strains that you're in well actually i don't know i'm making assumptions uh i think because you've said you've you've had some really serious pain issues i've had some serious pain issues too but for some reason i go a different direction i'm more not into the kush the gas the 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 bubba cushes i used to be very into that stuff sleeping issues and stuff for whatever reason now my mental state kind of switched and now i like the cannabis that i like is the stuff that just kind of makes my head ring makes me happy and goofy and productive and just silly and all that kind of stuff and not really sleepy like i i, I enjoy that at, at nighttime whatever else i'll smoke some kush at night but in the daytime man i love train wreck or something just makes me freaking a little bit wired like and that kind of weed this is this is 
I guess I'm talking about a couple of things. There's this cultural perception that when you smoke weed, all you do is just get uh, stupid. You know what I mean? There is weed that does that. But then there's also weed that the more you smoke, just the more like wired and goofy you're going to get. You're never going to get like, I mean, everyone is different. Of course, some people might react differently, but a lot of people are going to just get more and more and more wired uh, instead of sleepy. You know, yes. know it's, 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 it's not just a tolerance thing. I was going to say, go ahead. It's like, it's like, like dad weed's like functional weed which means something different to a lot of people, but it's not weed that gets you paranoid. It's not weed that puts you to sleep. It's not weed yeah. that makes you it's go not hide. Sleeper. In the, it's, it's not weed that makes you go hide in the kitchen because you're just, all you see is your ass because the rest of you is in the fridge. Like um, there's, there's this, I, Dutch was touching on it. There's this middle ground that I think the hardcore cannabis Elitist, elitists maybe say aficionado give us some some clout <laughs> well it's not all positive though some of these guys you know we we spent a decade getting hyped up on on the thc number as a as a industry we we let thc drive everything and i think we need to kind of come back to that middle ground where we have a more rounded profile of cannabinoids we have some cbd in there we have some thc in there we have some maybe a little dash of thcv we have cbc or cbg or some of these other cannabinoids we've probably bred out by selecting for high thc varieties for so long or or thinking you know in the early earlier times of testing we were probably misled in thinking that a higher thc value means a stronger high it doesn't always correlate that way i i like my cannabis to have a little bit of cbd in it because it gives them fuller effect, but we need to bring more of that diversity and cannabinoids back to the game where we have this functional weed that everybody can still act like a normal human being instead of slobbering on themselves on the couch or being ass and elbows in the fridge or um, there's that middle ground. I think we kind of bred out by selecting for these extremities and various different aspects that we could pick for the plant. I think that's kind of the the dad weed, at least from what I'm what I'm taking for taking it for is is that now what's the mom kind of weed? You know, we're all Sock. we're all a little bit ill-equipped to 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 know for sure. But what do we think the mom weed is? Soccer mom weed's probably the same thing with a really same shit weed. like you know like a lot of moms. Oh no, they want some during the day, you know, and and they they just need to be able to like the pens like a lot like my, you know my wife likes a pen she she can yeah. just like. Grace, you know, otherwise she's like got a, a big joint that she's like just taking a couple puffs off all day. Um, like, you know, one glass of red wine of weed, but that's different, you know, that, that it's just it's so different. And, and our society really doesn't understand that. But I, I don't try, I would not want to be feel that great of, of, with my son over at like the, the, the drunk uh wine mom's house. But, you know, the mom that's just having a couple puffs here and there just to, like, be cool and then, like, be chill with the kids. Like, I get that. That, that lines like, up with the way I, I think biology works. It's like closet smoker weed. Like, they smoke weed, but you can't tell. It's not that they're hiding it. They just didn't do it in front of you. And you can't tell that they're high because it didn't hit them that hard that everything about them changed. They got a little buzz and they go on with their day. And it's not a big freaking deal. And the kids would probably never even know mom stepped out for a puff really fast. Um, and then add on uh, the women always used to seem to love 
they they really gravitate towards great flavor i've noticed whereas men will smoke on a fucking tailpipe if we have to like um men will try to roast each other man like dead skunks and roadkill and shit i don't really i like i'm okay with those wookie penis but i don't vibe with them tell me more (laughs) (laughs) i'll smoke myself to sleep as a flavor you know what i mean like i'm all about the uh the heavy hitting stuff when it comes to the flavor and uh you know smoking so then you know that's that i guess that's my drawback when it comes to like the uh all the lighter stuff or the you know daytime weed, whatever you want to call it. Like I just, I don't know. I, I guess maybe I'm just, I'm just drawn in for the, for the I'm not into it either. Yeah, I'm not into it either. Like I've, I've been aware of the, 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 this need in the market for a long time. I've been aware of a lot of shit for, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, I was talking about it and I'm just like, you know what? Fuck that. That's not what I'm into right now. So you know, what, what is your favorite thing? What are you into? What uh, What's your favorite creation that you've uh, made? I like, I like heavy hitters, uh, you know, like Dog Walker, Gorilla Glue, or kind of, yeah. you know, TK. Um, I like to hear, I, you know, but it doesn't really wallop me because I smoke it all day. I sm- this is probably my 10th or 15th joint today. You know, I, I, I easily crush right. a half ounce a day. Um, I'm working on that. but at the same time like you know i will i will say like what cascadian uh, his point is is not it's not lost on me um like uh i heard kevin tell a story about going down to to columbia or south america or something and the guy was like you gotta take it you know tell him that you want to try this and it's really going to send you to new places but he's like you got to take a thc break Your, your, your brain is too fucked up right now and and i do believe that that is the, my case for sure. Like I, I consume so much high THC stuff um, that I, I don't really get a good look at, at effect. And um, there's some, some strains that I think that I w- would like have a wild ass fucking experience with that I get no effect from because of my over THC body. Right. Um, but if you got pain, I hear you know, that. I, I, I'm dealing with pain and I, I, I so I, I still deal with pain on a regular basis. Um, and so like you, I, I, I have to smoke, like I can't even hang out with my kids until I've had like a coffee and like one to two joints. Like I, literally my wife's just like, go get the fuck out of here. Like, cause I'm just so like, my body's so stiff and tight and I'm just like, like, I'm just, you know, but if I, if I get up early and have a joint or two and like kind of go do something and I come in right when they're waking up, I, I'm, I'm good, you know? Yeah, the other the other side to that from from medical need because i also have pain issues i've got crushed discs i got shit going on but as a society it doesn't matter really what you're talking about whether it's the news whether it's tv shows whether it's beer hard alcohol weed your favorite food our our society has been programmed to overconsume. um we've been pushed into more is better. We've been, we've been taught that dogma our whole life that if a little is good, more is better. And it's not always, not always the case. Um, medical needs are obviously don't necessarily fit the bill. You need what you need to take care of yourself. But um, for the average person, which is probably, it's probably the larger percent of the market is just the average person, not 
the medical need patient, but just the soccer mom or the working dad. Now that we're getting back into this legal space where all the closet smokers that gave up weed because they got the good job, because they had kids, because they whatever that are now coming back to cannabis or the next generation that's growing up, that's not fucked up, hurt and tore apart yet. Um, they're more, I, I would believe that they're going to be more inclined to chase that middle of the road herb instead of these extremities that the medical patients have, have really favored that I really favor. I, there's some extremities that I really like and some that really don't jive with me, but we've kind of bred everything away from that middle ground that would serve somebody better if they were to have cannabis in moderation, if they were to be that closet smoker um, or the person that could take a puff and not totally change their whole personality because they don't want to. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking to just shave the edge off. Um, yeah, yeah. What are we Go ahead. This is not a. I'm sorry. Go. Ahead. Go. Ahead. Oh, I was just. I was just gonna like. I was just remembering. Remembering like having my first couple beers. You know, like the first beer you had. You know, like I, I remember having a having two beers at a wedding uh, event, family event. You know, and just being like during the day, just like walking around like oh, oh you know, like I'm lit. <laughs> You know, like, and imagine that, like, translate that to weed with people, you know, and, and like, it's just like so overwhelming, you know. And now it's like, I'm just, you know, we're just drink a beer like it's a nice tea, you know. Yeah. Right. Get your, get your wings. <laughs> this is, this shows for, an, for adults, Josh. We're really, we really before are. Before I getting... grew, like, straight <laughs> up before I grew. Know. It was big boy yeah. I, I used to know. So who are you dude it's freaking hilarious to think about this hold on one second Wes I did like I used to smoke like I'd roll up a little pinner I'd go buy Chernobyl by like by <laughs> or whatever the dispensary when it first became legal here I'd buy like a gram or two you know maybe an eighth of Chernobyl and like roll up what three pinners out of it or four pinners or something smoke like a quarter of it and be just fucking lit for like three hours like wasn't that just the delightful time how, th- how times have changed. It hasn't taken that long, but it's fucking crazy. Like I could smoke so much weed in the past and just be so lit. Anyway, uh, Wes Engine, I was talking over you. You want to know? Oh, actually, no worries. Did. Yeah, I have a question for you, Josh. Who are you grow mentors? And um, has, has there been anybody you fostered along the way that uh, that uh, like you that are, uh, I don't know, a protege of yours or something like that? Mm, probably not on the latter, um, but like the, the, my mentors, that's a, that's a really cool question, man. Um, are, are really the folks that I have at the conferences. So I don't know if you're aware of the, of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've, I've seen a whole yeah, bunch of like uh, Elaine, what you put up online. Elaine is like a total mentor of mine in, in, or hero. And like, like when I got to do the first conference that she came to, um, I was like, it was like me meeting Michael Jordan. I shit you not. Yeah. It still is like, I, I mean, I, I have a picture of me and her, and Leighton sitting by these these huge ass trees in you know, the redwoods, and it was in walking through the redwoods with her. That first time that I met her was like fucking awesome to hear her talk about what she was seeing in the redwoods, and um, yeah, and Kevin, 
uh, for sure. You know, like the, 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 he, him and Gene um, are definitely, you know, genetic. And, and so I've, I've been really lucky in that sense that just like somehow organizing this conference got me the opportunity to, to get connected to the folks that I'm, but, you know, look up to, but on, in the veggie side of things, um, there's this guy, uh, John Jeevens, um, and out of the Bay area, uh, how to grow more vegetables is a book that he wrote that I read that I got really into. Um, okay. Yeah. And I don't know if you, you if you guys are familiar with it, but it, it's an organic approach that he has to just like crush it, you know, and, and he does a double digging kind of like, and he has, he, the other thing that was cool was he, he, he teaches you how to lay out, like, if you want to grow food for four people, this is what you need to do. You need to like six, 70% like carbon crops. And like, he kind of lays it out and how much square footage of everything. And, and then, um, and, uh, um, also Joel Salatin too, is a, was a huge, uh, guy I learned from, um, in the pasture poultry and, and the diversity and, um, you know, pasture moving animals around, you know, like I, I actually hit up some lady today on Craigslist about getting, getting a goat. And she's like, what's your goat set up? Like, and I was like, my nurse response, like, I don't got a fucking goat set up lady. Like I got electric fence and I'm going to move her. I was like, Oh, people have goat setups where they like their animals go in one spot. Like I totally forgot yeah, what a dumbass thing to do. <laughs> Like like everyone, every time someone calls you in the country now, they should say, "Hey, what's your goat situation like?" Goats are probably one of the more difficult livestock to get a hold of or to to maintain. They're they're little assholes. Profiles they could ask. My like, sisters are always on a roof of her house. Yeah, I heard I meat pigs, not not meat pigs. Pet pigs are pretty bad. Meat pigs. No, not meat pigs, pet pigs. Like bigger, bigger pet pigs. What's the difference between eat? a pet pig and a not and a meat pig? Or is a pet pig not made of meat or what? Well, it is, but a meat pig's like grown to eat. That's what I saw. I saw the movie Pig. I forgot to listen to the other day. I saw the movie Pig with Nicolas Cage the other day. It's really Different good, but breeds. it's sad ending. So if you if you don't like sad endings, don't go see the movie Pig, but the rest of it is actually pretty good. It's uh, filmed in Portland, and it's about uh, this uh, truffle. It's actually a really good movie for us to, like, bullshit about, but it just came out, so maybe people don't know about it. Uh, Nicholas Cage is a homeless-looking <laughs> uh, truffle hunter who never showers, uh, and uh, he's got a, a pet pig, and his pet pig gets, uh, well, his truffle pig basically gets uh, stolen, uh, potentially by, like, rival truffle hunters and whatever and he has to go and hunt for the, the pig or whatever anyway really interesting i think he goes through portland and all kinds of, it's kind of fun joel uh, fucking amazing joel Salton is really cool gabe brown's fucking the shit if you yeah. want to learn about like uh, <laughs> grain crops or or something that takes a, just takes a little bit more space by the nature of the crop gabe brown's fucking amazing Joel Salatin really nails it on the the crop rotation and the livestock rotation. Um, one of the other guys I've I've really looked up to is Darren Doherty for key line design and the Yeoman Plow and how to. I, I've spent a lot of time researching how to maximize the land use by manipulating the environment to the point that it like holds water but wind flows well, but your roads are decently placed and all the things that come into to farm design that most people don't think about. Cause a lot of that, you only get to set up once Darren Doherty is one of the, the guys I look to for that sort of information. Um, Savory. Well, I can't forget his first name right now. 
Alan Savory. Yeah. He did some cool stuff. He also did some stuff that wasn't so hot, but if you can read through the the I'd call it politics, um, there's some lessons that you can learn from the Savory Institute. Um yeah, I I know you I know you asked Dutch, you didn't ask me, but I've really looked to a lot of people outside the cannabis space to learn more about how to manage a farm in general. Cause at the end of the day, cannabis is just a crop and I like to think I'm decently um, educated on how to handle cannabis, but it's the larger picture of the farm in general, or how do you, how do you make the, the system closed? How do you not like Josh was saying, he's KNF certified. How do you, how do you get into ferments? How do you get into um, not needing an IMO anymore? I think IMOs are one of those things that follow the law of diminished returns where you might need them a lot in the beginning, but by year 10, you might not need them at all if you're doing things proper. So how do you get to the year 10 from year one? How do you do it and then not need it anymore? How do you set up your water to where the reservoirs fill up and you don't need to worry about it anymore? Um I'm trying to learn that that deeper level stuff to to add resilience. I think that's a lot of of what we're chasing when we're trying to learn all these various facets of farm approach is how to build resilience in the system. So how do you close the loops? How do you compost on the farm and keep the livestock and grow your crops and have your cannabis while raising your kids and your wife not leaving you kind of thing? Um, it's possible but it's it's I think part such of it, a larger it's a larger system than we give it credit in the cannabis space because we're always so cannabis 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 that i've really found it refreshing to step out of the cannabis space and go to these other farming aspects to try to synchronize it all mesh it all together but Right. I'm, I, I agree, man. Um, I think part of part of it too is is that, and going back to what you were saying earlier, everyone's so used to the on-demand culture where the and this is was the hardest lesson when I was working and doing product formulation and system formulation at Alcaponic Source. People don't give a shit about learning. At the end of the day, they don't. As much as we all wish they do, most of your customers don't give a flying fuck. They they want to go out there. They want to buy the solution to their problem. They want it to work tomorrow. That's all they give a fuck about. And, and if you aren't able to give people quick turnaround solutions, be them organic or otherwise, people don't give a shit about what you have to say. You can sit there. You can explain it to them in detail. You can explain it to them in the best way possible that is like coloring book simple that explains like astrophysics, quantum mechanics, and, and how to build a nuclear reactor. And people simply don't give a shit. They, they will not take the time to educate themselves. You have to boil it down to Here's your solution. This is what you have to do to get to the, the thing that you need. And that's, that's been the hardest part of trying to, for me as a person, trying to have a passion about this, but also wanting to like see change is merging those two realities. It's the single hardest part of what all of us do with our education and trying to bring more people into the cannabis space and all the hard work that Josh does. Fuck, he's probably done a better job at it than just about anybody else has with, with the conference and merging those two uh, concepts um, uh, and how to make people 
you know, boil that down to stuff that people can actually use, taking some of these more, you know, hard to understand ideas with some of the more complex comp, uh, 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 concepts that a lot of the speakers that he brings onto the conference do and boiling them down into, okay, well, here's what you do, you know, to actually make this work on your farm. Well, and part of it, like, is that we're, I, I, this, this farm that you're looking at in the picture, I just moved on to six years ago. My dad was not a farmer. His dad was not a farmer. Um, we didn't inherit a farming system. Um, and most of us did inherit a farming system and, and the systems, if you did the farming system that you inherited through the nature of the, the what's gone on is, has been reduced you know, reduced in the amount of people who are running it and increased in the acreage and all machine driven. And it's a different thing. And so we're starting from scratch in a, in a large sense, you know, um, and trying to learn from some of these people and these older techniques while also at the, at, we're at the, because what we're, you know, we're on a cannabis show we're we're, we're into cannabis that is literally like one of the, the, the plants that is on the cutting edge of, of, organic agriculture or how, you know i'm not sure exactly how to say it we're cutting through a lot of the learning because of our money because of our drive um yeah i don't know so there's just a lot of a lot, a lot there you know like the like i you know it would be really cool that if my son or my daughter or both want to take up on this or somebody else anybody you know and build upon what i built you know because they inherit so much of what I've been doing the last six years of my life. I've been literally just trying to get a little bit of a platform to grow plants, you know, and that's, that's a lot of years to put into something to have a platform just to, just to do a thing, you know? And, yeah. I, and I think we're all kind of doing that. Go I think ahead. It's awesome, dude. I mean, it's, it, I don't know. It's awesome. You know, you know, I'm all about it. it, it it's uh it's cool. Like I said, it, it does show all the work you're putting in. It's coming out. Um, yeah, and I just, I, I'm not, wasn't, you know, I've just tried to say like that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where, I, what I was trying to say exactly. <laughs> well, the, the added wrinkle to it all is, is conventional farming has, has generated mass profits. And similar to cannabis, cannabis is like the, the other side of mass profits. But conventional farming has amassed so much money, they've been able to bury traditional farming styles and make it seem like conventional farming, for a long time at least, was the Dude, only it's way. It's a trip because uh, corn farmers are not rich. Literally, corn is subsidized by the government. These guys have to borrow money. They're all in debt. Like, I don't fucking... The, the people that make money are the people who sell the corn, the seed and the, the, the fertilizer and the, the inputs, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You make more money selling tractors than you do selling corn. That's right. you know the people making the money are the people that are putting the farmers in debt. Those are the people making money. Almost as like going um, back to the simpler times. You know what I mean? Well, it, that's, that's what it. I like, feel like. That's what I feel like cannabis is going to take us to is it's going to take us to it's going to have the money for the science that we've needed for so long, but it's going to bring about the traditional farming methods. Right. 
Because we're also frugal enough that we're not going to go, we're not going to be the ones, at least the people that have the passion for the plant, are not going to be the ones driving and combining their fields. Um, well, and you see this too in aquaponics. I mean, the aquaponic, the, the aquaponic cannabis data being used directly for the some of the organic uh, fights you're seeing now in court, where you have the organic people trying to come to court and say, well, this isn't biosecure. Well, really, because the cannabis industry has to test every 10 pounds of biomass in order to sell it, right? So we have thousands of pounds of samples. So if you want to go to that route, dude, we have far more data than you guys have for any of your soil stuff. So you're, you're directly, I mean, a single uh, a round of aquaponic cannabis, just in terms of data generation, generates more data uh, in terms of strictly just to be legal for sale than some universities do with their commercial aquaponic facilities do in a year, right? Just to be compliant for basic sales. So you're seeing the, the, the money from cannabis pushing a lot of different agriculture ahead, leaps and bounds, not only in the um, sector of nutrients, but also in the realm of food safety. I mean, you have food safety studies being done with lactobacillus directly proving how lactobacillus can be used to solve E. coli, salmonella, listeria, and a whole wide range of, of different foodborne pathogens that we didn't even know was possible uh, uh, to do if it wasn't for cannabis, right? So we're seeing it make breakthroughs and even in the food safety realm. Yeah. Can anyone name a national, not a national, but a state food dish of Iowa, like cuisine of Iowa? Casserole. Uh, That's funny because that was my go-to. I was like, there's got to be some kind of casserole. Cholesterol. Hot dish, Michigan. Hot plate. Hot dish. (laughs) Hot dish. Okay. That's one that we don't really have. Where the people were kind of making fun of Iowa in the chat, but I was like, everybody has their like local flavor of food or whatever. Uh, Josh, we were talking about regenerative cannabis. What is regenerative? Like, what? Like, how do I put this? Uh, can indoor be regenerative? Is 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 it an all or nothing thing? Is it a process? Is it a is it a goal to strive for? I mean, uh, if you can't, I think that's it, it. do you even bother trying? How does it work? I think that it's a goal to strive for. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a concept really, you know, there, there is no official term. Uh, a lot of people put a lot of, a lot of their ideology onto it. Um, for me anyways, that's all I can put onto it is my ideology, I guess. So, um, it's a concept and it's a, it's a strive. It's a goal. Um, it's a goal to be self, self-sufficient with, within myself, uh, within my property, within, uh, my relationships. Um, and I think that part doesn't get talked about too much, you know, but, but to, 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 to build things up and to, 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 to also be built up by them, you know, um, it's the, the, the circle, um, mm-hmm. that's the best it is to me. And, and, um, and when, and when it comes into practice, that's where the debate debates are, you know, um, is, 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 is aquaponics more regenerative than permaculture, is no-till more regenerative than Hugo culture? Um, all these things, and 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 really, the goal is to do better, to, to do better, you know, to, right. to, to sequester carbon and to grow more nutrient dense plants. And I think that there's so so there's a lot of commonalities, and and really, 
it's a it's a it's a banner it's a flag saying you know we all wanted to do better and we we got into this term organic and it all let us down because organic was was a do not do list and we kind of want a do list like a list of things you should have to do you know um and 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 you know so so different people have have have, have identified that and defined it in different ways i really like the dragonfly earth medicine def, def, definition and certification like like i like that a lot um, i think it's a really good platform they they require um six closed loops on your farm which is a, a you know i had never heard of that term until until talking with the, them and um but it's it's it, it i already had all those closed loops within my farm you know it's it's meaning that you're closing the impacts and the things that you do and one of one of them is you know, we have chickens and we feed them our food scraps, our kitchen scraps, and then we eat the eggs. And so that's a, a cycle there. You know, I, I we, we collect the rainwater off our, our greenhouses and our buildings and we use those to irrigate our, our, our crops that we either eat or, or smoke or, or sell, you know, those, those types of concepts. Um, so, yeah, um, to me, that's what it is. And, and, and I think that even... Um, my model of it, of regenerative offends a certain, a certain sector of the regenerative crowd. Um, because like, I think that some folks are, you know, are very Amish about it, if you will, to throw that kind of term on it. Um, and I, I'm a little bit, well, I'm more practical. I think, um, I, 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 like I was telling you early guys earlier, I got, I, I got involved with the aeroponic grow in, in Minnesota and it was in Faribault, Minnesota, about 70 miles away from the Twin Cities. And the concept was that we would build these, these 50,000 square foot, 100,000 square foot aeroponic vegetable grows right outside the city and, and it would have you know, no shipping. And, and the numbers were there and it's better for the environment, even using the, the indoor grow methods. And so when I moved back to Washington, where I'm from, um, I had experience in that. I experienced winter growing in, in Minnesota, and I understood that I was supplementing and that I, you know, I was also, I was also able to get, you know, the increased, uh, the increased crop on the square footage of ground, right? Because if you're, if you're growing just one, one and done a year, you know, that's, that's it. But if I four crops a year or five crops a year, you know, I'm, I'm, increasing my my canopy and and anyways I, I also like coming from the background my background in, in climbing in the mountains and, and the concept of leave no trace and that that I, I fundamentally believe that um, the more physical space that we occupy as humans uh, the, the more destruction we do on the environment and, and farming is the most destructive thing um, that we do to our environment and so reducing the square footage of farming is the most sustainable thing we can do. And, um, and so like my, my whole model, it kind of incorporates all that. You have to understand all that and take all that into uh, uh, equation to understand that, that I am, four, I am 71 miles away from Seattle and I'm 60 miles away from Vancouver, uh, BC. And I'm, I'm actually positioned quite properly to grow any sort of uh, exotic food and supply or and or cannabis and supply those markets year round with very little effort compared to shipping my product from you know and this, I, this is where i step on tell shipping that product from california 
um, to the Midwest or whatever, you know? Um, and this is like, this is where Steve and I, you know, you could, you kind of ask, this is where Steve and I really get along because it's, it's, it takes it. You have to really take into a lot of those factors and really kind of take a step back and understand like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're using electricity, but we're using a small amount of it compared to, and you, you know, you're kind of weighing it all together. You're doing big things, you know, you're doing big things. When it <laughs> Try, <to> <laughs> excuse me, trying to, trying to use let all together the goal is to be less of a burden on the planet and to, right to, you know to put out more with less and so i don't know that's my my defenser but but it's also like really my my flag that i that i i didn't really wave hard when i started to started the conference because i wasn't very confident but um steve fucking really hopped in and and held that down in the conferences like you know, we'd have soil scientists and 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 KNF and and all and all this different things, um, entomology. And then Steve comes in talking about aquaponics, but actually, like two thirds of his talk is really about sustainable farming and next level that people didn't understand. You know, like like uh, energy batteries and and all sorts of stuff that was just like being missed by everyone else. You know, and um, and I think it's really sad. Because like what we have in technology and what we have in our, in our understanding now gives us a, such a big opportunity to be so, so much more sustainable and really to be better stewards of the, what we have, you know, and use less of it, you know. Is there a business model that doesn't involve owner operators who are passionate? Because, for example, like uh, you're obviously passionate, Steve's passionate, a lot of other people that, that we kind of know about in the scene are passionate owner operators. Is there a corporate model for that kind of sustainable sort of I think of so, because the numbers are there. Um, you know, my passion is, is based out of my desire to reduce the impact on the environment. But when you look at it all just from a financial incentive, the numbers are there for sure. So, you know, someone that's just trying to like run a business and move forward in the, in looking forward into the world that, that's, that's ahead of us. It, it makes sense, you know, to, to, to farm in these methods. I think we're seeing way more like homesteads and like people converting things to live in and stuff. Right. It's, it, it's actually become way more popular in the last couple of years than anything else I've seen. Um, you see uh, everything on YouTube. Well, I get suggested because my feed's weird with card builds and stuff, but yeah people are converting stuff and like i know a couple of people that got farms and stuff now and they just they never you never thought about it and they're like yeah i'm just gonna go get a farm it's kind of been a, an interesting progression because when i was a kid organic food wasn't really like talked about um you know as a society we just had food and then there was um i don't know which one came first organic food i think it was organic food came first and then non-GMO, which is not the same thing as organic. They're two different certifications. But then you had non-GMO food. And then you had this era of sustainable farming. And then after a few years of sustainable farming, everybody looked at each other and said, well, do we really just want to sustain? Um to sustain is to just not take away from, but it's not to make it better either. It's to just 
stay at the same level, which was a good goal when you come from conventional farming that's totally degrading everything. The farmers are dying, the equipment's burning, breaking down, the food's getting worse quality and harder to grow, it's taking more money. So to sustain was a beautiful goal at first, but then we've seen that sustainable farming was possible. We're like, okay, well, what's the next step? And that's where regenerative kind of came in was that not only do we need to sustain what we're doing, but we should be good enough human beings. We should be kind enough to the planet that we can leave it better than we found it. Yeah. And, and that's where the regenerative model sort of was built from. And like Dutch said, that that really comes in. Sustainability didn't necessarily include closing loops. It didn't include cleaning the water as it came across your property. It didn't include reducing the amount of, of um, hydrocarbons that you use. It, it didn't include lessening the amount of plastic that you use or throw away. Um, it didn't. It didn't have anything in it about making the world a better place. It was just, let's not make the world any shittier than it already is. So this, that's where the regenerative model kind of got fuzzy. It, it kind of went a whole lot of directions all at the same time. And there wasn't this like core belief system because I, I, I go back to the wine stuff, but I also come from a little bit of a beekeeping history that beekeeping is very localized what works for beekeepers in one area doesn't work for beekeepers in another area so regenerative farming kind of took that same approach and that this area needs to do these sorts of things to make regenerative make sense but you go over a mountain range or you go to a different climate and there's probably a different set of criteria you need to make the farm functional and regenerative and leave the land better off than you found it while not being enslaved to, you know, a $400,000 combine that you can't afford or having to sell a subsidized crop just to keep your farm or having to increase the amount of acreage that you grow every year just to make the same amount of money. Like it's been a shift, but it, that led to less of a strict structure on what regenerative is. And now we've got to the area where we're all able to kind of connect with each other and learn what other people are doing, but they're not necessarily in the same climate as you. So you've got people that are trying to do things that aren't really needed or meant for their system, but they're trying it anyway. And because it worked in somebody else's system in a different climate and a different setup with different parameters. So we're all trying to, it's gotten kind of fuzzy because you don't need to do everything everywhere. You just need to pick out the right parts to make it work for where you're at. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier, where we need a, we need a more cohesive community that actually shares what works, but that also takes experience and mistakes and lessons learned. Um, and that's really the biggest danger with try with, I guess the current movement right now is people trying to overly limit things and saying, Oh, well you can't do this or it's not regenerative or you can't do that. Or you can't use PVC or you can't do that. But you know what? It's cool that you have a climate that you can never have to water, but not everybody lives in a climate where that's right. possible. And, and you're bringing up probably the, one of the biggest current issues with our current thing is like, look, and that's why I, I like 
some of the regenerative groups do things on a point-based system and say, okay, well, maybe I can't do this practice here, but I can do it over here. Or, or some of them, you know, allow you, oh, well, you can do this here, but you can't do that there or whatever. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, hey, if we're all moving towards a more sustainable farm, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you use, you know, whatever form of whatever it is that you're doing. At the end of the day, we're all we're all on the same team. We're all fighting the same good fight. And and we shouldn't overly pigeonhole ourselves into some of the, you know, I, I people have heard me go about it on my show, the religion of organic versus the science of organic. Um, you know, some of the stuff is done strictly out of, you know, a belief system that may or may not actually, at the end of the day, help us do things more sustainably, regeneratively, or with less water and, and less petroleum-based inputs. And I think at the end of the day, we need to look at how do we reduce fuel costs? How do we reduce, you know, the amount of stuff coming out of the ground that's being moved? And then how do we reduce just the amount of stuff coming from off the property, right? At the end of the day, we should be looking to reduce those things. But you know what? All of us are blessed enough to live in, in either an economic situation or a physical location that allows us to do to, to, to all the things that we wish we could do at the end of the day. And maybe three or five years from now, there will be solutions to those things that allow us to be that way. But we shouldn't you know, turn anyone away from the community that, that can't do it, especially when it comes to you know, a lot of people are, are trying to do things and they're barely getting by, right? If you're barely getting by, you're going to look the other way a lot more when it comes to regenerative practices than someone that has the luxury of having unlimited funds. And I think that also be taken into account because a lot of people at the end of the day have a minimum amount of money that they need to get back out of their crop or they go under, they need to look at selling the farm. Right. And we need to also be sensitive to that. I think that sometimes some of the regenerative practices and some of the regenerative um, ways of thinking um, don't always account for those things. And I wish they did a little bit more. Uh, without getting more specific and probably opening up cans of worms that you guys are wholly unaware of. So look, so basically do your best though, right? If you have a small, you know, if you want to do your, you know, do your part, it's just, you know, it's, it goes back to basics. Like what they teach you in you know, when it comes down to recycling, if, if there has to be rules or this or that, then, you know, I don't know if I fit into the club, but I'm doing my best. You know what I mean? My, my, Everything I'm using, I, I recycle everything here on my property as well. I have an acre and a half, uh, you know, with a indoor, outdoor, vegetable gardens, cannabis gardens, you know, the whole thing, all kind of packed in here. <clears throat> and I just do what I can, you know what I mean? I don't have full loops, you know, livestock and stuff, but I'm doing what I can. So... That makes sense, right? Does that mean is that acceptable? Yeah, of course. <laughs> is have you guys ever checked out uh, John Kemp, Advancing Eco Ag? I really like. Um, <clears throat> he deals more more on the um, agriculture side, like big ag side, and oh. um, <clears throat> I really like though that the the science and, and a lot of what they get into. Um, I, they probably have on their podcast, I don't know, three or four seasons, but the, you know, the, the first two or three seasons were just fucking killer. Um, there's still some good stuff out there, but I, I haven't, I haven't listened to as much of the last season or so, but, um, they get into like the, I mean, they do, they do, uh, they have a whole program and, um, they get into 
tissue, uh, tissue, sap tissue testing, which I haven't got into uh, yet, but um, in, in concept, it, it's pretty, pretty right on in my mind. And then they, they use, um, they can use a micronutrient foliar uh, applications to, you know, kind of guide what's missing. And, and in that way, use very, very, very little uh, input to keep the, the plant on course while getting on their way to that 10 year point that we were talking about where the, where the system, you know, if you will, takes over and regenerates itself. It doesn't need any more assistance. Yeah. I've, I've listened to probably, I've been listening to his podcast while I build uh, seed separators. I got these nifty, I don't know if you know about it, but these nifty headphones, they're, uh, they're work headphones. So they, they dole the noise and stuff, but they also connect to my phone through Bluetooth. So nice. I've been able to, uh, play him while I'm using power tools and it's been pretty fun. Uh, There's always tidbits in every show, um, which with anybody, when you go listen to him for long enough, there's always things you can nitpick about. Sure. Um, I'm trying to work on being more open-minded and accepted because I, I admittedly, I can be a bit of an asshole, but I'm trying to not nitpick on people and just, take what I can without judging. And I've noticed in, in every episode, there's things that I can, I can pick out that, that uh, I didn't know before. And had I been so caught up in being an asshole about it and, Oh, I'm not going to listen to this guy because of this, or that guy's whatever. Cause of what he said this one time, um, I would never know those things. Like I didn't even know, like, for example, an ORP meter, I didn't even know those existed. We've all heard about pH meters and pH pens, but who the hell here knows what an ORP meter is? I mean, potent might. Oxygen. What is it? I don't know. I don't know the definition of ORP, but it basically measures the redox potential in your soil or your solution, um, which you don't even hear cannabis people talking about redox most of the time. They're all like pH, 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 and totally forget about redox. So to find out that there was a freaking meter that would measure it was mind blowing to me. I was like, are you kidding me? There's a fucking meter for this. Right. So, and people still uneducated people still preach that anaerobics anaerobes and redox are bad and evil and, and will kill your shit. <laughs> redox is alive. They'll throw a whole one hour temper tantrums on their podcast to do it too. Redox is why you're alive. I mean, that's, it's the trade of electrons is instead of the trade of protons and it's an electron currency. Um, so it, it's anyway, I, there's little tidbits and like a lot of the, the Kemp episodes, I always get to the, it gets to the point where you ask them what book would they recommend? And that's the time I have to stop working and I pull out my phone and I go to the internet and I'm ready to type in whatever the name of the book is they mentioned. Cause every time they mention some book, I'm like, Oh, I need to get that one. And it's because I want to learn more. Um, but there's there's always tidbits in everybody's show, everybody's podcast, because that's what when I was in wine and when I was looking at beekeeping, I personally, I was a I'm still a caregiver, but that was all I did all day. I was a caregiver for my autistic brother. I was at home and I was going stir crazy. That's how I started making wine. My mom looked at me one day and she's like, you need to do something before you do something destructive. And I was like, I'm going to learn chemistry and make wine. And that's what I did. Um, 
in that time, I started to teach myself farming techniques. I was like, well, if I want to make wine, I need to grow the fruit. If I want to make mead, I need to keep the bees. Uh, If I want to keep the bees and grow the fruit, I need to do it without killing myself because I have some friends who have made wine for 30, 40 years. You know, they did inherit the farm. They did grow up farming. Um, And they now have cancer. They now have stage three, stage four cancer because of the conventional farming practices or the practices that they were forced to use because that's what they were taught because that's what their dad did. I didn't want to go out like that. So before cannabis, the cannabis world even knew who Cascadian Grown was, I had already spent 10 years learning permaculture and key line design and um, essentially the beginnings of regenerative farming. I've already spent years listening to Joel Salatin and Gabe Brown and John Kempf and some of these other guys. I've already watched most of the university presentations on soil science, plant science. I need to watch them all again now that I've taken OCHEM, BioCHEM, and I have the knowledge to understand what the hell they're talking about. But I would have these things planned while I cooked dinner. I'd have them planned while I was, you know, doing laundry. Um, And I I just, I'm excited for when the rest of the community here catches up to that 10 years of of integrating these more regenerative practices that aren't really talked about in the cannabis space because we're all so into cannabis which i am too but when that all starts to really integrate into itself it's going to be beautiful because there's so much potential left on the table of what we could do in terms of how to manage these farms and how to take care of the the environment that we're growing these plants on that we've got leaps and bounds still to make and to bring the leaps and bounds that we've made with us while we stitch all that together. It's going to be a mind blowing adventure, dude. I'm so excited for what we, what we can do. I just hope that it comes to fruition. You know, we've, we've got the seeds planted. Now we just need to tend the trees and, and well, watch it. So I'm, so I'm one of the people that have come from, uh, you know, we won't call it the dark side, but you know what I mean? Like more of the, yeah, that side of cannabis. It was, it was, it was all about money. It was, I'm not going to lie. You know, it was all about money. Didn't really care, you know, recycling, this and that. Now I'm, so I'm like, I'm, I'm jettisoning, jettisoning over. <laughs> Did the thing go blank? <laughs> Did my phone just die? <laughs> oh, we can see you. By the way, I'm I'm not on camera right now because I accidentally uh, rubbed some, some ghost pepper flakes in my eye. Like a little bit of uh, I'm sorry. Ghost okay. pepper. Anyway, great. It's I mean, awesome. uh, uh, probably looks even better. I haven't checked. But uh Ozzy, by the way, this entire time I've been meaning to say hello, and then we get talking about some random shit, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, we forgot. Ozzy. What's going on? Yeah, man, Ozzy, what's up? What's going on? In the middle of the trichomes. That's why he's he's uh he's camouflaged in the middle of the trichomes. What's going on, man? Hello, g'day everyone. Uh, hi, Fumi, Wes, D, Punk and Pikes, Cascadian, Smash, Tommy Trichimes, Rich End of Cannabis, who I've never met, but hello. And g'day to all chat people. Yes, I'm just sniffing on some nice birds. Ready to have a good session again. <laughs> um, 
I can give you weather reports. Pretty uh, nice here for the middle of winter in Australia. It's uh, shit, 17 degrees Celsius outside. So that's 60 nearly, 60 Fahrenheit. That's pretty good, considering this is a. Ah, uh, yeah, considering it's supposed to be winter. But the snow on the mountains. But um, yeah, it's good for out outdoors. Um, you can nearly get stuff going. So um, yeah, as long as you frostproof it, it's some of those times when it still happens. But it's um good opportunity in this land of what it is. Um, yeah, that's about it. Cheers, everyone. I'm How in the middle of uh, kangaroos. Are they sleeping? Ah, uh, they're all right. Luckily, they've um they've learned to wear masks now, so they they're not catching COVID either. So it's pretty sweet. <laughs> is it ma are they masks or are they like boxing? Is it like boxing gear because they're trying to avoid being punched by you? Oh, because it could be a bit of both. But yeah, I don't want to tangle with them anymore. No. But it's good to see that they're all safe and they're all happy. So that was one. And the magpies, they're starting to swoop soon. You're taking out your aggression on the on the birds, which are dinosaurs anyway. <laughs> no, no, I don't take aggression out of them. They swoop. <laughs> yeah, I, I just film them. I film them peacefully. Yeah. I was I, actually... I, was, I had a for a couple of weeks. How many million views do you have on your kangaroo fighting video? Um, four and a half last time I looked. I can't be the only one that thinks the Aussie looks like Alan Rickman. <laughs> Who's Alan Rickman? Uh, uh, the beyond, uh, never give up, never surrender. What, what accents he got? I'll try and speak in the accent. I'm Alan Rickman. Hello, everybody. <laughs> he, was meta, he was Metatron in Dogma. Uh, <laughs> oh, like, that guy John, is... Um, God. You're talking before a bit about um, the I'm doing a class at the moment called organic Did you lose him? Dang it. He froze completely. Yeah, completely. Don't leave this beer around your kids. They will drink it. It tastes like juice or some shit. I don't even know what this is. By the way, this is Alan Rickman from Die Hard. Hey, don't stop believing it. If you're watching, send me a case of the shit, please. Oh, I'll get you free. Uh, by the way, we were supposed to. Oh, Putin's gonna. Yeah, there you go. The, he's the guy with no genitals from Dogma. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That just made me laugh. Holy shit. By the way, we were supposed to. We we missed 420 because I had freaking ghost pepper in my eye. I don't know. I guess we could it? do it the next hour. This is actually funny enough. Maybe we should do it in the next hour. All right, fuck it. We'll do it the next hour because it was supposed to be a whole thing. Uh this place is kind of funny. I caught it. Hey well, uh <laughs> hey Josh. The the schedule is on for the uh for the conference though, coming up here. Yeah, um, so far, I mean, I, I gotta I say, I'm, I'm nervous about the, the, the fuck variant, but yeah, as it stands, we're, we're, we were planning to go um, January in Humboldt, um, February in Michigan, and March in Maine, and Oklahoma in April, right. so it'll be the last weekend of each month.
Yeah. Um, actually, we we're just starting to, I was just going to get on a phone call today. It didn't work out, but tomorrow with um, my friend Season, who plans it with me. And we're going to start getting cranking on some, some details. So I think it, well, it's going to happen. I mean, <laughs> listen to me say, I think. I, I, I just personally got so, <laughs> I got so discouraged about this Delta shit. Like, let's, let's hype it up. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, didn't mean to right. put you on. I know, and, it, and it's like as soon as I say it, I'm like, God damn it, someone's gonna kill me. Like, God damn it, that's not real, you motherfucking pussy. No, I will. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry for putting you on spot. No, no, it's all good. But uh, yeah, no, uh, it's it's all go yeah, go at this point. Um, it happens but, uh, in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, it should, it should happen. So. I don't. I think at this point, I don't. I don't see our culture uh, locking back down the way it did before. I think we'll. Who knows what the fuck we'll do? Get Trump back in office, maybe. That'll solve some. Don't say that. Holy shit! <laughs> Christ. Um, my conference is great again. Yeah. yeah. My loves horror movies. It's fucking worse than any of that shit. Feel me, feel me. I just put some of your. Uh, I put. Uh, we're doing a, a a real good pheno hunt. Nice. I just got a big storm on the girls. That, awesome. Uh, I may or may not have uh, just dropped some seats last night as well. So, right on. Charobis. Oh, and that's what I wanted to ask. Josh, you want to help pick out some seeds? I'm about to throw down. Uh, I got some good one. seeds uh, from the CSA. You want to help? Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, and, and to be to truth be told, like, I, I'm hoping to come to Michigan uh, at the end of the month for gene traders. Oh, come but, to my house then. Just come down. Dude, come I'm, like, I'm so worried that, uh, small tour. yeah, I may or may not come. Well, uh, whatever. Gene traders is a good event, dude. Yeah. Gene traders is lit. I've been to, uh, two of them here in Michigan. Uh, shout out to scapegoat. We will. Nice. Uh, I went and hung out with uh, him. He showed me a good time. He introduced me to some cool people in the industry. You know what I mean? So, like, shout out. He's the, he's a he's a friend of mine, a mentor. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I don't know. Shout out. Yeah, to no, you, I, I want to get out there for sure. I mean, yeah. But yeah, so. no. If if you come, Gene Traders is like a. It's a cool. It's like a. If you ever been to a motorcycle swap meet, you know, like yeah, dude. Day, it's like a four hour <laughs> hustle. It's like that, but we me and me and Ty, me and family tree seeds got a booth. <clears throat> oh, so it's shit. like it's yeah, it's yeah. on, but like I haven't bought my plane ticket yet. Just come, dude. What what part yeah, of what, well the other the other thing is I mean I'm on live, but the other thing is uh Nick's health. I was i I'm kinda also waiting to see uh it, he, he yeah. might need someone to go with him to to his uh stem cells. So right. if I have to choose, uh probably bounce on the gene traders and go be his like helper you know i got you uh, and shout out i didn't want to you know i didn't want to no it's all cool i mean shout yeah out shout out to nick he is uh i met him at gene traders uh the first one that was ever might have been the first gene traders thing to ever go down was the one in west michigan it was crazy like they just started popping off and then it was like <laughs> now it's just i don't know it's blowing up but then yeah. when I went to in Detroit, when I went to in Detroit, it was crazy. I mean, it was, uh, it was, I don't know. I don't I know the young kids say epic, but it was kind of epic. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a, cool it's stuff. a great idea, dude. I mean, we did the, the seed swap at the conference 
And it's real people. It's all no, it's all about genetics. You know what I mean? Yep. It is gene traders. Yep. And what we look, wear your condoms. You know what I'm saying? Wear your condoms. Don't even <laughs> take no clones. You better have a you better have a sulfur dunk tank in your trunk. You know what I mean? Bring a cooler. Full <laughs> of sulfur. Ready to go. Boom, boom, boom. Flash some clones in there. <laughs> if you need them that bad, you know. Unless you get them from me. If you see me, they're clean, baby. I clean them 100% all the time. What Tommy's really saying is dunk his twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I just popped on. I just hopped on to say you got to pop that uh, ice cream cake licorice lime from Dutch Blooms, man. I that I pop that. Dude. That that's that the, the yo. It's got it's got colors in the stem. Just a little touch of color from that ice cream cake, from wedding cake, right. and it's like it that. smells like yayo, dude. It smells a stem rub in the beginning. Now it's starting to flower a little bit, but it smelled like yak, yo. I was like, how the hell does this yeah. smell like fucking coke, yo? Like, but anyways, so what, what, I, what are we calling that one? Ice cream, cream cake, ice cream. Ice, yeah, yeah. Ice cream cake. I'm calling it licking ice cream. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, no, Dutch, you got good, you got man. fire, dude. Yeah, the dosy dough, dough. the dosy dough uh, liquor slime that I got a mail outside, and uh, that one's pretty cool too. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, no, no, I just I didn't go crazy. I I went um, berserk on all my shit. And uh, I put Dutch's stuff a little while later, and then it got covered up by the potatoes. <laughs> and so it didn't really grow all that fast. And then it got covered up by like a bush. But I mean, it still is growing and it has really, really good smell. So I just, I just heard you talk about what seeds you should pop. So sorry, I just hopped on just to say that. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I appreciate it, man. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Did you get the dog walker ones too, Tommy? Yeah. Oh shit! Sorry. No, no. Either way, the dog walker. Yeah, the dog walker ones. I just got the. the I'm calling them dog dog liquor. Uh, <laughs> dude, I look at this. I I just was here. Boom! I was I've been putting yeah. these out all day. I had like a two jars of these, a lot. Um, but those are there is one of the like I found the foulest flavor in my garden in those. So gnarly, like body odor or what? What is it? It's like uh, dog walker turned up, you know, like it's body uh, odor. Yeah, like like one of the guys like would actually walk all the gas, way around. The gas on the doggy side. Yeah, right? but it's got the gas, and it's like, oh, it's so good. He'd walk all the way around like he didn't want to smell like that plant for two weeks. Yes, he would walk around <laughs> and avoid it. <laughs> and funny enough, dude, he wears a mask every day. He wears like a fucking gas mask and he would still walk around it. <laughs> yes. That's so yeah. good. For that dad weed. Do they have the dad walker yet? No, not no dad walker. Fuck that. <laughs> you got to mix that with the uh, grandma's breath or grandpa's breath or meat breath. Maybe get something really foul. Uh, was saying that you uh, you're you're really into like mutated plants or interesting mutations or interesting uh, variants. Do you have any like really cool stuff in that regard, like just weird shit you've ever seen? Well, I think maybe he was there when I had the duck webs. Is that what I had up when you were visiting? Um, I, was I, just, a... I was just thinking you do so many pheno hunts and stuff. You get a chance to see a lot of weird shit that uh, <laughs> a lot of other people don't. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. OGKB. OGKB's got a weird thing. Have you seen those? I haven't. I haven't I've never had it. Kind of like those cactusy things. I, so I did a. I mean, actually, I only have the one. That's that's the one I'm claiming as mine. The Rambo. It's the OGKB female times an ambrosia male. And I've talked to. Uh, I mean, I've talked about the ambrosia on here, but yeah, Coot uh, said it's it, what is it? Jordan of the Isles is that who uh, had the ambrosia? Is that what Coot was saying? Sounds right. I think so. So I don't know, but yeah, I, you know, I'm not. Trying that's to, correct. That's what Rambo is, <laughs> and uh, Rambo is super limited because <laughs> I got I'm 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 working on breeding size into it. But it does have this really good buzz, and uh, it's like super, like it's like garlic in a gym sock kind of, you know, almost like a cat pissy, a little bit, you know. You know, I've been the people. (laughs) Some of the people I watch actually just ran a bunch of uh, Dutch shit, yeah. And they were like, they love making hash with it. They said it's a really good, most of them are really good hash makers also. Yep. Well, let's see. It's getting close to winter, winter time here. So that by the time they're ready, it's, it's going to be all indoor situation. So, uh, and I don't know. Those dog walkers are pretty good. They're pretty good. The ice cream cake ones were pretty good. Um, the Post Malones. Yeah, give me some rare stuff. I, I want to put some rare stuff. I'm doing. I'm doing a. I, I can't. I don't even think I can Ethiopian. Ethiopian cross. I'm, I'm doing a test for the homie Woo Woo. Shout out again. Nice. But uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw yours in, his in, and uh, I'm probably gonna throw some of my own in. So I get to get you know what I'm saying amongst the giants and shit. You know. Play with the big, you know what I'm saying? It's like I come up from, it's like I come up from the double A's. I'm using the big leagues for, for an evening, but put them all in the tent, see see how it does. And uh, I don't know. That sounds good. So what are we going to decide on? I, the Post Malone ones, right? What are you calling it? That's Gary Payton. Is that, can we say it right now real quick or not? We're not saying it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my bad. Uh, yeah, I'm putting those ones in there. These didn't want to. Uh, Thank you. I wanted, Man, to give, I wanted to give a quick shout out. Um, Friday was the third anniversary of Michael McShane's passing. Um, oh. For those of you that don't know who Michael McShane was, he was uh, kind of like Michigan's um, uh, Rick Simpson. He provided a lot of RSO and similar RSO type products to a lot of people. He also um, was a longtime um, HIV advocate and uh, cancer advocate. He survived, I think it was 39 years with HIV and like 18 or 19 with cancer, uh, beating both of them only with cannabis oil and, and was kind of one of the first people that helped kind of prove that both of those can be done with just one, basically cannabis oil and nothing else. Um, so uh, we did a bunch of interviews with him. If you can, uh, if you're interested, you can check that out. We'll be doing kind of a super cut similar, like we did to Frenchie on Wednesday. It took me a little longer to get that uploaded than I wanted to because of some literally a thousand different technical fucking errors in the last 
day and a half that I've had to deal with, but uh, we will be getting that up for tomorrow. Um, so definitely check that out. He was a, a big pioneer. If you guys aren't familiar with him and his work, um, definitely check him out. I will be for sure. I didn't know. I, I never heard of him in Michigan, but uh, no, man, that's, I mean, rest in peace, Tommy. That, that sucks. That sucks. Sounds like a great guy for the community and all that. Uh, and the, the Frenchie thing was real good, too. You know what I mean? The, the cuts. I enjoyed that. <laughs> they got to miss Frenchie next year on the conference for sure. Yeah. Right. Always enjoyed him uh, dunking on whatever my newest uh, uh, concentrate that I thought was really good was. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, some of the best compliments I ever got were, were from him. So uh, definitely will be missing him. Big time. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was always, uh, he was uh, uh, an early riser. Um, I only got to spend time with him at the conferences uh, two years uh, in a row. And he was an early riser. So him and I would have coffee and joints together. First joints, first cups of coffee. Right. Did he have yeah. uh, our joints or hash joints in the morning? No, uh, he smokes joints and he smokes, you know, you'd smoke joints. Frenchie only smoked hash joints. I don't think I ever saw him smoke flour a single time. Did you, Josh? Hash joints? Yeah. Look, man, one time I smoked a blunt. It was only hash. <laughs> it was bubble hash and a blunt. And no tobacco. Like just How rich did you get? Uh, I mean, it was crazy. So. How far did you make it through the blunt? It was like a desperation thing. It's like we have a bunch of bubble hash and shit, you know. I don't know. There's been weird times in my cannabis history where, you know what I mean? Like legal shit just happened. Mm. Has not happened. Nobody ever smokes out of an apple anymore. Kind of weird. I do once in a while, yeah. just for the fun of it. Yeah. Well, I grew up in apple country though, so it's it's nostalgia to me. So, yeah. First time I ever, first time I ever caught my mom smoking weed was she was smoking it out of an apple. So. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? She's like, "Oops, caught me." Yeah, she just had that "oops" look on her face, and you know, tucked the apple behind her back. It's an apple. It's to play off it's a medical that. apple. It's some tin foil. Yeah. <laughs> look, when we when I would be on vacation when I was a kid, my mom would all of a sudden be smoking. My dad smoked cigarettes, right? But all of a sudden, my mom's like, I'm smoking cigarettes for the weekend. But they were smoking joints, you know? I was like, oh, shit. As soon as I grew up, I was like, that's funny. <laughs> I remember. So I was 11 years old. Me and my buddies who were twins got caught smoking cigarettes. And my buddy's mom, so they're a Cuban, right? So their mom was like this giant Cuban woman who, like, had a mustache that, you know, also is more than most, you know, Central American men can grow. <laughs> um, but I remember her throwing one of them straight through their bedroom wall into the living room and onto the couch on the other side of the wall and being so terrified of her that I didn't smoke tobacco for two more years because I was afraid of their mom. <laughs> yeah. 
He's like That's the Kool Aid lady. He's the Kool Aid <laughs> man, but for you out of as a Kool-Aid. What's funny is like later on, so she rolled like the best cigars. So if we wanted a blunt, she smoked weed too, right? So if we wanted like the bombest ass blunt for a party, we take it over to their mom. She roll as long as we gave her weed for her to keep. She'd roll the nicest blunts you've ever fucking had in your whole life. Really funny. <laughs> Oh man, you I, I listen to it like you did. <laughs> it's just funny at the same moment yeah, that like, out to a bunch of the parents that uh, supported me. Supported it's just me funny the same the same woman that made me just terrified to smoke anything uh, also was the best blunt roll I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, you allegedly you were under eighteen, or this was like when you were. Oh, adult. this was long before those days. Right, right. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, we've goofed off about this before because it's so freaking speculative that it's basically just goofing off. Uh, but uh, Cuba would probably be super into really good weed, don't you guys think? Like they're super into the, the cigar culture and speaking of terroir and everything, like they're the place for cigars. Uh, everyone else just kind of emulates them. Uh, uh, there's just something about the soil and the, the the light and everything else. People even say that tobacco might have evolved in Cuba. All this different stuff. Um, I don't know, like they they would probably, I would assume, knock it out of the park with weed, no? And they they would probably, I think, like from the the music and everything else, probably have a really like uh, uh, fun weed culture if they could, right? Like it's heavily, I think, heavily heavily illegal right now. But if they literally switched everything, uh, maybe they would uh, also smoke a lot of weed, no? Cuba. Anyone that's been to Cuba and, and knows anything about Cuban agriculture knows they're they're literally some of the best and and literally leading the way in regenerative and and uh, sustainable practices. I mean, they were cut off from the rest of the world. They couldn't import petroleum based you know fertilizers. They they got really really good at fermented and composted and in brewed fertilizers and amendments and all that kind of stuff. Anyone that's watched anything about the agricultural practices on Cuba or, or better yet even been there. Uh, I've been lucky enough to have been there. Um, and it, it really, truly is a, a completely different way of thinking about agriculture. And they, they really are kind of ahead of everybody else. Maybe not everybody, but certainly a, a lot of portion of the rest of the world in that particular sector. You think it also corner the, the Canagar market mm. if they ever were to get their hands into it. I think, I don't think anybody would be able to keep up. Just because they have that, they have that expertise. They have that tradition down there that I don't, I don't think anybody else would stand a chance. Oh my god! Brand recognition, like uh, I think Americans don't realize how pervasive Cuban cigars are. Like if you go like basically everywhere else, it's all Cuban cigars. Like only here is it majority in Nicaraguan, Costa Rican, fucking Panamanian, all this different stuff. Literally everywhere else, it's Canadian, like Cuban, 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 with some of the other stuff. That's a nice looking bed, Tommy. You know what this is? Yes. Is that the Rambo? <laughs> yeah. I, see, you can't even buy a bag of this. You know? you first strike, man. First strike. Yeah, Do you always light it on first strike? You got to come to my garage to smoke it. So, so Josh, what do you see as kind of the, the next for uh, cultivars? You get a chance to be exposed to a lot of cultivars other people kind of don't get access to. I don't think so. Um, I wish. I mean, maybe, <clears throat> like, 
I the my joke my access has really gotten limited, to be honest. You've worked through um, a lot though. Like cuts that I've gone through a lot of I, stuff. I would say are like, elite. Yeah, I've gone through a lot of stuff. Um but I, I'm I'm I've never I guess just like where I'm at right now is where I'm kind of talk touching base and, and right now I'm really narrowed down to like um shoot uh, there's it's uh the only thing in my garden that's not mine is from Gene right now um that's, you know cuddler um, is so mean I'm sorry. It's fucking fire, dude. I, I, no, I have dude. a bunch of yeah. Looks your socks off, dude. I'm telling you, that's a day that that'll end your day right there. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So when you say like like everything, everything you're working with is is either yours or genes. Uh, in terms the, of seed, in seed seed form. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What's the, what's the foundations of like like. Who did you feel were were worthy or met your standards for? Wasn't it? It wasn't about judging anybody. I got. I got what. I what happened was I got stuff from everybody that I that at the conference. I did a seed swap, and a bunch of people gave me stuff, and I bought a bunch of stuff. What Um, made the cut though? Is what I'm. What I'm curious. Like, what did you when you got to? Yeah, I know, man. I know. I I, um and, and um. I think like what else I'm really working with. I, I'm working in into the stuff from my my friend Arnold that I met online. He's got this stuff up north. I posted a picture last day or so of this 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 early stuff. I have some stuff from uh, Mount Baker Highway that I'm interested in. in. His stuff is always really good. He lives up here in Whatcom County. Um, he does a bunch of Royal Cush work. Is the basis. So the, he he gave me a, a Royal Cush Cinex that he calls uh, early Rolex. Um, that's really cool. Um, Kaya, I fuck with Kaya a lot. So I have a bunch of his cuts. Um, I haven't popped a bunch of, I haven't popped a bunch of his seeds to be honest yet. Um, but I, but I have, I have a bunch of his cuts and they did really well for me. Um, the coffee is super fire. Um, the pink lemonade is super cool. And I, I don't know if that, that is, he made it or I think he, he just holds it, you know, and passed it on. But, um, the Bicket is really amazing. I'm, I'm running a lot of clones right now, to, to be honest. Like, outside of my seed, my stuff. Um, oh, I got it's, question. It's Bicket is good. Um, the GMO, the root beer GMOs is, is about a third of my garden. I did a ton of that. The Larry Chimes I'm leaning into really deep. It's the cherry pie, lime stuff. Um, and so th- that, again, comes from Gene via Kevin Jodry. Um, I've got Afghani stuff uh, via Kevin from uh, from Afghanistan that I am working on that I'm about to release. I did. Uh, he gave me a bunch of stuff and I, I was able to pull a Hindu in a bulk that worked. And so I, I made the next filial generation and then took those seeds and I'm just open pollinating them. So um that I just kind of like figured like that kind of makes sense to me to, just, to find something that, that is of that stock that works in this general area and then open it up and see where it's at. And I think that is, that'll be of some value. Um, yeah. Most of what I have on my own stock is the, is the Larry Chimes crosses really on a bunch of the clones right now, because I'm just trying to get through stuff. So that's where I was at this, this season. 
for me out, out in the whole thing was like, let's do a bunch of clone stock that we know what it's going to do. Let's look through where, what I'm looking at. And then I have uh, about 20 males that I'm just like painting on stuff, you know? So I'm making a ton of seeds. Cool, yeah. Are you, are you going to be re revisiting that uh, ATF? Yeah, the ATF, uh, that's being made right now. The ATF BX3 is being made right now. Um, that should be done in a couple weeks. My buddy's nice. making that for me. Um, I just handed, I handed him the cuts, and so he's he's hooking it up and doing some of the, the, the tent work for me because he's got a bunch of tents. Um, and there's two versions of that. There's, a, there's two males. So we're doing we're going two way two separate ways with it in separate rooms for shits and giggles. Um, Fuck yeah! I remember you said yeah you might have it but I got the better one. <laughs> I got the best. Yeah, cut. it's yeah. fucking it's the real deal and um, it, it's been pretty quiet for a while. Not too many. I haven't even heard. I saw Rascal or yeah, Rat was a Rascal Farmer. I'm, I'm getting stupid. It's like my third beer. Yeah. Shout out. I, I met him one time. He was real cool. Yeah, he's got he he posted up that he got a cut, and I wonder if that was uh via via if that touched my hands. It might have. Um so that's what I wanted to say. Shout out to Nick. I, I do have one plant in my backyard that is bag seed that I got. So when I when I met Nick for the first time, it was uh whatever at Gene Traders got uh the bicket, right? Got the bicket cut off him and uh he's like here here's a little you know what i'm saying a little herb from the outdoor home i got a couple of little beans out of it and then i just messaged him immediately like hey uh <laughs> you know what i mean what might the bail be on these he's like it's royal kush i'm like oh yeah i'm like well i got some homie i'm not gonna you know <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah yeah and I actually did message him like uh, about a week ago, and he, you know, he got back to me pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I just, you know, everyone say, you know, say a prayer for Nick and all that shit. You know what I mean? I, you know, it is what it is. I just hope he's. I hope everything goes well, and you know, uh, I, I, he just, he's a real cool dude. I don't know him like all good like that. I like, met him, you know, one or two times, and then, you know, he just. He's a real cool dude, and he's real down to earth and shit. Just like he's going through a lot. So I, everyone's is that, is that ATF? Is that the Uranus cut? I don't know. You don't know. This is it was like one of the very first plants I grew, and um, it it was uh it was it's, it came from Portland, um, but it wasn't running around Portland by any means. Um, my buddy paid four bells for it, you know, um, and then the guy he got it from lost it, and the guy that he got it from lost it too. So I don't, you know, that's all I know. And and then we've had he, my my buddy Rob, myself, and my buddy Justin have had it. Justin doesn't grow anymore um, at the time right now. And Rob has been Rob has been burning the torch with it for you know 15 years or so, and so he, he keeps bringing it back to me whenever I lose it. And um, finally, I've done I've done some other crosses with it in the past, and um, 
nothing came of it. And then, so I was like, all right, well, I just need to do a BX on this, you know? And I did. And it was in the, in the, in the males, I found fucking amazing. Like I am, there's so, there's so much, like I basically spent those first couple years going through all this shit, making a bunch of crosses and I'm still making a bunch of crosses. Like, like I have rooms, three big rooms full of shit all the time that I'm not showing online. And I'm just stacking seeds and like trying to slowly go through hills, these ATFs, fucking ferocious. And I just want to start dumping them into everything, but I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm almost more excited about making this shit <laughs> and looking through it just because I get, I don't know. I'm like, because I have so many males, I did so, so much work. So I'm like, let's just make, 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 you know, and trying to get through and look at it now. And the seed CSA has been really good, you know. Um, Yeah, I want to go some, somewhere, you know, if you got some other people doing some other things, I want to go, I want to try one of the other ones out. So that, you know what I mean? So the, yeah, no, well, do the dog walker, dude. I think you should do the dog walker. Everyone's right. pretty much popping everything, so it's pretty cool. Um, right. I'm about to do the next next round of it, and I'm going to make it, I'm going to switch it up. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fucking actualize in my head exactly what it's all going to be, but it's going to be more of a, a, a subscription rather than, um, you know, like a monthly deal, monthly pack of seeds, hundred bucks and like a whole online thing. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to develop no, it all. It'll, it'll incorporate the, the, the conference stuff too. I think I'll do a speaker. Uh, interview a month and a breeder interview a week and then like a live or two a week that's exclusive you know for that group and then we can talk about the shit that we that i you know i don't talk about online you know right and a bx on the papaya right what's that you did a bx on papaya too right i'm pretty sure no no i'm never fucking papaya like, hey, what's everyone's thought? I love that expression, man. I never fuck with papaya. <laughs> training from a movie character, and it doesn't matter, right? Or is Wait, that what all is training? it? Can you take like a a strain name from a movie? No, I think it's pretty risky. They would defend that copyright, especially like Disney and shit. They no, no, no. Okay, so like uh, Mouse or something. Donnie no, Burger. No, no, no. Donnie Burger. Or uh, I think they play with fire with that shit, man. I think that the the, when they do when they name right? stuff, like Donnie Burger is Dude, Donnie Burger is fucking fire. It's green as fire. Yeah, I got sure. one in the backyard. You <laughs> I do, one bro. To see my ears perk, dude. Like I'm fucking all about that at the Indo Expo before COVID. In Colorado, dude, that thing was flying around. Like BK Roller tried to steal a sack of it. It was so stinky. <laughs> they sniffed Bro. it out of his pocket. There, look, I smoked a cherry pie cut. I never. I got high school high. Like it was crazy. I smoked it. Uh, some friends were like, "Oh, check the weed out, like cherry pie." I'm like, "Oh, it's cherry pie." Like I actually never had it. And then we smoked the shit. I was so blitz. I was like, I mean, it was a Perfect grow, you know. It was like it was a good, it was a really good time, like smoking a 
a big ass joint. You know what I mean? Maybe throw some dabs. <laughs> yeah, like getting blasted off. You know, just like off the turps. Basically, the turp. All yeah. Food. Oh, dude, totally. All um, on the turp. Ah. <laughs> like just fucking yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, I. Sometimes I'm just. I'm, be, I'm gonna be hitting you up at some morning in the morning. morning like, yo, dude. I'm gonna wake up like at at two a.m. Be like, yo, dude. What do I gotta do to get this cut? <laughs> hey, you want the dining burger? Just come out. I'll push Michigan. I'll do it, man. You gotta reveg it a little bit. No, I can get you the dining burger. <laughs> I think it's the real one. <laughs> Okay, so like, I guess, yeah, I guess. Well, I already just, I was thinking about it after I asked that question because I'm calling my shit the Rambo. So. It's Rambo breath, by the way. Rambo breath. Yeah, that's what I'm smoking on right now. It's fucking delicious. It's delicious. That's one of your strains, right? Uh, you sent out. That's uh, right. I have some that are out. And I actually, uh, man, they're they're looking good. They're looking good. My one buddy grows one that's ambrosia. I mean, these aren't my strains. These are just crosses I make, you know, making seed, uh, preserving stuff. So it's ambrosia and blue dream. They call it, you know, he just calls that ambrosia dream. And, uh, that one's really nice. Like it's like a blue dream. Almost, I don't know. Even like, I don't know. Even, <laughs> if you can imagine Blue Dream, like with even bigger buds. <laughs> but I, I don't even have the seeds anymore. You know, I just give them away. Mm-hmm. My buddy grows it. So if I want a clone, I can get it. But when I when I breed something, it's only. So if you get some seeds from me, it's very limited. It's like, it's like having a. Uh, what do you want to call it? A Roger Maris. You know what I'm saying? You got the Roger Maris mint condition. You know what I mean? It's not not a fucking LeBron James card from fucking they made ten million. I got a, I got a sack full of them right here. <laughs> Shout out to LeBron too. I know he's watching. But they're supposed to be. Uh, they're supposed to be going out in the world. So them. Not like a dragon sitting on his gold. Same hometown as LeBron. Figure it out. Dragons? You think dragons are from the same time, the town that uh, LeBron is from? I bet that's Sorry, true. Hey, can I shout out one thing? Can I make? Can I do a little uh, advertisement? If you find a post with the Tommy Tricombs, uh, Tony Montana, the Tommy Montana uh, thing, uh, and if you're not like bullshitting, you got the sticker somewhere. Like if you find one that I posted or Kazoo Kush posted, precede. I mean, like I said, they're just limited. So we'll get you, we'll get you seed. It's kind of uh, like a if they see one of the post. If they see a post that has the, I even have a sticker of it. It's the the mafia. We're doing like a skateboarding thing, you know, where you just post up the sticker. Like you uh, know, what I'm saying. I feel like I'm like 15 again. <laughs> So it's kind of like a so stash. stash one. But it's like a. It, it's like fuck. What is it? It's like when they read the 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 scan code or whatever. 
But like yeah. that combined with the stash and dash. If you go on so my story right now, there's one. There's one. It's isn't that the isn't that the one that gets you the free the free trip with Coot to uh, hedonism in Jamaica? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as Coot comes on here, someone act someone get him on here. Right. Coot's fun when he comes on here. Uh did Coot start making his one yet? He said he was going to start making seeds of that. Start breeding the one. I think he was working on it. And I think the, the, the problem was that uh, he's actually been telling us and, and folks didn't realize how serious it was. I think that he was going to work on that down in Southern Oregon. I won't swear to this because I think he, he was working on the seeds a couple different places. But I think one of the places with Southern Oregon, he had to abandon that because of the water situation. Like it's that dire down there. So oh. I don't know. I, I hope he's still working on the seed because I think he did still have that other garden. Yeah. I need to make the one ATF. Yes, there you go. <laughs> the golden one. <laughs> yeah, man. I should yeah. be able to land that cut eventually. I've got a couple friends that got her, and then I've got the uh, Brothers of Eternal Love Oaxacan line. So I want to put the Oaxacan pollen on the one. It'll be a three-way combination of Brothers of Eternal Love genetics. Speaking, said, um, oh, speaking of the Oaxacan line, um, uh, um, Land Race Preservation Society was supposed to be on my show last week. Uh, I had a particularly insane day last Thursday. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, anyone that knows me in my personal life knows exactly how insane it was. Um, <laughs> I know how it is, though. I don't know what you're saying. Uh, uh, so, but, uh, but uh, yeah, so, um, but uh, they're actually going to be on my show on the 19th of um, August, and we'll be talking about their uh, we uh, wonderful weeds of Mexico. Uh, and they have a whole bunch of different land race Mexican strains that they're going to be talking about, as well as doing uh, talking about their seed releases on a bunch of that stuff. So definitely check that out if you're looking for um, more about the Oaxacan stuff. So I didn't mean to interrupt you on the Oaxacan thing. I just wanted to plug that just because it was like hyper, uh, hyper relevant. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I still have to delve into that line some more, but um. I'm super, that's the only thing I, I really want to do with the one as far as breeding goes is to put the Oaxacan on it and maybe do some sort of back cross or something to the one. But so you got, know, some, one you is, got some seeds of the Oaxacan? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm about to go pull some uh, Cascadian carrots right now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go grab one. <laughs> Yeah, I've had pretty good reviews on the the veggie seeds from everybody that I've heard from. So that's pretty I cool. Yeah, I think it'll work. Yeah. Have you have you cascaded? Have you pulled your mail yet, or is it just like a, a future plan a plan to pull a mail and do this? I'm waiting to get the clone back to do to pop them because I also want to open pollinate the Oaxacans at the same time. Right. So it's going to be kind of a, I'm just going to put the one in with the open pollination and then take that cross to the f2 and see what i can find and then i'll do my selections i'll probably select a few different lines out of the f2s from there right um, well let me yeah. know when you do because i i might have some things that would be cool to throw in to get hit that cool man yeah i've got a whole stash of land race seeds that i need to get into i need to quit playing with all these commercial american hybrids i need to get back to the uh the land races I've put together. 
We've talked about that before, haven't we, Cascadian? This is a, this is a good episode to discuss it because we've got a few people that are throwing seats together, right? Like, uh, how do I put this? All the stuff that we uh, a lot of times even enjoy in cannabis, you know, uh, uh, Josh was saying he likes a lot of that gassy, funky stuff, whatever. And we certainly I like the, the spicy cookies and everything else. Who doesn't like some of those flavors? Right. But it's all the same shit. Right. It's all basically all muddled together and it's not really that unique. Whereas, for example, how do I put this? You said you were talking about. Well, someone anyway was talking. Maybe it was Potent was talking about, you know, the. The, the 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 really racy African sativas, THCV, on and on and on. Uh, those things don't have any cookies. And we've been talking about potentially running into those kinds of directions, something completely out of left field compared to what is going on right now, right? Like what what are your what are your thoughts on that cascade? I'm sure everybody else has a freaking I got a, I got a little bit of everything. Um as far as what I've 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 tried to put together the highest quality of land race from a variety of different uh, sources that I can all meld together to make something for the Northwest. So I've got a handful of Himalayan lines. I've got a couple African lines. I've got the um, Angola red from Snow High. And I got some Durban poison from another friend. Um, I've only got one. I've got the Oaxacans from mexico but i don't know if i actually have anything else that's new world can Um, i i ask you a question on the durban and this is also a a broader question and josh as well have and actually to fumi and everyone else that does a lot of breeding have you guys ever seen uh doing a durban cross cause a lot like a significant amount of undesirable traits because uh, the one like, urban cross I have, I continue to work on it, but it's kind of a bitch ass. So if that answers your question, <laughs> the flower is nice, but yeah, she's a bitch ass. I kind of expect that from a lot of the land race projects that I'm going to get involved with. Oh, I guess I do have a Colombian actually. I've got, I got five seeds of a Colombian line from 1994 brickweed that I was lucky enough to get my greedy little grubby paws on. Um, I, I kind of expect that that finickiness out of any of those lines, any of those crosses, though, just because they're so, I, I don't know if untamed is a good word, but they're so raw, the, the land races in general, that it, I'm sure there's plenty of undesirable characteristics that are going to rear their heads and and make you do the sorting to get away from that. Because it's not um, it's not as refined as we're used to these days. As far as when you go get a pack of seeds, it, you know, even the the most undesirable, despite oh nice Tommy, even the most desirable though from, except for like Hermes obviously, but even the most the the bottom of the barrel for the the hybrids we get today in our packs are probably still decently refined when compared to the land races that they came from. Not that they're better or worse, but that some of those traits, some of that finickiness, some of the oddball, hard to handle growth characteristics have probably been picked out already. Um, so we don't we don't have as much experience as a, a community these days in dealing with those traits and trying to breed around those traits. Um, Oh, there's a question in chat. What's open pollination? Open pollination is 
is using a large it's it's population genetics instead of one-on-one mating so it's not you're not trying to find the best female that you want and then trying to pick a male that works to steer the the two plants the seeds of the two plants in a particular direction you're actually taking all of the females and all of the males having disregarded things like um hermaphrodites to clean the line up to to keep genetic diversity so you're trying to include as many stable individuals in the next breeding round as possible so say for instance you pops 50 seeds and you get them in veg and you probably lose a couple so say you're down to 40 um you know they either stunted they grew weird they're mutant they whatever didn't like your environment you take those 40 and you start to transition them into flower say five more of them turn out to be hermaphrodites so now you're down to 35 you have the 35 solid stable individuals regardless of sex male or female out of the 50 seeds you use all 35 of those to make seeds in every female using every male so essentially every male has pollinated every female so you're increasing the amount of genetic diversity to the the maximum potential given the bottleneck that you've put yourself in by simply only starting with 50 seeds so you're keeping as much genetic variability as possible as opposed to using one of those males and one of those females to make a very very bottlenecked cross where you're only letting two sets of genes interact with each other you have 35 so it it just allows more more genetic variability which allows the the overall population to stay diverse and adaptable for a longer period of time because when you when you do the one-on-ones too much it uh you lose vigor or you lose you'll lose any other traits you'll lose particular flavors or smells or uh that's how we ended up i think losing a bunch of the other cannabinoids and driving for high thc was because that's what all we were that's all we cared about well that disregarded cbd that disregarded cbg thcv um because we were simply pushing for thc so we only selected the ones that gave us a particular number on a piece of paper unfortunately um there's different arguments involved with how small your population can get as far as maintaining genetic diversity there's been a few white papers published um some people say the minimum number is like 2000 plants which is a thousand males a thousand females so, and I, I think part of it depends on the the crop that you're dealing with it depends on the the genetics that you're working with um some vegetables will go as low as 50 plants 35 plants to maintain enough genetic diversity that you don't hurt the line that the line doesn't become bottlenecked too narrow and start to lose 
fundamental traits, fundamental characteristics that are needed to keep the plants healthy. But uh, when it comes to open pollination, generally more is better. Um, generally speaking, you're going to do a better job maintaining genetic diversity if you have more individuals. But there's also limits as far as when you get into the thousands of plants, there's, there's kind of limits in, in the aspect of pollination. Like if you have one male, it's, it's going to have a certain radius that it really pollinates really well. And then its influence is going to start to diminish. So it, it becomes a, uh, airflow, fluid dynamics, at least as far as wind-pollinated plants. Cannabis is a wind-pollinated plant, so there's a little bit of a, a diminishing line. Where that line is, I'm not really sure with cannabis, but um, it it's, it's a little bit up to the farmer in that regard because it, it all has to do with other circumstances. How large is your field? How many plants do you have? How much time do you have? Um, but hey, hey, Cascadia, them carrots are so fucking good, dude. Which ones did <laughs> you get? Do you know? Well, I no, I think I had. I put. I I didn't do the best job planting them, but my kids enjoy them too. They love pulling them out. The garden hose is right there. They're just. I already told him, I'm like, it's been all hot. Like, just spray it over the yeah. thing. I'm looking around because my, my seeds are all right here. So I was trying to find the which one had carrots yeah. on it. Yeah, I got a little, I got a little roach. <laughs> I got a carrot roach right here. This is uh, like a, like an orange one almost. Cheers, everybody. Well, I guess they're all Cheers. orange. So now we got to go to, uh, <laughs> I had it teed up last hour. Now, if we don't remember where we're going to go. Where the fuck is this goddamn place? Uh, hold on. We're going to... Uh, Almost like radishes. Cheers, folks. Uh, we are going to visit the Fuck High Beach. In, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Land Rung Resort. So this is uh, Fuck High in Vietnam. <laughs> so it's always good to fuck high. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> this is uh, some place along the river. I just thought it was fucking hilarious. So screw you guys. Uh yeah, Vietnam also probably has the best stoner munchies. I mean, uh, I don't know. That's I suppose that's up for debate, honestly. Like, uh, actually, that's a good, like, a little interlude question, gentlemen. If you could snap your fingers anytime that you're stoned, that includes you, guest of the show, uh, uh, Dutch Blooms. Like, uh, you like to get wrecked on uh, Dog Walker. Uh, where do you think if you had to, if you could snap your fingers, what would be the like the best stoner munchies ever, like cuisine wise? Some burgers, straight up. Patriotic. I mean, I can dig it. Uh, what's it called? Beef and fries. In and out. But you, you never had Swenson's. Swenson's. <laughs> Swenson's. <laughs> this before everybody, like uh, Dankarino was on here. Saying, like, uh, dude, uh, Dankarino was saying that I was all like uh, racist against oh, McDonald's. Or something. I was like, dude, In and Out Burger is the tits. Swenson's. It's amazing. Yeah, but tell me some funny. 
I find it really interesting that this is all along the water, but you're not allowed to see the water. Jimmy, why are you stalking the bus? What did, I know, what did... man. I'm trying to drive. I'm, I was trying to like see some water. I'm actually also stalking these like uh, scooter people right here. You asking about munchies, though, makes me think about, uh, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. And uh, I've watched so many of his episodes of his, of his uh, No Reservations that it seemed like he was always fascinated more so with street food than he was with five-star restaurants. Oh, yeah. Um, I, would be, I would be inclined to be looking for some sort of uh, street food with a line with a with a local line somebody that you know somebody that's feeding the locals and they have a a cluster of people <laughs> around them not yeah that, don't go to that place with the lights broken <laughs> yeah the lights not, the, broken. not the not the street car by it or the street cart by itself <laughs> it's just sitting there all day empty but the one that the locals in, just in, in los angeles after after about uh 8 o'clock probably earlier than that honestly but whatever after dark uh anytime there's like clubs or anything else on hollywood boulevard sunset anywhere uh, anytime there's like uh, concert halls rock venues um, even movie theaters people will set up these like uh uh, just grill stands with hot dogs and it's basically grill this shit and there's this wide differential from like dude those people could be restaurateurs chefs whatever this stuff is fucking fire to like dude they literally went to like the discount mini mart they didn't wash their hands like you're gonna get food poisoning 30 minutes from now like this is just hilarious how there's every single version of that i'm always a sucker for a good like chicken tamale oh my goodness Tamales are amazing. I'm not talking about like legal carts. I'm talking about like carts just pop up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Red ones in San Diego. When I lived in San Diego, oh my god. Oh, I miss yeah, those. Tamales? Oh my god, I miss the tamale lady. Oh my freaking yeah, god. yeah. I like twice in COVID, but I think uh, I have the Schwartz's sandwich in Montreal. The Schwartz's sandwiches. Oh, you gotta order it right at the end of the day. And then you order, you go to the bar, you have your good night, you order free to low, which is like the best delivery uh, poutine in the middle of the night in Montreal. And you put the Schwartz's, the meat from the Schwartz's sandwich onto your 2 a.m. free to low uh, poutine. That is the best toner food ever invented. Damn, he, he just nailed it, huh? Have you guys heard of Beth's Cafe in, in downtown Seattle? They're, yeah. They're yeah. the one of their more famous dishes is they're like it's like a 13 egg omelet or something. It's just big as a football. Um it's best right, a strip club. Right next to Beth's Cafe is this little sandwich shop. And I can't remember the name of it, but they make the best damn sandwiches I've ever had. Like a like a yeah. subway sub style sandwich. Oh my god. I had um, so much. Oh, South! I love the Southwest. Oh, I live look in at Tucson just a little bit. San Diego, I love that. So, by the way, we just uh, flew at probably like I don't know, I don't know, probably like fifty times the speed of light. Probably like Einstein's. Like, oh my god, he's super impressed. Look at that bus over there. That's how we got here. Actually, it was a light speed bus. Uh, the, what does it say there? The loud, no good vibe tribe. That's exactly how we got there, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't spread this uh, that's the short You know they, you know they smoked some fucking dank in that drive bus. <laughs> Allegedly, uh, Uncle Trip, maybe. Look at that shit right there: biscuits and gravy and eggs. 
Fuck off. Oh, man. I'm about to have to get off. The next one down, I think, is the omelet. <laughs> Dude, I'd go for the... I mean, all right. If you're if you're into scrambled eggs, I'll dig it. I was a big scrambled eggs fan when I was a kid. But oh man, dude, God, look at that! You see that egg fold over yeah. one? Go back to that. I think that's the thirteen egg omelet. The one, the big fold over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only put fourteen. I mean, in yeah, there. I couldn't eat the whole thing. Ice cream on the that's side. A, yeah, that's. A, I mean, I just bought a dozen eggs today. Like, to the the idea of eating all of them at once is a little bit sickening, to be honest. And I like eggs. But that's a lot of eggs. A lot of eggs. I think it's like a, uh, a not a competition, but a, <laughs> but a, I think if you, I think it's one of those things. If you eat it, they'll give it to you for free, kind of thing. It kind of reminds me of like a breakfast cheesesteak in Philadelphia. <laughs> breakfast cheesesteaks, and it'd be a, che- a regular cheesesteak, and they would glue it all together with extra bacon uh, and egg and cheese. So you got a cheesesteak, and then they just take like omelet you know the pureed omelet portion and then just pour it in there and then put it in the oven and it comes out as like a glued together omelet sandwich it's awesome and it's all great for hiking too if you're gonna do like hiking or biking or like something that's just gonna be you know very energy intensive you can eat that shit man you will not be hungry until the very end of the day Wasn't yeah, that basically Michael Phelps was that. pretty much like breakfast sandwiches all day? <laughs> I'm getting hungry as hell. I got. Right, no, we should stop showing this shit. No, I'm, I'll just mute it and uh, put my screen off for a second. I mean, it's Cascadian's fault, man. He was talking about. Well, I did ask about Stoner. Right, I to say I'm getting hungry looking at that food. It's crazy how it works. Yeah, I was gonna so, say like know, Vietnam. Man, like hell, every time I think about like Tokyo, I'm like. I mean, if you could just, like, snap your fingers, I don't think they're super weed-friendly in Tokyo, but, I mean, like, if you could snap your fingers, like, stoned off your balls and then go there, they would probably laugh at you anyway because you're, like, a stoned white American now, like, barely standing up. But, like, you could have sushi. You could have, like, teriyaki. You could have steak. Wagyu. Can you imagine? Like, a teppanyaki. Oh, my God. You're giving much. Right? You're all stoned. He's <laughs> a hands you bite-sized pieces of delicate it would be better than that. I'd go to Greece. I'd go, I'd go to, to Greece Japan. for monkey food. I'd go to Japan, dude. It's too healthy in Japan, man. I want to get fat. I want to get monkey food. <laughs> I'm going to Greece. I'm getting a euro. He's literally handing you. He's handing you pieces of like wagyu and like fish, and he's just like here, eat this one. It's like it's like a it's like a grandma, but it's like a Japanese chef. No, except in, in Japan, you can get like whale yeah, steaks and like fucking sushi and like the best whiskey. And I've shit. always heard that uh, I've always heard New Orleans has really good food too, but I never made it down. Uh, that's a strong candidate too. Yeah. Tell me, you could just well, call shit, dudes. I gotta pop off of here. What's that, Tommy? You could get uh. You could get uh, DoorDash or whatever it is, like in like ten minutes at your house. Pretty much, 20. yeah, dude. We're lucky. Like uh, all you guys that make fun like of cities, lot. like you guys, you guys <laughs> shut the fuck up. You know, like uh, I got a couple buddies that I DM with at like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm on the way to the freaking. Uh, like maybe I'll be on the uh, way to the other day. I was on the way to my uh, like uh, I go to this like Iraqi uh, uh, like a basically a grilled beef cart. Like basically makes like uh, 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 um, 
kebabs and freaking uh, uh what do they call it fucking well whatever like the the gyros and stuff you know the the shawarmas i don't know whatever everyone fucking calls it stuff it's been, it's it's been uh, nice uh talking with you dutch i heard you say you gotta go man it's been nice to talk with you again Here's yeah me. yeah we've been babbling uh, far yeah. field now we're on like greek sandwiches <laughs> yeah thanks for stopping by it's awesome talking with you man no it's super yeah. fun you guys you guys are cool crew although we we only heard for a second from the aussie cc but uh <laughs> another time back, Ozzy. yeah sorry to bounce out i'm uh i'm still on the fucking early 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 crowd so i'll be up at 5 30 mm-hmm. fucking yeah, running hey. the tractor yeah it was real good talking man have a, yeah, dude. have a great show cheers dude have a good night everybody uh dutch blooms on instagram and uh what's the website here it is the um... science of regenerative organic cannabis cultivation conference i think i'm the only other human aside it's <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of words um re- i think regenerative seeds.com is the other one yeah I don't yeah, know. I don't know if there's still is there still packs up for Nick. There was packs up for Nick the other day for his. Oh, that was amazing! Oh, by the thanks for cataloging that and taking note of who won the auctions and stuff, man. That was really cool to watch. That kills that man. He's he's real good at it. I mean, there is. Me. So if you go regenerativeseeds.com forward slash Nick dash Risen, there is still some stuff listed for Nick. Uh, yeah, I man. thought they were going to put it on Daga as well. I'm surprised Peter didn't pick that one up either. That's but. why I had to hop on tonight, though, because I get so caught up multitasking, watching chat, listening to the guys that I don't have time to talk. So I had to hop on and give him some hell here. Yeah. <laughs> cool to see him on tonight, man. Now, uh, it could be hard to keep track of all of them and make sure you you got uh, everybody going to the right one. It can be be hard with as much and you put a lot of effort in it's, it's uh it's awesome thank you yeah man it's it's my pleasure when it comes to that sort of stuff you know i don't i don't do it for myself i don't do it for any potential kickbacks no, i just do it no, because no. these people need help you know he doesn't do it for the root beer cuts maybe <laughs> he does i don't know the root beer cut be kind of cool bro I, hey i didn't get the cut but i got the seeds so Hey, he gave you even something better. He wants you to find something better. So, oh yeah, well we yeah. make so much money doing the YouTube channel. Let me tell you. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm buying my second Ferrari tomorrow. My YouTube channel is on year seven, and I think we're at like three hundred and forty dollars oh, today. So we're rolling in it. We're buying See all. Him rolling. You can almost afford one pack of seeds. <laughs> Oh yeah, buy me some. some oh, Cascadia, how are you gonna keep those cat three back You uh, you said you were gonna take take note of your plant and then send out the seeds when they were ready. I thought that was pretty baller, dude. That's, that's yeah, like yeah. fuck it, I'll do it. I've got uh, yeah, like, I've been in touch with the guy that won that auction. Um. That's really funny because the plant that I pollinated is really small, so he might actually get the majority of the seeds from this pollination round, and I might have to do it all over again for myself. But <laughs> it was for Nick, so you know what do you, what do you do? 
Exactly uh, what you did, man. That's the stand-up guy right there. That was a hey, good move. Hey, you guys want to hear my new strain that's coming out? It's I don't know, Tommy. Do we? Do we? Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What if it's what is terrible? I don't know, man. Shit. You guys want to hear about it? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Mm. How, how vulgar come on, lay it on us lay it on someone hey, how many people are going to cry at the end of this story I won't charge <laughs> <laughs> just send me some carrots dude I <laughs> crossed cross my cookies my OG cookies uh, what was it oh fuck I'm fucking this whole joke up <laughs> uh, you back cross Mac to the cookies back to the Mac oh, and then my OG Mac cookies my OG Mac cookies cross what's the native terrar is it like the basement of Oakland <laughs> <laughs> what you doing over there Tommy what, what you I'm sure you were somewhat serious what are you making huh? I'm making yeah you pollinating something you got something going on over there were you actually uh, no, I have some? three I have three males and they're all just in, they're just all in holding. They're all just in I think I'm gonna put the testerosa one to work here in a second. No, so, I just keep I just keep cutting them and you know keeping to the side a little bit. So I have that one. I have this Rambo male that I selected, but I just haven't got that's what I really need to do. It's Cross the Rambo's back and try to get a little size into it. So that's actually very well. So, so on the topic of native strains and terrars, what's like the the strain for the terrar of Florida, and then what's the strain of the terrar for New Jersey? Florida, man. <laughs> Sour Diesel is New Jersey. <laughs> Grandpa's breath. New Jersey is. is uh... <laughs> is Dracar Nor? <laughs> well, well, yeah. What day of the week, though? Is it is it the three days before where they put the trash out on the sidewalk, or is it you know? <laughs> we're, we're probably looking at Grandpa's breath for Florida. I'm I'm not sure anything else really qualifies as well. So 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 we had to find a strain that smells like if you just took an axe can and threw it into a campfire. Whatever strain smells like that, that's the one that, that's for New Jersey. <laughs> I'm seriously trying to think of that strain. <laughs> I would smell Oreo. I'm telling you, I used to work at a clothes like, store. It's Dracar Noir. That's what all the Guidos came in for. If you cross Oreo with like Roadkill Skunk, I, I can say that because I'm from Philadelphia. So, like the whole Jersey Philly thing. <laughs> You say it'd be fun to find like a, a cheese cut, like a um, like a meat and cheese uh, weed, and, and call it the Philly Philly OG. Yeah, right. There you go. We're like meat and cheese tray. Cheese, really. Go. So like cumulene and cumulene and cheese. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Whatever that cross would be. What would fit the Portland terroir then, Fumi? Oh shit! We got a ton of stuff here, man. This is the the Asian Pan Pacific Fusion, I think they used to call it. Now I don't know what they call it anymore, but it used to be um, 
it was a little bit unique. I think it started down in, in uh, uh, California, but then it got like uh, uh, energized by local ingredients like mushrooms, wild mushrooms. And that movie Pig I was talking about was all about like local mushrooms. Uh, it was actually a cool movie. Now, like multiple times on this uh, show, I was like, oh, cool. We should actually talk about that movie one of these days because this came up and that came up and whatever. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, uh, the local fish, the local, like basically all kinds of local ingredients that weren't so much available necessarily in California. You can get you know fish and stuff, but you don't necessarily have the forests full of wild mushrooms and all that kind of stuff that you do uh like readily available like around portland so i feel like just basically throw all the coolest shit together from the pacific rim from asian fusion stuff chinese fusion stuff stir fry some of it throw it all together and you have like portland cuisine throw a little bit of curry in it so that's not very descriptive but you know it'll probably have berries it'll probably i don't know at the same time dog walkers from portland you know what i mean so here's me babbling about blah 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 but that's literally <laughs> portland I was about to say, mine is Bob Evans. <laughs> Where I live, it's Bob Evans. <laughs> I don't know. Portland has a, a wide variety of tastes. And you know what? The, the as, as snooty as I just described everything, probably still to this day, the most popular beer is PBR. You know what I mean? It was always the most popular beer. Um, it's cheap. It's okay. decent. A lot of people fucking drank it. So, I mean, like, uh, Portland is snooty, but not that snooty. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, lumberjack snooty. Yeah, no. PBR is uh, good, man. In the, right. in the dive bars and the punk rock. Not as good as the microbrew, let's be honest, but it's it's better than... There's a lot of hanging out in the punk rock. Better place. than beer brand beer. Like drink beer brand beer. PBR was only good when it was in glass bottles right. for a dollar. PBR is good when it's hot outside. On the outside looking in, what I've noticed is people that tend to grow much farther south than Portland seem to kind of get out of that cold, humid range where they're more into that warm, humid. Uh, and the and the plants tend to kind of show that um, in terms of how they tolerate that cold, humid. Um, with the stuff, I would say port, you know, midway through Oregon or, or Portland North, um, uh, you know, BC, Washington, those plants tend to handle cold snaps, especially like early cold snaps when you have those higher humid spikes, uh, significantly more uh, without having those, you know, botrytis, fusarium, powdery mildew etc issues whereas stuff south of that seems to be more heat tolerant you know when you start to get into the klamath valley uh or uh you know south uh, you really tend to get into those areas that are you know a little more uh you know uh, capable of dealing with a 90 degree heat wave uh plus kind of thing uh but north of that they you know let much less so i don't know you guys have any thoughts on that being you know kind of from that area it was really interesting i was trying to get my bachelor's degree and we had to do this. I think I brought it up a few times on the show. We had to do this. I had to do this elective. We didn't have to, but I, I took this elective. It was a two-week field trip through through Oregon to visit various herb farms, like actual herb farms, not herb cannabis farms, but every other herb farms. And uh, the first day of the trip, we ba I basically traveled from the Puget Sound to... Uh, Grants Pass, which is Southern Oregon. And I watched, I was riding shotgun. So I just got to watch the landscape as we were driving. And having done all this research in farming and farming and trying to build a, a ecosystem, a farming ecosystem, I was watching the landscape. And you get so you get up in the Puget Sound. I've spent a lot of time out on the peninsula where the Olympic rainforest is temperate rainforest. 
that temperate rainforest, the Puget Sound up towards where Dutch Blooms is, is all cer- a certain kind of wet and miserable. Um, you get south of Olympia, which is the state capital in Washington, southwest Washington is kind of this this weird little zone that gets really wet in the winter and floods a lot, but then it gets really dry in the summer. It doesn't rain a lot. And that kind of bleeds down into Portland a little bit, but that's only in contrast to the perpetual wet that I'm used to. So it seemed dry to me, but it would probably still seem wet to somebody from like NorCal. And then we went through Portland and we got into the Willamette Valley and the Willamette Valley is a long kind of narrow Valley, similar to like uh, the central Valley in Cali, but North and still Northwest. So it's still kind of wet. You get this, this little wetter zone, but once you get to about Eugene, I didn't feel like I was in the Northwest anymore. Um, I know on a map, they say the Northwest goes down to like the Redwoods, but that perpetual wet that I'm used to, that I know as, as the Puget Sound, as the peninsula, as Western Washington, it started to change. We went from, from Doug firs and ferns to more almost manzanitas and and I'm an actual pine um, instead of a Doug fir, which isn't really a fir and it's not, it's not a pine either, but I watched it change pretty drastically as we came out of the Willamette Valley. It seemed like a totally different ecosystem and it was foreign to me. So it was, it was interesting doing that particular drive because I watched the progression change from perpetual wet to kind of wet to the Willamette Valley's it's your own unique beast, which in the wine world, they grow world-class Pinot Noir in the Willamette Valley because of that microclimate that the, the Willamette Valley brings. But then we popped out into like where the Klamath meets the Cascades and it was a totally different environment. I didn't feel like I was at home anymore and it, it blew my freaking mind. And then we got all the way down to Grant's pass and it had that same sort of manzanita underbrush with, it was, they were different trees. They were oaks and, and pines. And it almost felt, it almost felt like central Washington. When you get in between the, the different mountains of the Cascades, there's this ponderosa pine kind of territory. And it was almost more like that, but, that central Washington area doesn't have Manzanitas because it's too far north. So it was this very unique difference that I noticed. It was shocking to me. From there, we went, you know, the next couple of days, we went east of the Cascades and then we came back up um, the dry inland side of Oregon. And it was, it was even more different. Um, and then as we, obviously, as we got more and more north central Oregon, um, it started to feel like Eastern Washington to me, Washington to me again. And I started to feel like I was home again. Um, but it was very interesting watching the progression down the West side. Cause I had never really understood how far 
the perpetual wet of the Northwest really went until I popped out of the Willamette Valley at the bottom of the Willamette Valley. And anyway, I didn't mean to go too far on a tangent, but that's, that's kind of what I seen as, as far as how it changes over that span. I wish I could have gone all the way down to the Redwoods and all the way down in NorCal to see it change again, when you get to the other side of the, the Redwoods, but we didn't, go that far we we just did the Oregon trip so that looks like highland desert uh dog uh oregon is the the, the interesting survey that you did because um uh, the northwest and oregon every uh, this whole area the whole uh, uh west honestly changes dramatically depending on each little 100 miles that you're in i mean there's alpine areas up in the miles of the mountains uh, the last couple of years have been weird. It's been getting warmer and warmer and warmer. So I don't think they do it anymore. But used to be there was uh, summer skiing on Mount Hood. You know what I mean? Like literally up until maybe mid-July, late July, you could go skiing. You go skiing uh, shorts and a t-shirt, but you could actually go skiing on a mountain. How weird is that? Uh, not to mention the winter, like really good skiing. But in the meantime, like uh, in the east, there's this high desert. There's ocean. There's all kinds of different um changing geography i don't know people always assume that there's like when they think of oregon they think of just trees or something and so i'm just thinking to myself like i don't know it pays to realize i don't even know what i'm trying to say right now i guess i'm trying to explain that it's interesting to know that there's variety in a place you know what i mean so for example southeastern oregon is really really dry it's it's uh there's very little precipitation there it doesn't look anything like northwest oregon that's super super wet all the time uh, they don't have fish down here. They don't have salmon or at least, you know, ocean salmon. Whereas up here, it's like all about freaking ocean salmon down there. It's probably more about venison and not to mention cattle Michigan ranching and everything. Don't yeah, say, right. Don't so all these different states, they have such dramatic variety. Anyway, go ahead. Up don't down. mark on that dog's stash. Yeah, both, both Washington and Oregon have places that have 48 inches of rain and then they also have places that have 14 inches of rain um just depending on where you're at like see that looks like home to me mm. that that's western washington almost that's ferns and moss and dug firs and and see, that's the thing, Cascadia, when you said that it looked so different i was like oh that's funny i know what you mean based on i5 because there is a very kind of uh there is a different vibe a little bit as you drive through the Eugene area. But the thing is, it's a little bit deceptive because the Mackenzie River and stuff, man, it's 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 just like. Right. Yeah. Then it becomes how, how close are you to water where north of that? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you can be on the water or off the water. It all looks like that right there. But south of that, yeah, I guess it does. It does start to matter more about your proximity to a lake, a stream or a river. But yeah, the I five corridor, I guess, is is also a little deceiving itself. That would look way better with cannabis everywhere. Would you call that the patchouli line, really, where you start to <laughs> patchouli hippies below that? <laughs> Listen, shout it out almost, to Eugene. It almost uh, goes from like a what I would call a, a, a typical Pacific Northwest climate to more of a Mediterranean climate. Once you get past Eugene, once you go South of Eugene, it starts to get, if you could, I think you could grow olives South of Eugene where you can't really grow olives 
profitably north of Eugene, but I, it, it changes the crops. Like it, there's a, there's a line there that definitely changes. You start to get in, like Fimi was saying, you start to get into more like cattle, um, livestock sort of situations as opposed to agricultural crops just due to the difference in in rainfall you get yeah, more more dry land farming instead of um, dealing with erosion due to too much water it's just kind of a different i i felt the line really really hard there when the whole the tree line changed It was fascinating. Hey, can I say something before I forget? <laughs> Me and Gene, I was listening to the playback of that uh, auction, and he said, he said the Terp was like the He-Man toy. Remember that? <laughs> the, the Moss Man? <laughs> Listen, dude, I agree. I I know exactly what he's talking about. Dude. I was like, oh, my God, this dude's good. <laughs> I was like, Me and Gene nailed it. <laughs> I might have almost said that. It almost smells like the E.T. ride is what I wanted to say. Yeah, the guy, that, that action figure was a skunk, man. That, I remember Mark that action man, figure. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that smell a lot, man. We used to play with that action that figure like in the bathtub, like, dude. Yeah, like an 80s smell. Yeah. It was like the smell yep. of the 80s. Yep, yep. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it was the best. It smelled like a cigarette, like a carpet from the 80s. <laughs> that was crazy, though. I, when he said that, I was like, oh, my God, he nailed it. Oh, I know exactly what that smells like. Uh, this way, everybody can say they've uh, rafted down the McKenzie River. That Yeah, that's where the Moss Man lives. That's what made me think about it. Um, man, that looks really nice. Really nice fishing, really peaceful, good kayaking. Oh, stuff. yeah. Still. Uh, Eugene, go figure, has a really good uh, seafood restaurant. Uh, I don't know the name of it right now, but really good. Eugene's got pretty good food. He's got a really good stoner culture. Like uh, all the stoners that, that are in Eugene are all pissed off at Cascadia now. They're like, the fuck, motherfucker, it's really cool here. It's awesome. That's where all the glass oh. comes from. Ah, they can be mad at me all they want to. What if uh, next time you want to buy like some super killer piece, they're like, oh, fuck you, man. I'm from Eugene. You never forget. I'm, I'm actually, I don't know. One of my dreams is to actually buy a piece from an actual artist as opposed to a smoke shop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get that far, but there's a couple glass artists I follow on Instagram that are pretty pretty amazing what you got to do is you got to find a glass artist that is into growing weed and trade them seeds for it yeah yeah what's your price level what what would you say for your instrument you know yeah you know if, if if i actually bought one of the pieces i've been drooling over for so long i don't know if i'd actually have the heart to smoke out of it um like Bubbles the Butcher makes uh, these little glass bonsai trees. They're fucking, they're fucking amazing. And then um, 
Goose Glass has these ones called the the Splash. They're they got a like a water faucet, and then it looks like water falling out to make the bong, and then it it's like splashing, and then the oh dude, they're fucking killer. In either one of those two, I would I'd love to have one of their pieces. Um, Man, they should just send you one. Uh, I think they typically range in the two to three thousand dollar range. Right, like, that's all. Yeah, I don't know if I'd actually have the heart to smoke out of it because I've only paid for a few things in my life with that much money. Um, and glass, I would never thought would be one of them, but it would definitely be awesome. Oh, my God. I almost spent that much at Rick's Cabaret the other night. I'm going to have to go back to that motherfucker. Going to... Because uh, I have a long week ahead of me. I got to move and stuff the rest of the week. Um, I'm actually doing a recording tomorrow for Lampoon Magazine in Europe. So if you guys are a fan of them, check that out. Uh, I will have an article in Lampoon here before too long. Um, what else? Uh, Lucky Leaf Expo coming up um, in September. Come check me out then. Uh, and uh, yeah, check us out. Uh, keyword Fumi on uh, APMJclass.com. If you want to support Fumi and save 50 bucks on the class, uh, you can do that. Marty and I actually have a whole bunch of new content that we have uh, recorded on this past Sunday and we'll be editing up and getting out as well. Uh, we have got probably 300 new slides uh, going on top of the new stuff that uh, we've already put out. So um, that's all getting edited up uh, as we speak. Uh, so that'll be trickling out uh, as that goes. And um, yeah, um, be sure to check that out. Um, and we'll see you guys again soon. Thanks a lot for having me on. Cheers, dude. Yeah, good luck with the move, man. Nice to talk to you again. Cheers, bud. Cheers. Uh, it's been a long road uh, coming. A lot right, of like, uh, false starts with different houses that uh, didn't work out for one dumb reason or another. That's exciting. Uh, it's always kind of a nightmare to move, though. Dang. I mean, it's a good thing, but yeah. the worst it can be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, yeah. The last time I moved, go ahead, Tommy. No, you're good. Oh, the, yeah. I was just gonna say the last time I moved, I had like twelve five-gallon carboys full of wine, so it was it was quite nerve-wracking, hoping I didn't break one of those five-gallon glass carboys and open the back of the moving truck to everything else soaked in alcohol. Can I remind people to never in their entire lives buy a Karibi lighter? They're fucking garbage. I spent full money on this, and it's just fucking trash garbage. Come on, dude. Uh, they're like, oh, yeah, you can set it in to get it fixed. But I'm like, you have one job. Like, You have one job. Buy a bit. Yeah, I, I fell for it, dude, because it's got the it's got the pipe lighter stuff and it's got the oh you didn't even see the tamper. See? Wait, oh my god, everyone's screaming. Uh but it's also shitty. The irony is that their name means spark. So I guess that's all you, you get, get is the spark. I guess that's all you get. Yeah, it's just bullshit sparks. Yeah, whatever. might be time. It might be time for me to jump off here too, man. I'm I'm so hungry. I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to pick up. Well, shizzle snazzle. We might have an early show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, fuck it. it was really fun tonight. 
But yeah, I'm getting hungry. Show. I don't want to be. I don't want to be that guy. Kind of like your mom. I thought, uh, I thought it was just hilarious. You grabbed the food, man. I was just like, oh yeah, talking about that food. He got the munchies. Right. <laughs> I know. I think uh, I got food and weed go really well together. Except for I was telling a friend of mine that uh, there is weed now that has THCV, and uh, I mean grapes and cherry, and birthday cake for my son's birthday party. Nice. <laughs> Four. <laughs> what flavor? Or is it just cake flavor? Uh, what is it? Is it? Yeah, it's terrible. This is a grocery store. Mm. Chocolate. It's old too. It's like four days old. <laughs> I was gonna say the uh, what was the the terroir of Portland? Yeah, I, just around here. I was like, it's uh, oh, I already forgot it. Uh, and flaming hot Cheetos coming up, bro. <laughs> you guys want to see it? Was hilarious. <laughs> to myself, so yeah, yeah Tommy's got the lunch for real. He's pouring <laughs> hot yeah. Cheetos out of a cereal Pour container. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What strain are you smoking again? I'm about to make a snake them. Not on Birthday That's cake and flaming hot Cheetos. One working Steak them. <laughs> I'm gonna jump off for a minute, and if you guys are still on in a little bit, I'll probably jump back on. Give me, or uh, Tommy's son's gonna wake eat, up. Dude, I'm so hungry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Where'd my birthday cake go? Dude, I'm already in my kitchen. You know, we're we're breaking boundaries already. <laughs> All right, I'm tapping out for a second. Maybe if you guys are still on, I'm just gonna listen and I'm gonna eat uh eat Yeah, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I <got you. laughs> Good night. Um, later. Uh Ozzy's there, but is he there? What's up, Ozzy? That's Buddhistic. I, I haven't talked to Ozzy in so long. Right. It was cool to see him on here tonight. And then, I don't know, now we're just getting a mixture of trichomes and Ozzy's background. Right? I don't know. Is he off uh, doing Ozzy stuff? He might be. We haven't had a microscope update for a while. It's too bad. What's next for you, Fumi, on the, the breeding tip with the Fumidora? What's uh, an exciting lineup, I think. I'm keeping it a little tight to the vest until it gets a little gotcha. further, and just for luck and all that kind of stuff. But I think uh, I think some very exciting stuff. I'm 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 optimistic about it anyway. Um, I had um, I still haven't technically, you know, pulled the trigger or you know, I don't know whatever the expression might be, but uh, I have you know, have a little bit of time to kind of ramp up. Um, Anyway, so I'm still kind of making my last possible decision. I always seem to make like a last possible decision between a couple of fathers. So I have a couple of candidates and I think uh, I was 95% sure I was going to use this other one. And now I'm 95% sure I'm going to use the other one. So we'll see. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really fun getting to, to almost play God in a sense. You know what I mean? Not necessarily playing God because you don't actually know what you're going to get. But uh, it's fun to, to combine things. And it's fun to see how much of it is a little bit like... Uh, or frankly, a lot like uh, cooking in that you can uh, visualize ingredients and throw them together. And, you know, if you if you visualize them well, you can actually get a, 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 a tangible, predictable result. And then every once in a while, the combinations do not make any sense, kind of like food, because sometimes two things don't combine well. 
so it's 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 fun to see the the difference between those two things um fun to be able to like nail down characteristics i always laughed to myself like oh how the fuck is broccoli come from mustard but actually like when you work on something even just a couple generations you start to see like oh this this wouldn't really take all that long to do some extreme thing you know what i mean and people from the outside might think like oh my god what did you do but from the inside yeah okay it took you time 15 generations or something but like you could definitely get to some bizarre point that looked like you know weed broccoli or something i don't know i realized that, that was abstract right there but it's, it's fun to see that kind of stuff you know it's just fun to yeah i, do I enjoy in. creating that's i think that's one of the biggest lures to breeding for me that's how i ended up making seed separators that's how i ended up making wine i i just that's i like woodworking that's you know i i like creating something i like the the art of it um and the a lot of times regardless of what you're creating you know you might have this plan but it doesn't always fit the plan so i always enjoy seeing how chance and and just the unknown always seems to insert itself into whatever it is that you're creating and that's that's really the beauty of breeding to me is is that the unknown part like i don't think it would be as fun if i knew the particular outcome i was going to get i think it kind of loses its its glamour um yeah i i really enjoy the creation process that's what i've come to learn about myself I, there's a certain uh, appeal to the the unknown aspect of it all The recessives. <laughs> Wise thought that I caught. <laughs> Abstract creation. Um, yeah, I was going to say it's kind of humbling too, right? Because as, as much as you assume that you know what's going to come out, you are constantly surprised, right? Mm -hmm. Like even though my seed separators, I have a design, I have measurements, I have the overall layout. Each one of them comes out a little bit different because um, they're all handmade. So whether I make the cut perfect or it's a little bit inside or a little bit outside of the line like it, it affects the overall make of the whole separator and then it's it's up to me in the end to make all those little errors or imperfections still fit and function as a seed separator it's it's kind of the same on breeding it's kind of the same on uh, really gardening like you can plan out your whole garden you can say i'm going to put my beans here my peas there my carrots here my tomatoes over there and then something happens and you lose a crop or you lose a particular vegetable well now you have a blank spot you got to fill it in so now your plan's not what your plan was how you know how flexible are you uh, that's that's really one of the the finer intricacies of life that really makes life a challenge but it also makes life beautiful not to get sappy but it's it keeps you on your toes and and staying on your toes to me is one of the things that that keeps you young you have to keep that edge you have to keep that ability to adapt and and stay with the the moment and not get caught up in the fact that you had this plan and then your plan didn't work so fuck it why do it like you can't just throw your hair your hands in the air and give up like you've got to 
roll with the punches, whether it's breeding, gardening, any, any, anything else really that you're, you're really passionate about. That's in a creator sort of, sort of aspect. Like I'm sure you even get on here every night and you probably have a, well, it'd be fun to talk about a, B and C and then M and O P Q and R all come up and you, well, shit, I didn't even see that coming, but then this whole episode just creates itself. And after a little while, you kind of just have to keep loose reins on it and steer it in a direction and know that it's going to be okay, no matter what, what happens because you still have that creative passion that's what it is there's there's rarely ever a a, i I stopped having any kind of fixed plans for these shows because they never really came to fruition you know so pretty much every single show is improvised you know like that's if it looks like there's no plan you're looking at the truth there's no dishonesty in the show there is no plan uh the only plan is that there is no plan i guess we'll say so even with the questions you know for example with with uh uh I mean, I, sometimes I'll write the questions down, you know, if I don't want to look like an idiot, obviously, like if I want to uh, um, uh, get to some specific points, of course, you know, if, if you know, when Coot came on the first time or, or Breeder Steve or someone, you know, I had my bullet points and so on. But yeah, when I let the the, 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 the folks in the chat kind of uh, uh, chime in from time to time, there is sort of a, how do I put this, uh, a fine line, you don't want the, the, I don't know, the guests or whatever to take over the, the entire show completely, but you know, like if you allow them to kind of join in, it's usually been really with positive results. So, you know, it, it's it's fun to see that that does work out. You know, it is a little nerve wracking sometimes, especially when, you know, three or four people show up. You're like, OK, what are we going to talk about? But then little by little by little more people show up. So it's, it's one of those things. You know, Ozzy shows up and tells us about his kangaroo fighting. Leave those poor kangaroos alone, Ozzy. Oh, my God. Like, what do you have against them, man? It's it's like a battle. Did they, they did they wrong you or something? We're joking with Ozzy. He's actually very, he's not anti-animal. Maybe Ozzy was a boxing champion in a previous life. So he... yeah, I like to be placid. Hmm. <laughs> it usually doesn't help getting in um, confrontations, I suppose. <laughs> uh... Yeah, the... Uh, Ruben has a good question, by the way. Uh, saying, um, still think that's false advertising. I think maybe uh, not a new, but anyway, uh, he says, I used Frenchie's boiling water wine bottle technique today. Uh, for anyone not familiar, Frenchie is, is the gentleman that we've been talking about recently. Unfortunately, he passed away. He's an absolute legend in hash. If you guys look him up, if you do look him up, you'll see some videos where he actually rolls on the hash, then turns over the hash a little bit and rolls it again. And the thing that he's using to roll it is literally a wine bottle that he filled with water and corked up and then uh, heats it to like 212 degrees or something. I can't remember exactly. Pretty freaking hot. And then uh, rolls it with his hands with like a towel and then rolls it over the hash and it partially decarbs the hash, partially melts all the trichomes together and creates those so-called temple balls. So now uh, he's saying, how long should it be cured for? Um, He's in, uh, well, I mean, people are in different places, of course, but he might be in uh, California, a little bit drier there. So it probably takes less time than, let's say, Oregon. Like, Oregon would take, like, you know, three, four, five days. I don't know, California, a couple, three days, maybe. Not even, right? What do you think? Uh, hash is one of those things that kind of, uh, it, it's kind of like wine and that it, it changes as it ages. Um, I think Frenchie was actually the individual I was watching who had, um, I think I think Frenchie and Bubble Man both 
have had seven or eight year old hash and have described it, how different it was from when they first experienced that same, that same temple ball or that same batch of hash and how it changed over time. Uh, you know what? So no, I'm not thinking of something else. Let me stop you for one second here, uh, Cascading. It's been forever since I actually made like a temple ball. So I'm not going to speak with gigantic authority there, and that's why I'm asking you guys. Uh, I frankly, whenever I made just the, the bubble hash, it was melty. So I would just like, honestly, I was like, okay, it's, it's just too much time to make like temple ball. So I would just honestly collect it, put my freaking hash, then just uh, smoke that, frankly, until it's gone. But uh, when you still roll it out, you you roll it out and you have it in the 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 organic cellophane or whatever, and it's still flat, and you leave it. I want to say for a couple of days, but you're letting it just kind of settle for a couple of days. I guess it's a different story because it's not really drying out. So I'm trying to remember how this freaking shit worked. You're not really drying it out at that point. You're not really letting it sort of cold pure like it was when it was first out of the the, the bags or anything. It's not evaporating water really. It's just kind of settling. I don't even know. Couple days, maybe. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I imagine everybody's got a different sweet spot. You know, I guess is what I was getting to. It's like some people probably like it at a couple days. Some people probably like it at thirty days. Some people probably like it at six months. Um, it's kind of like curing your your flowers. I think everybody's got a little bit different take on it. Because then after that, you roll it up, basically, you warm it up a little bit again, just with your hands, essentially, you just roll it up into a, like an actual ball, and you put it off the side and leave it somewhere for a while. Well, with me, I cure my trikes, um, trichomes before I um, press or, or transform it into a temple ball, before I rupture the trichomes. And um, it gives it like a musty, peppery smell, and it takes about six months to cure. I know the, uh, the the chemistry is different too when it's balled up because the in, the stuff on the inside is going to age at a different pace than the stuff on the outside. There's very interesting chemistry that goes on when you do that. Yes. Um, yeah, because you'll notice if you got real oily weed, um, real oily hash, um, when you when you make it, um, it'll have a glaze on on the top and then after you leave it sort of might be what old mate's talking about after you leave it maybe oh sort of seven days or maybe five to seven days in maybe a 50 60 humidity um, environment um the glaze goes and it's not as um sticky and stuff like that so it sort of oxidizes a bit Over. Talking about different things right now i guess maybe i should ask new is he talking about like as it's flattened from the i think that's what he's talking about it has been forever since i've been this i gotta do it again well, he, uh, he did uh, I keep telling people, like, oh, I don't like to do it in the summertime. And that's just an excuse. I could totally probably do it in the summertime, but easier to do in the winter. Stuff is fine. Like people, really those people in Australia. Was that cascading? I was, I was interrupting, but I, I did say he, he, he mentioned that he did ball it up. Um, oh, yeah. well, that's a different story. Yeah, and you can leave it. That's the nice thing about those temple balls. They actually get better over time. And I was, I have this, uh, dude, I got this in, I don't even remember. Like, this might be three years old. It might be even, nah, I don't think it's four years old, but it might be three years old for sure. Uh, this ball of uh, Frenchy hash. And it's it's definitely on the older side because I haven't really kept it very, I've just kept it basically here. So it hasn't been climate controlled really. It hasn't been kept really that cool or anything else. 
uh, just room temperature, quite literally. But it's still absolutely smokable. It's really, really flavorful. Every time I dab it, I've got like a third of a gram left. Uh, every time I dab it, it's really, really charming and flavorful and everything else. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, they have this really weird property where the, the the oxidation only really happens to the outside of the temple ball. And that's yeah. again, that, that wouldn't happen to every piece of hash that you would roll up because they'll, they'll mold and they'll do all this kind of stuff. But if you make a temple ball well, just try to oil, just hash. There's no infiltrated fungus in there, on and on and on. Uh, and it's been kind of amalgamated in that whole that rolling process and everything else. And it actually physically ages and gets better over time. It's badass. So for like, honestly, for a couple of years, you can crack into that temple ball and the outside will be, you know, brown or black or whatever, you know, however it's aged. But right inside, it's still like creamy white, creamy, you know, tan, whatever, and like soft. Oh, it's fucking badass. I like, to, I like doing the car and the profile and you see like there's a there's, it's got the layer of about probably one one or two mil about a mil around the outside of it and then it's nice sort of brownie dark brown on the inside you can distinctively see the two layers it's cool as yeah the inside always reminds me of like a tootsie roll or a brown yeah. like ozzy said a brownie or a piece of chocolate yeah, yeah. A, that different texture than what's on the outside I've had some too that um, I made a rabbit and it had tiger stripes like you get on the seeds, but had in the, it was a swirl like in the temple ball. That'd be neat. It was so cool. Rosin, you know, flower rosin is the lazy man's approach to all of that shit. You know, I, ha I have to admit, honestly, like the reason, like I'm thinking back, I'm like, dude, I used to make bubble hash. I used to do all this different stuff. I used to make temple balls and stuff. And then I bought a rosin press. <laughs> and I was like, ah! just <laughs> flower rosin. Squish it all. I think I think when you do that, you miss out on the aging process, which is just another form of creation to me. Like you miss out on the creativity that can come out of of knowing you can take this particular plant, make this particular product, leave it for this particular and, come on, time, and get a particular right. so experience. Like made a limited edition like set. Of I played the video from earlier. If you guys heard that. Uh, what was I going to say? Soundboard to work, which is really frustrating. Supposed to have like backing music. I was all excited because I got this mic. Coot was like, "Oh, you should try this mic," and so I tried it. It wasn't Coot's fault, but uh, I don't know. It's the first first generation of the software. Maybe that's what it is. We'll figure it out. But at the same time, we don't really have to have music. I just thought it'd be fun, you know. Head in, head out, whatever. Then again, just whatever, you know. Ozzy, uh, somebody that I know, I can't remember who anymore right now, was saying the volcanoes are amazing. And I was like, well, oh, yeah. Would, uh... it's, if you like your terps, a volcano is for you. Because um, someone was saying ages ago that they, with their weed, when they, when they grow up and they get that smell of the plant, they can't replicate that after the cure. Well, I get upset if I can't replicate that after the cure. And reason being, because I smoke through the volcano and it just brings out all the terps out like you've never had before. And that's the first time I had it. I was sold. And then the mighty, um, the portable one, it does the same thing. So um, yeah, I, the vaporizers are really good for that. Over. What's up, Pip Jam? Uh, they have the nicest dog at uh, Evergreen Grower Supply. Uh, Pip Jam's in, in, reminding me of nice dogs. Uh, so I have to go there probably, I don't know, Thursday. Oh, if I'm I have to call them. 
so uh, Putin, by the way, was saying that one of the best ways to finally, finally, finally get rid of spider mites is one of the least ways that I want to do, which is just to kind of throw money at the problem. Basically, just to continually build up a persimilis population, because I was like throwing persimilis at them, the problem would go away. But I don't know, three spider mites continued to live somewhere in the basement of the such and such, you know, like at the bottom of the whatever. Uh, and then wouldn't you know, like two and a half months later, fucking week nine, week 10, there's fucking spider mites again. So basically like enough is enough is enough is enough. Uh, apparently one of the ways to do it, of course, besides spraying, you know, uh, 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 appropriate cultural practices is building up a persimilis population over time. So I guess I'll just say like, I'm going to evergreen growers supply in a couple of days, got some persimilis on order. And I was like, Oh, I got to call them because I got to get some more hypo. No, not hypo smiles. The uh, Steiner Nema felgii. Cause the fucking fungus gnats have bloomed again. They were gone for like four months. And now suddenly I have fungus gnats again. Cause it's hot out. Jesus Christ. Those little bastards. Those guys are awesome. I, I love evergreen grower supply. They're the only people I've bought beneficials from they have the nicest fucking dog i mean just the nicest fucking dog they're cool people too i've had to call them a couple times because for whatever reason my address got weird in their database so i had to call and get my address corrected and they're they're awesome people right um i've I've actually got to get rid of a thrift problem that i've had for longer than i want to admit it came in off my oregano right outside my sliders watch you too. I'm convinced that thrips are intelligent. I am convinced because they'll look at you and run the other way. They'll like avoid you. There's no other like spider mites and stuff. They don't, they don't have any idea. You could walk up there and just crush entire thousands of them. But like thrips, one of them will like avoid you. Yeah, you gotta you gotta chase them down, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed though with beating off, I had to beat off uh broad mites and those are more of a pain in the ass than the spider mites because you can't fucking see them. Mm-hmm. But I had to overlap the slowly yes. sachets with the, the quick release shaker bottles. Um, and that that seems to be the trick for getting rid of the spider mites, too, is to get both sachets and the shaker bottles. And use the shaker bottle for like the the D Day invasion is how I always I always call it because you're shaking off a ridiculous amount of predators all at once, and then let the sachets hang around for that constant reinforcement. Um, the The issue with a lot of predatory mites, which is why I take the D Day kind of approach. Um, is that a lot of them are smart enough the predatory mites are smart enough that they won't kill off their food supply they would rather mitigate their own population so you have to artificially inflate their population to the point that by the time they eat each other and try to mitigate the population of themselves that they accidentally eat their whole food source as well um being your pest problem so I, I, that's the only way i've found to really eradicate a problem as a as opposed to manage or um what's the other word they use not mitigate anyway they, they have another word for basically managing an infestation uh, the only way to really 
get rid of it is to artificially, at least in my experience, artificially inflate the population of predators to the point that they, through starvation and mass numbers, eat the the pest, whether they they like to or not. Um, so it's just a total doomsday approach or D-Day approach on, on my end when I get to something like that. Um, yeah, I thought you'd like that for me. I see you typing in chat. I, I used that terminology just for you. Um, yeah, Fumi, you could go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you can try some other other prejudice that you can um that the the, the your shop would suggest. Um, and I don't know if you tried any fumigants yet. Um, pyrethrum's a, a good one if it's haven't. You haven't um, put them up to it. Yeah, I, I um, refuse to use any sprays, really. You know, that's just a personal thing. I just don't use sprays. Oh, then flour. Uh, well, I, I do have some stuff in flour. Yes, I'm building up that population. So, like, I saw the, the tiniest little bit of development in the very edges, kind of the, the grow. So that's you know a good sign that in a couple three weeks, basically, I'd have some problems. So I've already built up a little bit of population of persimilis, and sure enough, the problem's gone away. But here's the time to keep going, basically, is what what uh, Potent said. Essentially. Yes. And this is what I've, I haven't done in the past. I let the problem. Uh, how do I put this? I would spray as soon as I would flip, but that was probably enough time for something to persist, maybe in the soil or something. I was always leaving a little bit of something around. You know, I have to, I have to admit it was it was my fault. Honestly, I was always let, letting something perpetuate. You know, the timing was wrong or something, you know. You know what they call that? <laughs> you're uh, breeding, breeding for resistance. You, you're breeding your pest for resistance to. Luckily, your... there's no resistance to being eaten. Thankfully, right? It's yeah, those fucking motherfuckers. They're little tigers. Yeah. And then um, the the fungus gnats. Like when you address it properly, they vanish like a light switch. Like last time I had the fungus gnats, I went, I got a, a big old thing of uh, the Steiner Nema feltii threw it right in the water way overdosed on it basically and they within like two days they were all dead they were just all fucking dead. yeah that d-day approach man that stuff works um i think it's the aureus Australia laylapse eats the um fungus nets i just have them breeding in a bunch of my different pots they seem to stick they around Australia what, laylapse what yeah the they're kind of a mite the, no the nematode the nematode one. That's a little mite too, though. That one might might eat the the fungus gnats. But see, that's the, the thing. Know, nema, the the one. Go ahead. The one Fumi's got is perfect. The Stenonema feltii. They're the perfect ones, and they work. I've used them in the past in Canada and Australia, and um, Fumi's we used them too. But I'd like to be interested in what you said, Gorky. Um, if there's a new one that that you've had success with, well, not a new one, but one you've had success with too. Yeah, I, I've used it for a while. It just seemed to persist on its own after the problem was gone. And it likes to keep some of the fungus nets around too. So they'll stare up at me and the other little um, mites will just crawl around in the, they like fungus too. So I have some mushrooms growing in one pot and they seem to stick around and then breed in that. And then I just take a little bit of soil from that bucket put in a new one and then they just seem to breed in that one and then i don't have fungus gnats it's kind of fun and centipedes as well so the centipedes like to kind of breed at high frequency so i keep those in my soil and they like 
mushrooms and fungus, I guess, after their food is gone, but they like to keep a little bit around as well. So. I'm okay murdering all the fungus gnats. They can go fuck it's good. Like normally I don't have any fungus gnats. So I'm that that's the, the situation that I'm you know used to and that I want to, to achieve again. I'm not like uh I don't tolerate fungus. I mean I've said this before that like a couple fungus gnats here and there are okay, but I mean literally like a couple. Like when like you have to look for one. Like if you really looked for one for like 10 minutes, then, oh okay, finally you found one. That's the situation that I kind of am okay with, you know, because that means that there's probably 10,000 times that many in the soil as like uh, uh, immature fungus gnats. And so they're probably doing their little thing. But when I'm seeing like hundreds of them fly all over the place, no, man, you've got like millions of them in your soil, you know? Yeah, the flyers are a nuisance, but the larvae are what actually eat your roots. Right? Yeah. Have you seen that cap trick where he sliced up potatoes and put it in the soil and caught the larva before yeah. they hatch? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, they they suggest that for uh, things like uh, pill bugs too. You can inoculate that way too. Timmy, is there a way you could you could like bottom water? Because most of the uh, fungus gnats live in that top inch or two of soil, and if you let that dry oh, out, uh, I'm 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 pretty confident they're going to vanish. Because, uh, like I said, I normally don't have fungus gnats. The yeah, the... I inoculated them either from a clone not too long ago or I was in a garden not too long ago that had bugs. If the fungus gnats are the only thing that I brought, I'm going to be fucking happy about that. I was very, very, very careful, but it's one of those things that you, you never got they're, enough. They're one of the few things that can honestly just fly right through the front door. Um, also, yeah. Also. That's yes. Especially up, up here in the Northwest because they're just perpetually outside. So if there was any chance of you bringing them in or them coming in with you from outside, that's that's one of my bigger worries is <laughs> the distance between my grow room and the door to outside is not very far or not mm. far enough for my comfort in my particular situation. And I've got fly screens too, and they still come through the fly screens. Mm. The, the little ones, the big ones can't fit through. You see them trying to get through and stuff like that. But the little ones, the dead set, they just come straight through and you go, wow, did you just come from outside or did you just come from, you know, the tent? Sucks. That Steiner Nema, though, those will, those will definitely do it. I've used those before. They, That's a, the old one, too. And basically, anyone that doesn't know, I can even look it up on the, the Evergreen website. They're um, predatory nematodes. Uh, and so they're microscopic. You can't even actually see them. I, I no, oh, uh, Ozzy, I don't know. Have you ever looked at nematodes under the microscope? They're pretty cool. I've seen some in college. Yeah, yeah, you should. You should, um, when you get them, you should actually look under um, your little, If even if you've got a lupe or something, because you want to make sure that your source that you're getting from hasn't um, killed them. Because if they've had them for more than a few days in their stock, there's a high chance that they haven't stored them properly or that maybe the transportation's gone gone whack. So I always make sure that I look at them first to make sure there's heaps of squigglies that after, you know, after you put water in them, they might be laying there, but you still want to, I've had them in a few different and paste in some, um, some powder. By the way, Gorski wasn't uh, making that up at all. So yeah, Evergreen is saying yes, definitely. So this is probably for and I've uh, seen some too. That uh, control. Yep, it even says uh, hypoaspis or stradiolalops are used primarily to control young larvae of fungus gnats in the soil of planting media. Uh, they help control soil stages of thrips and may account for up to thirty percent of thrips control. 
Uh, they don't control moths or shore flies, but will feed on other soil organisms such as springtails and root mealybugs. They adapt well and do not survive freezing or flooding conditions. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, what you want to do? That's cool. Let's say on the Gorks. Gorks, he was saying. Nice right. Did you want to find places that will tell you this kind of stuff? And then they'll also, when you, yes. when you call them, they'll pick up the phone and they'll actually talk to you like, okay. And this is the stuff that they'll ask you. They'll ask you, so what are your temperatures? What is your hum humidity? Like uh, uh, looking back in time, I was, I felt like I was taking crazy pills when Subcool was throwing literally folks don't fucking throw up tens of thousands of dollars at a competitor. Uh, uh, he didn't know about these guys, uh, a competitor uh, bug place. And they weren't asking him stuff like, What's your humidity? What's your temperatures? Blah, blah, blah. He was literally throwing, speaking of E-Day, he was basically throwing, like on Omaha Beach, he was throwing the bugs right into the pillboxes and the freaking Germans over and over and over and over again. And they had no chance to do what he was trying to do, which was kill, I think, uh, russet mites. We were talking about broad, mite, broad mites, russet mites. So uh, evergreen growers, uh, everybody that I've ever talked to there, one of the first questions they ask you is, what are your temperatures? What's your humidity? And if you don't know it, they'll say, you know, call us back when you know it. Uh, because they, they actually want to know because it'll, it'll make a difference. Will they give you this or will they give you that? Because if you have low humidity, high humidity, those are different things. Uh, so, for example, I know based on experience with them, the persimilis, I need to maintain a higher humidity because the persimilis persist in a higher humidity environment. I didn't know that until I talked to them. I'd, I'd bought persimilis before. That's the irony. And I had not known that you need to keep them in a high humidity environment because I didn't talk to these people. So anyway, these are, we're looking at right now, Steinonema feltii. Uh, these are nematodes. I don't think that's the, I don't know, is that the actual, I don't know, that's the, see, that's the nematodes and a thrip. I'm going to say, that's, the, that's the, the bad boy, that's the bad guy right there. And all those little squiggly things, those are the little fuckers that you buy. And they're, they're on our side, man. The enemy of our enemy is our friend. That's a nematode right there. Smiling. Um, Do you smiling? Up. Smiled for the photo. They said, "Smile for the photo," and it was like, "Oh, yeah." Matching Jeez. up the uh, temperature and humidity allows the predator to live a better, a, a longer life, so that they persist longer to actually take care of the problem. Right. And they also it helps you rule out how you got the problem too. You might want to address. Oh, maybe I might put a dehumidifier in to stop this fungus growing for next time. Over. I find myself, Fumi, I don't know if you, if you do this, but especially in the summer months, I, I end up sleeping a lot with, you know, the slider and the window open. And I, I've, I probably haven't closed my slider now for two weeks. Um, it's just got a screen on it, but I haven't actually closed the glass door. So when fall kicks in and the temperature shifts, there will come a time when that door is shut more than it's open. And about that time every fall, uh, usually whether I've got a problem or not, I find myself ordering from Evergreen Grower Supply a, a batch, kind of a smorgasbord of everything to put in the grow room just as a preventative uh, to kind of clean up the system to get ready for, you know, winter and and not let anything persist into the next spring. So. Um, I'm not far from placing an order with them either here, probably six weeks and I'll be, I'll be ordering everything for the thrips, but also 
a few other oddballs just to kind of keep them in the system and clean up anything I missed. And uh, I just waiting on that door to shut. Cause I don't, it doesn't make any sense for me to clean up the grow and keep the door open and something just reinfest. Cause I just wasted all my money, but. The Swarski was supposed to be good for the thrips. Is that what it was? The Swarski? Thrips uh, control, Cucamaras, they're saying Swarski. Uh, then they take higher temperatures as well. Red uh, beetles are fun to look at, by the way. They're 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 big enough that they can see you too. And like they'll they'll sort of try to bite you, but they're so small that they're, I mean, just like they don't know what they're fucking doing, but they're a little bit aggressive, so they're yeah, fuck you, basically. But they're really funny because they they run around, they look like uh I guess I can show them again. Uh, they look like they remind me a lot, like the alien uh, from uh, Aliens. You know what I mean? And they kind of have the same demeanor. They just like, yeah, thank you. I'm gonna eat everything, See what I mean? The uh, minute pirate bug is another one that I've I've remembered for some reason for thrips. Aureus something. Aureus insidious. There it is, like eighty percent down the. They're another one that I've heard really, really good things about. Yeah, they're, they're called Minute Pirate Bug on the left side of that page. Oh, maybe there it is. Yeah, third or fourth row or something. Yeah, I want to try those. Do you have Monster Genesis? Oh, there it is. They're little, uh, they almost look like little ladybugs. They're little black, circular, spherical bugs. Nice thing about a store like this, by the way, is that they don't waste your money. Uh, at least in my experience, you know, maybe everyone's experience is different, but in my experience, they haven't wasted my cash. Like, oh, I had such and such problem. My friends, they would say, well, maybe, but this would be better. And it's even a cheaper product, you know. Like maybe your friend tells you to buy. Uh, fuck, I don't even know what's what's an example here. Like, uh, well, here you go. So you hypoaspis will be the thing that you want to buy. Go buy a bag for fifteen dollars. Okay, that's reasonable. You think? Well, they'll tell you no. What's your grow environment? Oh, you have a four by four tent. All you need is let's say four sachets of this shit right here, the Ambrosius Swirsky, and that might be literally what you need. You know what I mean? And they they've sold me. Maybe not four of them, but they've sold me like a sheet of sachets before. You know what I mean? Like if 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 they don't think that you need something, they're not going to like sugarcoat it and say like, "Oh, you need fifty fucking things." Yeah, they're, like they uh, do. They're they're how do I put this? They're on this business, you know. I, I'm the, not kidding. The Swarskis are nice, man, but they're expensive. So a lot of times yeah. I end up with the Cucumaris or the Californicus, just because I can order <laughs> twice as many as I can Swarskis, and it's a numbers game to me sometimes. So that D-Day approach. So if I can get 50,000, you know, Kikumaris where I can only get 15,000 Swirsky eyes, I'm, I'm going for 50,000. <laughs> mega army. But what if it's the, uh, what if each one of the freaking Swirsky is like one Darth Vader by themselves? Right. right. And then you gotta, you gotta take in the environment that you were talking about a minute ago. You gotta make sure you have the temperature humidity for whichever one you choose. Sometimes that's my deciding factor. Is the temperature similar to little shitheads? Uh, so I guess I can show this because it's my own video. Uh, of uh, but uh, they're little shitheads, man. They're they're so aggressive, they attack each other, they're blind. Like, basically, uh, uh, I don't even remember if they have eyes or not. 
That's that's the other thing about the Swirskis too is they'll they'll eat other predatory mites. So if you order Swirsky eye with somebody else, there's a good chance the Swirsky eye are going to eat them. A good food source? Do they lay larvae after they have a good food source? Do they breed on site and just create an army if there's food or? Well, that's of... what that's why I was mentioning that sort of they do the the population control they don't eat all of the pests is because they want to breed they want to keep a steady food supply so um, yeah ladybug larvae do that they actually i had them breeding in my tank because i had so many aphids once a lot of people say they have a hard time making them stick around even inside but i didn't have a problem with that if you just have a good food supply but yeah if, if you can line up the temperature the humidity and the food supply they will breed in the tent but the object is to get the food supply to go away. So I had infestation ratios. So yeah, when I applied two containers of ladybugs, all of a sudden I had like six to eight containers worth after all the larvae hatched. And they're the voracious ones you want to stick around anyways. But yeah, it was kind of fun playing with bugs. I'm trying to learn how to how to breed them, you know. I want to be able to get um a, a greenhouse or some sort of situation where they can persist um aphids they love those those feast i i mean i had them to the proportion where they were flying around the room and my buddy was like oh that's gross man just throw away your bud and i'm like whatever man i just i squish them with a chopstick all day long and i kill hundreds and then the ladybugs took over and then they started breeding i was like holy shit these are probably worth something yeah. Because the larva was stuck everywhere. But they, they're really cool, anyways, nonetheless. No more right. aphids anymore. <laughs> cool. Right. You know, that whole chop it down and burn it thing. It doesn't you know, my only issue with that is it doesn't teach you anything. You know, you, you don't actually learn. Yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. yeah. I just had to I had to suffer. I just sit on like a step stool with a chopstick or a bamboo skewer because it was really pointy and vein by vein, leaf by leaf, I just crushed all that I could and then used praying mantis and I used ladybugs. And then I found out later that ladybugs aren't the best thing to get unless you know where they're sourced. So, but yeah, it was kind of fun playing with bugs. And then I had a jumping spider as a pet and it started eating my praying mantis and then it stuck them to the wall and kind of showed me one in its mouth one day when it was still alive i was like holy shit so mm. when you start letting the bugs take over it's kind of fun to watch who eats yeah who. i don't i don't yeah. do spiders in the grow tent man that's my line i don't do really spiders. yeah oh i like them all the scarier the better i'm like you're probably fucking hungry huh not so. in the grow tent i mm -mm. I have a dog, so she brings in stuff too. And I call her my little pollen spreader. So, like, you know, that's how I started making seeds. Is she started first? So, yeah, uh, she brings in lots of bugs too. So when I'm all done with all the bugs, she'll bring in spider mites or whatever. She'll sniff my plants. It's okay. I just let them live until it's too much, and then I'll spray. But I haven't sprayed in a really long time. I just watch plants kind of perish. They senesce if they can't take pest pressure. So I think a lot just, of these predators that we buy, at least the predatory mites, I think they're all like if you if you look inside the sash when you buy them, a lot of the food source is mold mites. 
Um, so I, I want to look into how to cultivate or whatever the proper word is, mold mites as a food source for the predatory mites. Uh, my, my thinking is that if I can get this going in a greenhouse and keep them through the winter uh, in yeah. sort of an artificial environment that comes springtime when things line up a little better, you just kind of fling the doors of the greenhouse open and the predators will sort of migrate out from there if they can't survive in your native climate yeah like leaf mold when you're making a big huge compost pile and it'd be at the top maybe and you wouldn't suppress the heat and then over the winter you'd be okay unless it snowed a bunch but yeah you could get the mold mites to grow out there and then start introducing your other predatory mites slowly but surely you know they've, they've got to have husbandry techniques for these these predators or they wouldn't be able to supply them the numbers that they do you know there's got to be there's got to be some method to the madness they just got to crack the code yeah that'd be great it's nice or just well always with indoors sorry Fumi. oh i was just i was probably frankly jumping over you uh some of them will persist on uh uh, like some pollen plants, like if you can produce some like uh, 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 flower-bearing plants, they'll actually go and kind of live there and like subsist on that pollen. But you know, how many of us actually do that? You know what I mean? Like I know I'm guilty of not ever having done that. You know? So. Yeah, explosive ember peppers are one of the ones found. They're an ornamental pepper. They're one of the ones found to be the most nutritious pollen source because they they the mites need pollen, but they also need the extra floral nectaries. So you, which pepper plants have both. So they have a source of nectar and pollen, and that is a substitute for actual pests. Um, so yeah, the explosive ember pepper plants are the ones to grow in a greenhouse. You know, that's, that's kind of my thinking is to get explosive ember pepper plants in a greenhouse to get them to grow through the winter as kind of like a home base uh, supplement that one of the other good pollen sources, which if you get it in the right time of year is very plentiful is cattail pollen. Um, and then um, mold mites. I think between those three, if I can learn how to grow the mold mites and then get the cattail pollen when it's plentiful and keep the explosive ember pepper plants, I think I can, I can manage to keep a population of predatory mites alive through the uh, through the winter, and then you would just take those explosive ember pepper plants and distribute them throughout the area that you wanted to spread those predators to. It's kind of kind of my preliminary thinking. I need to try it a little bit though. It sounds good. You'll figure it out. Yeah, I just, I'm going to move here in a couple of years. We're going to get on some farmland, and that's when all my shenanigans are really going to take off. So I'm just stacking up knowledge until then. But that's what I'm thats what I'm thinking is those three. That's I mean, good a, compost on some level will probably have, uh, like, a, a beneficial community on it, no? Like it would have, yeah, yeah. But, I, but that's where I got a lot of my rove beetles and everything else. I never really bought any. I don't think I ever bought any. But I definitely have rove beetles, and I'm pretty sure they came out from compost. Yeah, rove beetles and the uh, hypoaspis miles, they're both plentiful in compost piles. Okay. Um, you kind of, yeah, you don't really have to try hard for those ones. 
And it depends when you're doing it. Oh, uh, when you're doing an open pollination, you have cannabis pollen. Then would you be able to keep more around, or would you be able to keep what you wanted around healthier because of everything has a cannabinoid system? So you're kind of feeding the food chain. Well, there's no cannabinoids in cannabis pollen. Um, Okay. And I don't know that the nutrient nutrition content of cannabis pollen matches up well with the predators. That's that's kind of the catch. I, I'm not sure, but I know the explosive ember pollen does. Mm. Not to mention the cannabis pollen will pollinate your shit, <clears throat> and uh, to inactivate it, you have to make it wet. That probably also makes it shitty. I have um, I have contemplated the idea. I want to work through it a little bit more, but I have contemplated the idea of flowering out cannabis males for their pollen as a feed source for honeybees though yeah yeah that sounds great everything goes crazy on that bees love it outside right now at my house i'm not yeah i'm not sure how that plays out in the long run because you're only going to see the nutritional content of the pollen really start to affect the colonies over time sure it's going to look great at first but how does that play out? Like, like you would supplement the pollen in what they call a dearth, and a dearth is is when you happen to live in an area and you have honeybees, and there's a particular time window when there's no flowers that are open supplying pollen in your area, so your bees don't have anywhere to go gather pollen. Uh, they they call that a dearth. So that would be when I would try to supply cannabis pollen, but we know a lot about honeybee life cycles so you could actually start to understand they take pollen and then they they put it through like a fermentation process to make bee what they call bee bread and then they feed that bee bread to the young bees and you could actually watch the timing of it to see the, how the health of that particular generation of bees shook out down the line whether they had, you know, uh, deformed wing virus or any other sort of issues, if they, you know, nosema or any other sort of pests for honeybees was greater or lesser than average. Um, so it takes, it, it takes multiple years. It's going to take a few years for me to shake that out as whether or not cannabis pollen is a proper pollen substitute for a dearth or if i need to use cattail pollen or somebody else that's more plentiful easier to gather and and then hold on to that for the dearth to feed the bees but um yeah i'm trying to figure that out just as a another close the loop thing like we were talking about towards the beginning of when i hopped on with dutch um so when dandelions first come out you You'd put your flowering males out from your tent and you'd be able to kind of get a cohesion or more of a populace of bees. If you did it a few years in a row and you didn't spray any of the weeds around your house, I mean, you'd be able to kind of capture them and several different types of bees along with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um... It's happening around my house anyways. Um, just many different kinds, like carpenter bees, honey bees, lots of several different wasps. 
tons of things that love pollen. The so best pollinators I guess... aren't even honeybees. We just like honeybees because they make honey, but uh, the best pollinators don't even bother to make honey. Really yeah. Cool. Stuff. Little flies that look like bees and like tons of stuff. If you don't, if you just let everything grow around your house and your neighbors hate you, that's when you have the best pollinators. Uh, well, it's, you're going to be fucking laughing all the way to the whatever garden bank or something. I don't know, because uh, <laughs> people with the most like uh, pollinating flowers and stuff in their gardens, they have the best gardens because the bees pollinate everything in their garden. You know, because bees aren't, I mean, bees are kind of smart, which is actually really bizarre. They can actually see themselves in a mirror and pass the mirror test and stuff, which is really surreal to think about. Like if you put a red dot on someone's forehead, most animals can't and, and put them in front of a mirror. Most animals can't figure out what the fuck you've just done. That Like everything about that is weird. But a bee will see itself, recognize itself in the mirror, recognize somehow there's a red dot on its face and try to wipe it off. Oh, fuck. Only people nice. and a couple of different monkeys, not even all the different monkeys, not even all the different apes can do that. Anyway, it's really rare, rare and bees can do it and ants can do it for some reason. Uh, but uh, bees aren't all that smart and don't really know the difference between most flowers. Just, they'll go to flowers and be like, oh, is this a flower? Oh, is this a flower? Is this a flower? And so they just pollinate like everything. And so that's that's the, the key. Like basically like and then you look at those macros of bee butts. And it's just like every kind of pollen is just covered all over the, the fucking bee, you know? Uh, so like the bee basically just rubs its butt on every single plant in the garden and pollinates everything. So long story short, like you have amazing gardens when you have some bees around you. Where do you want to introduce the cannabis uh, pollen for Cascading? What were you trying to, you were trying to supplement or you were trying to make something out of it later? Trying to make the world worse by pollinating everyone's shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can, uh, they, they, so in beekeeping, they make these things called pollen patties, uh, which is a it's a it's basically a nutrition mix that they form into this like patty that that the bees use in place of pollen when there's no flowering plants available to supply natural pollen and instead of making a pollen patty i would want to see if cannabis pollen was a viable substitute but i'm sure it's going to come down to like a pollen blend being best. I don't think there's going to be a particular plant that's going to do uh, everything by itself. So it might be part cannabis pollen, part cattail pollen, part somebody else's pollen. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, this is where you're kind of trying to play God because you're trying to to mimic what the bees would find in nature, which in nature in plentiful times the bees are going to visit at least dozens of different flower species and they're going to accumulate pollen from those different flowers and take it back to provide a more it's like the difference between having a dinner that just has a steak on the plate or a dinner that has steak broccoli mashed potatoes green beans with a salad on the side like there's going to be a difference over time between the people that have a rounded out plate of dinner and the people that just have steak. You're going to, you're going to be able to see it in their physical form, which is kind of what I'm wondering about the bees is, is how do you mimic that well-rounded plate 
in a, a feasible manner for the honeybees that um, doesn't end up with them being having an unbalanced diet in the particular generation that's raised off of what they found when there was nothing available. You'd have to make sure you're living on like healthy land to begin with for indigenous plants and, you know, what, what was there to begin with. So like the labs, the lactobacillus and a lot more fungi in the earth. And it starts to bring back a lot of what people call weeds around here, but the pollinators love it, you know, and it's actually has medicinal properties to a certain extent. And my buddy pointed out what the name was and the Latin word and I forgot, but it's pretty cool around and milk thistle, as I was saying before, when we had talked, but bees love that. And if you just spray all of your land and leave it grow, they'll have six foot weeds growing everywhere and they fucking love it. They go crazy. Yeah, it kind of helps that my bread and butter in the future is going to be uh, a traditional herb farm. Um, when I was in school, we were taught about a little bit over 300 different varieties of herbs. So I'm looking at growing well over a hundred different flowering plants. So the chances of there being something not in flower at any given time is kind of minimized, but there's not going to be enough flowers of any one thing to sustain a whole bee yard, which could be anywhere between 20 and several hundred hives, which turns into millions of bees really fast. And you're not going to be able to feed, you know, even 1 million bees off of a, a single row of anything. So I'm just trying to build resilience in the system by, by also supplying some sort of secondary nutritional source. Uh, it's just, it's just a resilience move to make sure that the bees have what they need the whole season to maximize their outputs both in the health of the bees and in the amount of honey that they can gather. Uh, yeah. And feel like top floor just, just linked a, a paper in chat. There's a good chance I probably have it already, but I appreciate it. And you can see that it says Apis mellifera. If anybody's ever wondered where mellifera botanicals came from, it's the species name of the honeybee. That's that's my whole my whole spiel. There is is uh, I I come from the beekeeping, mead making, wine making, regenerative farming sort of approach, and the honeybee is just kind of a an an important generalist in that sort of a system. Which I'm a bit of a generalist too, so I've just got a lot of a uh, connection to the to the honeybee but like Fumi was saying a little bit ago they're actually not one of the best pollinators we just happen to get honey from them there's a lot of um, native bees flies ants um, I think even beetles will help with pollination of certain crops so it's a lot more diverse when you get into to pollinators uh, butterflies how could I miss butterflies um, birds, moths. Yeah, yeah. Got a lot of moths. 
So yeah, it's a it's a diverse game when you actually get into caring about pollinators, which I do as well. Um, but I do want the honey to make herbal products, to make food products, to make mead. Yeah. That's just the good part when you get all the other pollinators too. If you have that kind of land around you, it's really nice to be around. It smells sweet. It's nicer. There's just things flying around the whole entire day. And then there's insects fighting over pollen. So it's it was actually cool. fascinating. I was I was learning about beekeeping in general. And there's a certain threshold that you get into the like amount of hives you have and the amount of work that it takes. Um, and the honey actually turns into a nuisance uh, after a certain point. Cause you make you, some of these large beekeeping operations will make, you know, their bread and butter is, is pollination services and they cart their bees around. But secondarily to that, every time they take their bees from one place to another, they can usually divide their hives into more hives and they get in the operation of selling bees are selling queens um, and their pollination services. And, and the honey actually starts to get in the way of some of these large beekeeping operations that will cart their, like, I don't know if you guys are aware, but 90, it's either 94 or 96% of the world's almonds are produced in California. And uh, it's like a nationwide hunt and and migration, I guess is a better word, of honeybees to go pollinate the almond crops in, I think it's February, February, early February, late January, or I can't remember if it's late January or early March, but somewhere around that February timeframe, there's just semi loads of bees that all flood to California to pollinate these almonds. And it's, it's pretty predictable that somebody that gets a pollination service secured in california that by the time they have to go get their bees every beehive that they take to california they can bring at least two back uh which is where you get um the the boxes of bees that you can order in the mail that that come out of california that's that's what they're doing they're they're taking their beehives to california they're pollinating the almonds and then they're going down there, getting the hives, shaking a bunch of bees out, grabbing a queen, putting it in there and selling you this box of bees. Um, and taking their hive back to or shipping it to the next pollination service they've got lined up. So it's a pretty interesting slash sickening game that we play with the the honeybees by carting them all over the country to do these various pollination services which long term is to the detriment of the bees yeah. bees health not only that uh in the chat we were just discussing who mentioned this uh, i can't think of it right now that uh the honeybees are an invasive species like we actually brought them but they're one of those rare invasive species that when you bring them to an environment they seem to improve the environment both for the natural environment as well as for our purposes right but uh 
how do I put that? Uh, that's not without consequences either, right? Because we've become dependent on those bees to pollinate a lot of our farm crops. And so a lot of the native pollinators that actually would have probably pollinated those things just as effectively, they've massively died off. And so now we're really dependent on these freaking invasive bugs that are also dying off thanks to our goddamn pesticides. So monument to man's idiot hubris, right? Yeah, it's 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 definitely to the detriment of native pollinators, which in my long-term thinking means that I need to find the balance between my love for honeybees and my support of native pollinators because you don't want to have so many honeybees that they deplete the resources for the native pollinators because, like I said, you're just shooting yourself in the foot in the long run. Um, I'm also not interested in the scheme of dragging my bees all over hell and back for pollination services, but um, it was interesting to me to learn the dynamics of the beekeeping world and how that all works. So I was just sharing for an information perspective, not, it's not something I prescribe to, but you have to know your demons to beat your demons. So that's, that's kind of propaganda top floor saying (laughs) it's, he's not wrong. Like that's, that's how it's all been, been up to this point. That's how that's the market has worked. So it's fascinating to understand the market and understand kind of, where you know it's it's always under, it's important to understand where you come from and how it's been broke in order to know how to fix it we did the same thing in in farming we understood that well we're coming from this conventional farming um mindset because our forefathers have forgot how to traditionally farm and now we've had to understand how it was broke in order to understand how to fix it it's the same same concept i just applied it to bees as well um mostly out of my love for mead but that stems from my love love for creating things so it's all cyclical this whole conversation it's all i don't blame you mead it's delicious yeah it's it's fabulous man you normally um i used to think weed was significantly sweet which i mean people's palates change over time i used to like really sweet beer da, da, da. now i don't really like all that super duper sweet stuff so sweet sweet meads i'm a little bit like oh a little bit so it goes a long way but i've discovered that there are some really dry meads some actually like not sweet at all meads right oh man there's dry ones that'll suck the moisture right out of your mouth um yeah just as dry as a, a red wine but it's all about uh it's a it's about balance as it is with with wine or mead or even beer. Uh, you can have sweet beer that's sickly sweet, and you can't have more than one or two. Uh, like that, uh, that not your father's not your dad's not your father's root beer or not your father's. Yeah, is it a root beer they sell that as? If you have more than one or two of those, it's they're too sweet. They give me a stomachache. Uh, they taste delicious. They taste like root beer, but they're alcoholic but they're so sweet uh you you gotta have that that right balance uh and then as people i'm not a big drinker so i i love the crafting part of it but i don't actually like getting drunk very often i'll have a little bit here and there to just kind of take the edge off um i so i drink like i was talking about breeding for soccer moms and dads earlier you know i just to take the edge off. I'm not looking to get messed up, but 
as you as you drink more wine or more mead you'll find that you start with sweet stuff to kind of introduce yourself to the world of it and the more that you drink the drier it gets um in the same sense of drinking beer you don't really see the first somebody's first drink being a really hoppy ipa that's just not that's a horrible place to start but as you as you mature your palate you could see how somebody could get to those really robust flavors same thing with wine you start off with something sweet and you work to something dry a lot of people are like how the hell does anybody enjoy this super dry my tongue sticks to my roof the roof of my mouth red wine uh, that's because they've been drinking wine for years and the sweet stuff is too sweet and the balanced stuff is too sweet and the only thing that tastes good is uh really dry wine but th that also depends on what else you eat you'll you'll see that not a lot of people who drink those really dry ones they don't eat candy they don't drink soda they don't drink kool-aid they don't anything that has a high sugar content is not in their diet anymore because it doesn't taste good it's too sweet they've shifted their whole palate away from sweetness uh which to the average american is really odd because we have such a sugar addiction but that's just kind of the progression of things um do we got hot takes on edible sugar things here in the chat cascadian <laughs> uh, they thought that I was joking, by the way, about Marzipan Jesus, but Marzipan Jesus. Um, oh, wow. They, well, at one point existed, and then someone probably ate him. Uh, Noob is saying that Marzipan tastes like edible Play Doh. <laughs> the, the chat was saying that uh, almonds are garbage. Uh, I wanted to defend almonds because uh, good almond is uh, a very special thing. Uh, yes. Almonds, uh, but you know, Marzipan is fucking delicious. But uh, huh? Noob got a hot take. I think New may honestly have just never had good marzipan because it's pretty fucking potent, man. It's not uh, like good chocolate marzipan. It look kind of like pucker your face with the almondness, like with the, the <laughs> nuttiness. And it's 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 distinct. You know, what else does it taste like? It tastes like I, fucking almond. I got a quick fact. I, Go ahead. Almonds are too damn hard for me. I don't. I don't like chewing on almonds. Um, when it comes to to nuts there's I, there's definitely ones that have a better texture almonds are just crunchy i'm not a big fan when um my mum cured my dad's leukemia um it was terminal and she cured it from his diet more so and she did some in her massive amount of research she found out that almonds have something in it i don't can't call it i don't know what it is sorry but there's something in it that you don't get from really anything else so to have two almonds in a day is really good health Apparently, so that's what I like to do. That's what I've heard. I like. This is fucking hilarious. Rusty Balzac says marzipan is what you would serve to people who would like to leave your home. <laughs> I just it's fucking hilarious. Um, Sounds yuck, dude. I must be lucky because, like, I've always had really good ones. Well, not always. You can have like this, this shoe leather marzipan for sure, like like play doh bullshit. Uh, let's see here. Um, Shoe leather Play-Doh doesn't sound attractive at all. Hey, I have to go. I have, I have to pack because I'm moving as well. So good, good. <laughs> good luck. Right, yeah. I'm moving up to the mountains. So uh, 
Oh, lucky you. Yeah, yeah. Just triple the rent, but whatever. I think folks would like to make this next uh, 420, our last uh, 420 of the evening, and uh, abscond for the uh, very good show. Very nice long show. Uh, Gorski, tell us about it, man. Where are you? Uh, it's exciting, right? It's exciting and terrifying to move. It's a fucking huge amount of work. Your back's probably awesome. afterwards. Yeah, my son is very young, so I have to hold him quite a bit. So it's a transfer of him to my wife to pack anything. And then she does the same thing for me. And then I have my mad science just breeding project all over the basement. So it's it's pretty crazy, but it's I mean, it's fun. We'll we'll go from. uh, I don't know, 2000 square feet to 700 square feet and pay double. Uh, move to the mountains you know (laughs) but uh yeah we'll we'll have to rent our house to be able to afford it but uh we're we're going for it we're we're just we want to get out of the city good luck man yeah Yeah, good move well yeah you guys uh thank you very much it's always a pleasure um i really enjoy being on here fumi so thank you very much for the kindness appreciate it uh and uh good luck with the move thanks thank you very much uh, cascadian um what was i gonna say uh i don't know any thoughts on marzipan i guess uh oh man i like marzipan dude i, I don't know that i've ever had it honestly really fire like in central europe like in germany and stuff and dude i don't know it's not even that hard to find go to like a german deli like they have it basically it's like a german thing so go to like a german deli they have it in like german shops portland has tons of like the German shops that well, there used to be more, honestly. A couple of them closed down, but uh, there's still honestly a bunch of different German uh, uh bakeries. Uh, we've got Indian bakeries, dude. It's cool. I don't know how do I put it. Someone said earlier, What's the freaking terroir of Portland, dude? I don't know. It's like all that shit, yeah. Was, Japanese markets, you have Chinese markets, Vietnamese markets, Mexican markets, there's Jamaican markets, not even just Jamaica, there's also Caribbean markets, different kinds of Caribbean markets, Haitian markets. It's fucking killer, you know. They're not all in the same place, but. I don't have enough uh, experience with Portland to really understand how Portland differs from Seattle. But as you talk about Portland, it just reminds me a lot of Seattle's cruising as well. Uh, At some point in uh, that movie Pig, uh, Nicolas Cage says, fuck Seattle. And the entire uh, audience at Cinema 21 burst out laughing. (laughs) I guess we all agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seattle, Portland and San Francisco have always been considered to be sisters. San Francisco is the beautiful, pretty one that everyone knows. She's the probably the oldest one, right? She's the the debutante. She's the one probably Barbara or somebody, right? Uh, she's the one that everyone sends to Paris. Uh, Seattle is the one that went to college, blah blah blah, and Portland is the one that got shit done. You know what I mean? And also probably the youngest of the of the three. <laughs> Top floor said he doesn't even like the way you say marzipan. You people, Jesus Christ! No one can fucking win here, man. Jesus, H Christ! I don't. I honestly, I honestly don't know if I've even had it before. I'll have to seek it out and see. Uh, Chocolate covered marzipan, man. What the fuck? They have it at Trader Joe's. It's all right. It's not the world's best marzipan, but it'll it'll pass. Like, uh, dude, uh, Trader Joe's is fire, man. For like holiday cookies, honestly, you'll get the marzipan like around Christmas time. So pay attention, you know, in a few months. Uh, uh, The Pfeffernusse. The freaking uh, the white like f- uh, fuzzy covered uh, uh, ch- uh, 
they're like uh, ginger cinnamon snaps or whatever, but in like a soft cookie, basically. They have them at Trader Joe's. That's really freaking good. Uh, marzipan. You'll get like marzipan Santas. Those are really cool. Uh, <laughs> okay. Do you do you like the marzipan or do you just like the things you can make with marzipan? Because you talked about oh, Jesus and Santa. Oh, like it. It's got a really distinct flavor. I'm surprised people say that almond is so like indistinct. Like almond is actually... Um, it's pretty strong. Like it's a pretty strong essence, but it's it's uh, it's a little bit like vanilla. It's subtly strong. Like vanilla is actually a really really complex and interesting flavor. But of course, weirdly enough, it's got this. Uh, what's what's boring and bland? Vanilla. Vanilla is nothing like boring and bland. But for some reason, that's the colloquialism, right? So marzipan, almond, that kind of stuff. I can kind of understand what they mean. You're like almond is subtly complex, kind of like vanilla. It's a fucking weird one. I don't know. Yeah, too too much of it and it's bland. Too or too little of it and it's bland. Too much of it and it's overwhelming. That's yeah. At least that's vanilla. I don't know. I guess almonds kind of the same way, but I don't know much about marzipan. And there's, I bet there's. I, I've never really. Um, I'm embarrassed to say I've never really stopped to think. Like there are probably much better picked almonds and much worse picked almonds. You know, probably ripe almonds and unripe almonds. Probably the unripe ones taste like wax garbage that they've been basically talking about in the, in the chat. But then you can have like really, really like what mature almonds, I would imagine. There's probably a huge difference. Yeah. They definitely have really, really good, for one thing, marzipan and also almonds too. Like I snacking almonds. You know? It probably depends on the health of the tree too when you really get into the, the finesse of almonds. Um, I bet the health of the tree play, plays a big part of it all. The smoked almonds, have you guys had them? They're quite tasty. Mm-hmm. I don't. Smoked like or barbecue? Smoked. They're too damn hard for me. I don't like chewing up almonds. I'm, I'm uh, a cashew nut, though. I will make a bag of cashews disappear. Uh, yeah, they're good. Uh, I wonder what uh, I, I texted Coop, but I guess he was busy. Uh, we'll have to get Coot on here one of these days to talk about Martzpan because I wonder what his opinion is. Uh, he's a, a, a trained French baker, right? Like I was telling somebody the other day, like, oh my gosh, Coot, among other things, every single day wakes up in the morning and bakes his wife like full on French bread and patisserie and shit. Can you imagine that life? Anyway, so you, can, <laughs> some of you have woken up to the smell of fresh bread, right? Like there's always nothing fucking life, right? And then you also get to eat that goddamn French bread, fresh French bread. Fuck off. Anyway. <laughs> I wonder what his opinion is because French uh, baking is is resplendent in fucking almonds and maybe not as much marzipan, but uh, you know, like shaved almonds. And stuff. I'm more of a cashew pistachio kind of guy. I can dig the cashew, but the cashew is a uh, it's an Indonesian nut. I think almonds are indigenous. <laughs> At least, don't mind Ozzy over there firing up the uh, chainsaw, but. Right. Uh, <laughs> the cashew uh, nut is actually the nut of the cashew. So excuse me. <laughs> oh, is that uh, Ozzy after night of uh, Australian chili or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got five. Wow, that did come through loud. I should probably roll them up too. Holy crap. I guess I should uh, keep up with the Joneses. And actually have what are you there. rolling, Timmy? Uh, you know what? I well, I got five minutes. I could probably well four minutes now. Shit, while I'm talking. Did you uh, 
Did you get out of your Morgana phase, or you still got her around? Uh, still got a bunch of Morgana. I've got. Uh, I've been smoking a bunch of uh, Queen Anne's Revenge. Oh, Captain Four Twenty for for the last minute. Hello, uh, Queen Anne's Revenge. Uh, I, I was sent. Uh, amazing, dude. It's one of those weird ones in life. Uh, I've talked to uh, Ms. Jill about it, and she's like, "Oh, that's exactly the same thing. You can keep growing it." I was all embarrassed to grow it and stuff, right? Because. it was like a revenge plant basically you know like i even i kind of knew it at the time it was like a revenge tester it's like you know like this is the divorce and uh fuck you we're gonna breed it ourselves but some people ask you to grow something see if i can grow it i don't know i don't know what to tell you what's up captain 420 so i kind of always kept these plants as like my shame or something you know what i mean and um i don't know whatever i think about this kind of weird shit and uh but it's fire like honestly it's fire like i let the other one go because i basically bred some seeds of it that's the uh uh charybdis the the queen anne's revenge by uh the same ruby jack and so far the the results are delightful but i still have her sister who was a very piney i almost let her go because she was so similar to uh sugar tits number three like very very space queeny in the flavor but a different effect like a more train wreck hit as opposed that's actually why i kept her because she has this almost exactly the same thing space queen space queen space queen uh, space queen even in shape and everything else but a train wreck hit as opposed to uh uh, uh uh sugar tits which is all the same thing but a ghost hit basically ghost og hit so like almost the same plant but completely different highs really fucking interesting um anyway so uh that's one that i've been smoking lately and it's it's uh, really delightful like uh piney foresty really fun Nice, Some man. nice versions of Space Queen. That's me fucking babbling. And as me babbling for two minutes, I could have been rolling. Captain 420, what's going on, my friend? Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me on, everybody. How you doing, Cascadia and Ozzy? And uh, who else we have on here today? That's Dick it for Gorski. the moment, man. Oh, okay. Thought I'd give you a little bit of... Uh, more look of thailand after the rain uh no blue skies again today (laughs) but uh my cat was climbing up the screen at about four o'clock this morning because that rain was hitting the house every which way but Mm. straight up and down (laughs) you would know uh best if you had to, if you could, if you could snap your fingers and land anywhere on the earth for munchies after getting riggedy, riggedy wrecked on your favorite weed, where would it be? Wow. For munchies? Now I want to, now I want to freaking call a mulligan and say I want Ethiopian food all of a sudden. Pull on like goat stew with the freaking pancake. Oh my freaking god! I still want to get tamale. It's all your fault, Kimi. I want a damn tamale so bad. I I would have to go with Cascadia, and if I'm going for munchy food, I'm going for sweet. Because cannabis doesn't make me hungry, but uh, I have one hell of a sweet tooth for chocolate. <laughs> so I think I'd have I'd have to go to Europe. I'd have to probably end up in uh, Vienna. You know, I, I really you like chocolate, man. You'd have to go to Vienna. I, I, I really like Vienna. 
Yeah, but I think I'd end up in Brussels. Because of the uh, waffles. Yeah, I think I'd end up in Brussels. Yeah. Have you ever uh, have you ever experienced the uh, we had a, uh, a a chocolate convention up here uh, pre-COVID <laughs> and I, I had pounds. I had never uh, I only eat dark chocolate I don't eat milk chocolate because I mostly because I don't eat milk um, but I had never experienced the the diversity of uh, like background flavors that you yeah. find in chocolate until I went to the chocolate convention. Yeah, there's a huge variety. It's it's fucking beautiful. Uh, just the diversity of of chocolate based on where it comes from and the you know the methods that they grew it and. Um, if you look for single source chocolates, yeah, for real, they yeah. can be as 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 complex as weed. Like honestly, as yeah. complex as weed, and probably they yes. have some psychoactively similar properties because they have all these different phenols and everything else that apparently work in super complex ways. It's way beyond me, but I've had some friends tell me about all the weird interactions that they do with your body. Uh, so just like when we smoke cannabis, inhale terpenes and stuff, apparently chocolate is really locking into your system. It's no accident that people really crave and and get pleasure from chocolate. Like it is actually beneficial to your system, apparently on scans and everything else. Anyway, oh. uh, the, uh, how do I put this? Some chocolates are deeply floral. Some of them are just bitter. Some of them have, you know, earthy notes. Some of them have, I don't know, dusty or coffee notes. Some of them, all of the above perfume notes. It's, it's really stunning. And you might not know it if you use like, for example, a Hershey's. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with yeah. you, I do still enjoy Hershey's Kisses, but Hershey's is a fucking pale imitation of what it used to be. I don't even think it is technically chocolate anymore. And so single source, fucking forget about it. You won't even know what it tastes like. It just tastes like Hershey's formula. You know what I mean? But you can actually find some stuff that is single source chocolate. doesn't even have to be expensive or anything else. And it's uh, unique and like. That's what, yeah, that's what was at the convention that I was so mind blown with was single source, particular farms, like just this one farm's chocolate. It was it was really friggin' cool. Um, what I also found interesting, I learned about myself that day. I have a I have a caffeine sensitivity so, sensitivity, so I don't drink coffee. I don't drink caffeinated sodas. Uh, but right. but theobromine is a. <laughs> It's it's it, it mimics caffeine in, in a lot of ways. And I had so much chocolate at the chocolate convention that I actually had the symptoms of having caffeine. OD. Yeah. So I I and it didn't take very much chocolate for me because I'm sensitive to caffeine. So chocolate. I had to I had to stop eating chocolate and I had to start like smuggling it into this little container that I had. Instead of eating it and going, oh, mm, wow, in front of the person serving it to me, uh, I had to actually start saving them for later. And then because I was with my partner and she really loves chocolate, I had to then also keep them away from her. So it became this balancing act of let's still have a good time with the person on the other side of the, the counter, but also keep her from eating the chocolate I wanted to eat later. Naturally, she found my stash and ate her favorites, but I still had some chocolate to take home. 
the only time in my life that uh, I had this amazing cocker spaniel. Uh, one time in his life, he basically betrayed me and he bit me, but it's because he was stoned out of his shit on chocolate. He basically got into a dark chocolate bar and I came into the living room, like the middle of the night and just something, I don't know, maybe I heard him, you know, maybe in my sleep, I heard something or something, but I basically woke up and walked to the living room and I, I, he was basically sitting on my armchair and I, he just, I, I could see, he gave me this look of just crazy wide eyedness then i saw right in front of him the chocolate bar just kind of strewn like all the aluminum foil just strewn, like destroyed and i went to grab it and the dog was like had literally grabbed my hand and I, I don't know i think i was i was 20 at the time or something i actually even got like an infection it was kind of a terrible story but the dog lived several years after that he was he was a wonderful great dog he was yeah it's that was so out of character for him i cannot begin to describe like he was a a Disney character of a dog, honestly, but he got stoned out of his tits on chocolate one time. Don't feed uh, chocolate to dogs. It's it's uh, no. but toxic, toxic. Yeah, uh, it's the same thing. Like something with the alkaloids that that uh, interact positively with us, it interacts very negatively with them. Evidently, I don't know what it is. Um, what was I going to say? Dude, it's interesting the amount of overlaps. Like I've I've been meaning to, and I don't know, life just got in the way. But hopefully, in the next few months, I'll actually start to do what I've been meaning to do, which is actually get people, believe it or not, that are like been wanting to get doctors on here to talk about cannabinoids and everything else. But the problem with doctors is that they don't really want to be associated with something that's not like proven and everything else. So one of these days, maybe we'll actually get a real doctor on here. But uh, believe it or not, we do actually have some doctors that watch the show. Everyone's joking, like, you need to figure whatever you watch. Apparently, because we're interesting enough to, to watch a little bit. I don't know. It's hilarious to think that. But evidently, we are moderately interesting. To, maybe out of stupidity. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they watch us like, how do you watch Jackass or something? I don't know. But anyway, uh, what was I going to say? I'd love to invite some coffee people, some chocolate people, some actual wine people, on and on. You know, it was really nice talking to Breeder Steve because he was both a cannabis and a wine person, right? He actually knew about planting varietals, letting them age and letting the, the vines grow up. And he just barely touched on that when he was talking to us. Uh, but it would be fun to talk to, you know, on Weed and Whiskey uh, Wednesday, I've been wanting to get people who actually, like, especially around here, there's a bunch of new uh, whiskey distilleries, right? Well, they're new, they're, they've been around for a little bit. Uh, but uh, it'd be lovely to talk to somebody who actually has uh, experience in those things, kind of like we have experience in weed. Those people have experience in those things, and there's dramatic overlap in the, the flavors, the experiences, the everything. You know what I mean? And I've said this before, that one of the reasons why we have brews and buds or weed and whiskey Wednesday is that I want the things to combine together like you do in real life. You know what I mean? Like when you drink, uh, when you when you have a, a, a coffee, a lot of times you have a donut, right? You're, you have a, a cookie. Or how do I put this? If you had a cookie, Chances are you might have a glass of milk or a coffee or something else. There's a lot of things in life that naturally go together. And I think because it was illegal and prohibited and expensive and hard to get, and you get thrown and pound me in the ass prison, weed got separated into something completely different. It's something that belongs with your coffee and donut, you know what I mean? fucking babbling but uh it'd be nice to bring some of the experts because we know weed, you know, there's there's not a lot of people that can talk about weed better than we can. Honestly, we've had Candidly, we've had some of the experts on the show and we hang with them. You know what I mean? So, but we, what we do bullshit through our way through is, at least I know I bullshit my way through, is stuff like whiskey and coffee and those kinds of things. As much as we might know 
I don't know. You know, like I, I know a few uh, Scotch whiskeys. You know what I mean? I'm a big fan of Isla whiskeys, and I know a few uh, uh, Highland malts and blah 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 blah. I know a little bit enough to scratch the surface, but I end up bullshitting my way through much more than that. And I mean, it would be lovely to have somebody who could come here and talk about whiskey the way that we can talk about strains. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If if somebody talked about coffee the way that I could talk about herbs or can talk about cannabis, I mean. Uh, or chocolate coffee tea even tea has a lot of finesse to it absolutely um hops. the same plant it's even more finesse it's the same plant when we talk about different cultivars and different this and different that even coffee has slightly different cultivars it's a little bit more neck down than, than cannabis is but it's not nearly as neck down as tea which is the same fucking plant that you harvest differently and cure differently and then you get all the different teas that exist. It'd be interesting to talk to some hops growers about their experiences as far as aromas and flavors and expressions and what they've seen. I don't know. I know a lot of hops growers are just growing, you know, basically clones, um, particular varietals. But I, I don't know if there's any hops breeders that could be fascinating though, because that the, would be a good the, one. Yeah, and they would be here too. They would be actually in Oregon, so actually that would uh, be a, a fun thought. Why wouldn't they be in Germany and Switzerland? They certainly could be. Yeah, they, they certainly could. could. Be. I think I think that's where you're going to find the people that are like us in the cannabis. You're going to find them in the Bavarian force oh hops believe it or not they're going to be here this is this is one of the the centers for hops that's one of the reasons why that's it's it's kind of like circular you know what i mean like uh it's weird how we're a chance and geography all play together for stuff stuff you know like coot wouldn't have created the coots mix he wouldn't have created the the seed sprout teas he wouldn't talk about barley on and on and on if he hadn't come to move to oregon and he's talked about how one day he came here and people were smoking a joint on the some dude was smoking a joint at the bus station or a bong or whatever so he's like oh, i'm gonna move here so he moved here and wouldn't you know it there's an entire uh barley uh, malting industry like uh, Oregon, Washington grow a lot of potatoes. They also grow in that we were talking about the east, mostly in the east, not even near us, really. Uh, like not even on the way to Eugene, you see some grass seed and stuff, but you don't really see any of the grain. You see a tons of grain on the other side of the mountains. Uh, and then they malt that shit over here because basically like their port land, it was a fucking port basically where uh, right on the Columbia River where you can sail that shit to the ocean. So you could load up gigantic barges safely and then inland and then sail that shit in the fucking ocean. And by the way, I think way back when, before the dams, you could sail that grain up into Canada. So like before they actually built all these big dams that have been providing uh, hydroelectric electric power for like a hundred years, you could ac actually sail the Columbia essentially all the way up into uh, to Canada. So that was kind of the origins of the crazy like grain industry. And then the, uh, I don't remember exactly why, but the hops, I think they just grow really well here. And then just the product of barley was here. The hops was already here. There was this tremendous beer brewing industry. A lot of the old beer brewing industry has kind of gone away. So like the Henry Weinhards and all those companies have kind of disappeared, but now the microbrews have replaced them. I don't know, I'm babbling now, but it's, it's funny to see when you have this locality and all that other stuff happens, and then some dude named Clackamas Coot is like, oh, I could use barley for wheat. And then basically he becomes famous for that. And then like, as Coot says, he's the face that's launched a thousand ships, like Build-A-Soil would not exist if Clackamas Coot had not moved to Oregon and discovered barley. Like, 
it's, it's fucking hilarious. You know what I mean? Like all the people that are watching right now, oh my God, I love Build a Soul. Oh. I mean, Jeremy's it's cool. I'm not saying he wouldn't exist or anything like that. Like he 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 would still have been born and all that kind of stuff, right? But the, the thing is, like the the Coots mix and blah blah blah, that was the the origin of of I think the, the whole build a soil model that came from Coots' whole understanding of barley and all that stuff from having lived in the Willamette Valley. It it's, looks it's, like it's uh, it looks like both Oregon State and Cornell have hops breeding programs. You see? And Oregon State is a gigantic agricultural school. So the Elaine Ingham stuff, all of that comes from Oregon State University, basically right here in the Willamette Valley. In fact, uh, they are closer to where the hops are, actually. Like I'm about 50, 60 miles away from where most of the hops are. But Corvallis, Corvallis and Albany, that's essentially right dead end uh, where the, the hops are. <laughs> Here's an article that says the hops capital of the world is in eastern Washington. Hey, they grow a massive amount in eastern Washington as far as production. I don't know about breeding though. That's what I'm looking up. I'm trying to see where the breeders are. <coughs> but uh, I use uh, chocolate and wine to clear my palate. That's the only way I can tell the difference in between cannabis. Is I missed that last part. The the chocolate and wine and the only the, the last part didn't go through. Uh, I'm sorry. I use I think... uh, chocolate and wine to clear my palate because it's the only way that I can differentiate in between the different cannabis. Really. Got it. Got it. Uh, that's interesting. Well, chocolate and wine are both, well, I don't know about wine, but chocolate for sure is like a palate cleanser. I mean, wine would definitely change your palate for 100%. Um, cool. we, used, we used those uh, those bland rice wafers. They're little dry, crunchy rice. I think they're made of rice. Little little wafer cracker things, because yeah. they would actually take a lot of the taste and smells off of your palate. But that you would be great. Take it off, Ozzy. Cheers, buddy. Yeah. Cheers. So yeah, I'll see you next week. Uh, Ozzy, uh, how can people find it? Do you want to, to be found at all? And have fun. Thanks again for, for putting this. Um, oh, yeah, well, Weed Nerds, you can get me at Weed Nerds, or um, if you have to send me an email, you can always. What's that? Weed Nerds at protonmail.com. Um, yeah, that's about it otherwise, and you can catch me here um, next Tuesdays. Here's yeah. Ozzy. Uh, yeah. Go to school, my friend, and uh, say hello to the Sheila. Say hello to all the kangaroos. You know the kangaroos are probably <laughs> us. They, we haven't said hello to them for a while, so make sure to wave on the on the way past them. You make fun of them as you, as you ride by them. You're like, "Hey, fuck you! I live in a house." I'll tell you one funny story before I go. I did say a, a while ago. You know how you can say "mate" in Australian like it's "mate," but I can say it in American too in the USA like "mate." How you guys say it, it's a bit sort of tweaked, and I was saying that to them. G'day, mate, like that a bit tweaked, and they shit themselves and ran off. It wasn't my, it wasn't my normal oh my accent. Coming. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Heard about the Air Force or something, probably Aussie. Cheers, man. <laughs> a good one. Have fun. Uh, Cheers, everyone. See you all. Thanks again, Fumi. Good on you, Captain 420, Cascadian, and everybody in chat. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Cascadian, have we given you a chance to uh, final thoughtify? Sort of, halfway. I've 
Uh, I've just been kind of bleeding all over the place all night, it feels like. Well, so uh, I don't know. I always ask Wes Engine, but Wes Engine is not here right now. Uh, have you learned something tonight? Have you grown? Like, uh, it was, it was nice talking to, to it, was, it was nice catching up with Dutch because most of the times that I'm I'm anywhere around Dutch, I'm busy. It's usually some sort of an auction situation. Um, <laughs> so it was cool to talk to him some more. It was nice to hear about him and him and Potent Ponix working on getting his farm to close loops and hearing some of the details on that. Um, yeah, it's pretty neat for, for him to come on tonight. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Uh, would like to see more about the Regen Conference. and uh, Yeah. yeah he's always waxing poetic about that freaking garden. So as the... As the hearing that, that schedule sounds pretty pretty amazing he's pretty jam-packed there like four months in a row different locations with the the conference so um i it'll be interesting to see how much of that can get recorded if he'll if he'll put that on his channel and for the people that don't get to go like myself if uh we'll still be able to to experience it in some capacity and and see the content you know never know um, you know, it's one of those things, a lot of that content, like they charge good money for it. So like, uh, fuck, what are they going to do? We get spoiled, right? We get spoiled by by having a lot of free stuff. Frenchie had a lot of uh, free stuff. And the the secret with Frenchie is he was actually doing almost exactly the same stuff live, but he was just doing it a little bit. I mean, he was doing it live and you could try the hash and everything else. And of course, dumbass me. I, I, I thought, oh, I'll go to the next one. And then COVID hit. You know what I mean? I was literally going to go to one of his fucking classes and I could have like literally i don't know how many times i've told this lessons like this i don't know how many times i can learn lessons like this it's happened kind of like with uh, something well similar in any way with bog a couple other people not to mention Subcool. holy shit how much more i would have talked to Subcool if i'd known he'd passed away right like uh 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 uh, uh, uh any <coughs> now frenchie i was gonna take his fucking class they were like i got an email one time like oh there are two spots open would you like to take a blah, 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 blah. and i was like oh i don't have time and those two spots were still open the next day. I couldn't fucking believe it. I checked and I was like, oh, I'll go to the next one. And then COVID hit and there's no next one anyway. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure. I'm pretty sure he was uh, giving those same classes up here. And I did the same thing. I was in school. I was like, oh, I'm too busy. I'll hit the next one. And then I wasn't even out of school. COVID hit. And here we are. You know, it's same deal. You don't always know there's going to be a next one. But it was really neat of him to have spent so much time being recorded because he does have a lot of knowledge and a lot of that is actually on YouTube. Mm. Um, especially, I, I really enjoy his older stuff when he wasn't as um, refined. He was, he was not that Frenchie was ever completely refined. He was always sort of raw. But in the earlier content, he's really just, raw 100 ooh la la i believe they called it yeah before before that whole branding started though he was just he was just he you know it, you could tell he was hanging out with his friends right. and you could tell he was talking about what he loved to do and he had this sort of comfort to him and it wasn't such a professional it was just a this is what me and my friends this is we're just living life right now and um Similar to um, 
Oh man, what was his name? I'm blanking so hard right now. The guy that went around with Arjan. Oh, uh, Franco. Franco. In the earlier in the earlier episodes of all of that, they're they're less refined as well, and he That's was me. such a pleasure <laughs> to watch. He was he was the he's the only reason I watched those. I didn't watch it for Arjan and all the other shit that went on, but watching Franco's eyes light up when he'd put a flower to his face is is similar to watching Frenchie make hash. They had that same passion. Franco's ran deep. Dave Martin says you eventually run out of next times. Don't wait. Yeah. Good, uh, good lesson, probably, to Ebscon for the evening. Uh, Captain 420, just in time, uh, frankly, for us to uh, say good evening. What do you think, my friend? How can people find you? Ohio's Captain Dank is, is one good place. What about others? That's basically it. Uh, I haven't did it, done anything with the YouTube yet. I'm waiting to get back to uh, the States to do all that because of exactly where I'm at. And, uh, you know, we're going to I'm from the old school, so I think I'm going to post some of the rooms that I'm going to have to build uh, for caregivers and things like that. And for medical patients, which uh, I am going to film a lot of this because a lot of this is still done on pennies, you know, um, but the systems work and. You know, you can put out a product. It you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a grow room. You can spend a few hundred and put out perfectly good medicine for yourself. Or yes, you can spend ten thousand dollars on a room, and I'll probably show you a room that I spend five or six thousand dollars on. Very easy. But. Uh, you know, until I get back to the States, uh, pretty much everything is on Instagram. Uh, we're just going around right now and uh, collecting seeds, bags of seeds. So when I get back, uh, you know, I can start passing those out. And, you know, hopefully people will take the time to take something that's in the 50 to 60 day range and make F2s out of these, get them down to 90, a hundred days. And uh, I think you'll be really surprised at what you find in these strains. Matter of fact, you're going to find a lot of, uh, we just started coming across uh, a batch that we popped and, uh, a lot of the female or males are showing female characteristics. So, you know, if you're a breeder, that's quite interesting because I consider that a super male. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe to do genetics with and test that out, that theory. Because in a lot of our Western genetics, you just don't find that where male shows female characteristics. So, you know, that's something that's interesting for me to think about. And that's got me buzzing. But uh, right now, if you want to get a hold of me on Instagram, it's Ohio's Captain Dank. Uh, I appreciate you letting me come on. 
Uh, I hope the uh, the reason why I came on was because when I left the United States, uh, they were having a big problem with the bee population there. Mm. And I know that the mycelium from the mushroom farmers was actually helping to strengthen the bee population out in the western part of the country. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I jumped on is because, uh, you know, it's something that means a lot to me is to keep our bees around. I almost left the house that I live in because my landlady cut down my flowers and my butterflies and bees went away. <laughs> so, you know, that's how much I feel strongly about uh, butterflies and bees because they do a lot of our work for us. And they produce yeah, a lot. Deserve to live, shit. Sometimes we forget about so, that, right? Like those those creatures. I was I was uh, uh, I don't remember who I was talking to about this before, but uh, and you know I don't know what your guys' thoughts are this are on this, but in my lifetime I've gone from seeing people talk about animals, including higher animals like like elephants, like dogs, like cats. They would call them uh, pure instinct robots, basically. Literally, when I was a kid, they would say, "Oh, just." Don't mind those dogs. They're just they're, they're instinct machines. Now people realize that actually dogs, cats, elephants, they have vivid, rich internal lives. So I was talking to somebody before long, we're going to realize that almost every creature, maybe even honestly, this might sound ridiculous now, but maybe even on some level, as primitive as it may be, bacteria might have some sense of their existence. You know what I mean? It would change our kind of paradigm, I would hope, as, as to how we treat creatures. You know what I mean? Like, we don't think of those creatures as being creatures. We think of them as being basically mindless robots, just things that fly. You know what I mean? Like, ah, fuck, who gives a shit? But if there are actually things that experience a life, you know, as primitive as it may be, I'm not saying they're reading Shakespeare for a fucking weekend. You know what I mean? Like, it's a fucking fly. It's going, you know what I mean? But like, on some level, if it is aware of its surroundings, it's different than if it's just some mindless bullshit. You know what I mean? And I think that it would be nice if people focused on those creatures as just having some agency of their own. Uh, were you going to say something, Cascadian? I think we used to have a better understanding of that until we were we lost touch with our food. Because um, that's where a lot of the, um, you know, use every part of the animal kind of thinking comes from, is, is that that animal had whatever life that it had it had a life and to take that life and trade for something to be on your plate it was only respectful to use as much of that animal as you possibly could uh to pay respect to the life that that animal lived you know you don't want to to disregard them by just throwing them in the trash or uh, leaving them to rot basically I, I, so I think we used to, but, you know, it's been several generations now that we've been worked away from being in touch with our food. So it would be our great grandfathers or our great, great grandfathers who would have had that essential respect level for the life that whatever it was they were eating lived or. So I, yeah, I, I think it's just us regaining a part of ourself to to come back to that realization. I don't think it's uh, the first time we've thought that way. 
Ninja Killer, by the way, is asking the real questions. What will happen when AI decodes their language and will be able to communicate with animals? Uh, we'll know that dogs want scratches and biscuits, basically, like all the fucking time. <laughs> and we'll also know that they know mo way more about us than we even think they do. Like dogs will be like, oh, I know. I, I smelled what you ate for lunch last week when you were on vacation or something. We'll yeah. be able to uh, verify the fact that cats domesticated us and we didn't domesticate cats right uh, or we'll be able to verify that they're not as smart as dogs after all <laughs> <laughs> i had to work that one in <laughs> ladies and gentlemen uh now that uh, you see nico loves his dog uh cats are cool too they're just not quite as bright as dogs i don't, I don't know why people have this delusion that cats are more intelligent than dogs my whole life oh cats are smarter based on fucking what uh, ladies and gentlemen, I know that I pissed probably a third or quarter of you off, but uh, that's okay. Yeah, fuck you. Smoke more weed. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's like, fuck you. <laughs> I love my cat. Chess. Chess. Between a Labradoodle, we'll pick even a fucking weird ass dog. We'll do like Labradoodle and your smart <laughs> cat, and we'll see who wins. It'll be an my interesting cat. game because I don't know if we can teach either one of them to play, but we'll we'll figure it out. It'd be kind of it'd be fun. I don't know. Maybe we can rub meat on the pieces or something. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> when great minds work together, we can figure things out. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for watching the show. If you guys would like to listen to this idiocy, uh, go check out Chronic Table on your podcasting platform of choice. For example, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, you name it. Name it. Uh, we're also on the Amazon Podcasts. On and on and on. Uh, look up uh, the podcast. Please uh, subscribe to it. Please like it if you can. Uh, please leave a positive review if you'd like to. I guess if you don't like the show, I guess you can leave a negative review. I'd prefer if you'd leave a positive review. The positive reviews do honestly help uh, get the word out there for the podcast. It's exceptionally easy to get any of these uh, cannabis-related podcasts out uh, most of the time, if not maybe half or three-quarters of the time, not all the time, thankfully, yet. Uh, they demonetize the streams. They deprioritize the streams. On and on. It makes it very difficult for the channels to grow and get bigger and on and on. You know what I mean? So uh, like, share, subscribe, tell your buddies, tell your friends. Uh, that's the easiest and best way to, to spread the word. Leave a positive review. Uh, that would be quite helpful. That goes for this channel as well as all of your other favorite channels. Remember, you know, all of your favorite weed channels, they have the same problems that I do. So when I bitch about such and such and such and such, chances are your friends' channels or my friends' channels or any of those channels that you follow, chances are they have those same issues. There's, it's very rare that they don't. A couple of the Canadian channels kind of skate through it just because Canada's whatever the fuck. A couple of the bigger channels skate through it because I guess they're bigger. But uh, most of the fucking channels, especially if they're smaller channels, less than less than 25,000, do they have the same problems that all the rest of us do? Uh, let's see here, folks. Uh, please go look up. Uh, I guess I'll show it briefly before we uh, fuck off for the evening. Uh, please go look up uh, Fumidoro.com. Let's see here before I show the chat because you guys are already in the chat. Uh, this is my website. Uh, there are many like it, but this one is mine. Uh, you can also go look up uh, fumesofgold.com, uh, fumidoroseedco.com, or fumidoro.net. All of those things go to the same address. Uh, so please uh, check out Fumidoro Seed Co. Be honored if you go and look at some of the uh, genetics up for offer. Uh, I've been remiss. I haven't put up Gawain on there yet. Gawain is a very limited release, a little bit like Charybdis, but I'm actually willing to sell Gawain because I'm going to keep breeding with it. Uh, I still have that mom. Gawain is the sugar tits number three that I was just talking about with the same uh, Ruby Jack male that uh, everybody else has. 
Real nice plant. Real, real nice plant. I'm going to be breeding with that one. I, I was going to have a whole fucking line of it, but honestly, I just, whatever, didn't have enough seeds. It's just one of those things. So uh, in the future, there's going to be quite a bit more, hopefully, from uh, versions of that cross. You're going to see more from Sugar Test Number 3. I really like that plant. really like that uh, flavor in the high and everything else. Anyway, uh, but in the meantime, uh, feel free, my friends, to go see the I See a Witch, Morgana and her two friends. Pick up a pack of Morgana and a pack of uh, something else, whatever. Uh, later tomorrow, hopefully, I'm going to put up a three-pack of Morgana. Uh, I'm hopefully going to put up, because uh, it, it's a little bit annoying, I have to re-upload uh, pictures for everything. That is not your problem, I realize. Uh, just for some reason, it's been taking me forever. So once I can finally do it a little bit quicker, you guys are going to have five packs available. Hope you guys go and take a look. Uh, this one, I've been showing more and more pictures of, uh, for example, today on my Instagram, the world's largest picture right now, uh, of Black Prince Ruby. I'm very, very fond of this. Uh, was out with a friend of mine uh, that's not really that into weed and said, oh my gosh, this smells sweet and like candy. So friend had no reason to lie. Absolutely no reason, no dog in this fight whatsoever. But basically strawberry candy, freaking nailed it. In fact, uh, it wasn't necessarily that phenotype that we smelled. It might have been, well, okay, it doesn't freaking matter. It was that phenotype right there. But anyway, not hard at all to find uh, strawberry candy. Not hard at all to find these beautiful goddamn colors. And not hard at all to find some very nice weed. This is... Uh, uh, Ruby Jack Incross, the Ruby Jack number seven mom that I had. There was this really, really tasty strawberry candy uh, Ruby Jack. It had that uh, distilled Ruby Jack uh, essence, which was basically the, the Jack Herrera that nobody disliked in terms of a high uh, with beautiful, in this case, strawberry flavors. Most of the time, Ruby Jack had these uh, soft grapefruit citrus flavors, but there was a little bit of the strawberry line. This was the most strawberry of the strawberries, uh, but she had a little bit of annoying growth pattern. So I crossed her in basically with a new dad and wouldn't you know it, fucking uh, pat myself on the back a little tiny bit. Uh, this is actually the wrong mom. That's the, that was the one night's mom. But anyway, uh, that one, that's cannabis leaf cutation, which I have since found a lot more of. So that was kind of funny. It was really high bricks uh, plant, I guess. Anyway, I guess I won't uh, babble you guys' ears off too much. I have a little story on there. It's humorous. The, the Fumador guarantee, I stand behind it. If for whatever reason you guys uh, don't have a smile on your face, thanks to my seeds, I will make it right. Just let me know. Don't yell at me, but uh, DM me, email me, and uh, I'll try to make it right. Uh, folks, uh, with that said, uh, please go check it out. Be honored if you did. Please go check out the website too. You know, you don't have to buy anything if you don't want to. Tell me if you'd like to. Um, recommendations, questions, comments, concerned. I hope to have a newsletter up there shortly. There's been a couple of features that I've been trying to add and just uh, for a variety of reasons, they have done, gotten broken. So we're, we're going to work on it, folks. The, the website is going to be uh, bigger, better, faster. Hopefully, hopefully not the opposite of that. But anyway, Folks, thank you very much for hanging out. Uh, until we meet again, which will be hopefully tomorrow, folks. Uh, that's actually a, a secret. I shouldn't have told it. It's a big old surprise. It's a secret show, blah, blah, blah. But uh, you guys are in on the secret now. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be here. We're going to be square. We're not going to be square. We're going to be do something. Hopefully not. We're going to be square. I don't know. I'm babbling. Never mind. Just ignore everything that I said. 
until we meet again, my friends, cheers. Thanks for hanging. Uh, be kind, be decent. Oh, I didn't say hello, the goodbye to chat first uh, before I fuck off. Nico, Marshall, Stony Creek, Aldridge, uh, Dave's in the house. Cheers, my friend. Uh, Richard, hope you're listening in. Hope you're feeling all right. Richard's not uh, in the chat right now, but I hope he's doing well. Uh, Christophe in the house. La puissance, my friend. Uh, friend. My friend. Uh, we're going to have to ask uh, Christophe what he thinks about almonds one of these days. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if I forgot to say your name, it's not big. Oh, decoy bacon. Holy shit, decoy bacon in the house. If I didn't say your name, it's not because I dislike you or something. It's just because uh, you were freaking stoned already. Holy cow. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, until we meet again, be kind, be decent, be gentle. Don't be fucking pricks. You know what I mean? So many pricks in this world. Like too many, like way too many. I think we can all agree on that. Even if we disagree <laughs> on strains. and There are some people, believe it or not, that think white chocolate is actually chocolate. I was arguing about that with somebody the other day. A friend of mine had the correct opinion, which was that white chocolate is garbage. And then another person was saying, no, 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 white chocolate is real. And I said, look in the ingredients list. You won't even find chocolate in there. You won't find cocoa. It's fucking sugar. It's, it's pasty sugar. You could call it. A, I mean, you could call a parrot a dog if you want to, but it doesn't make it a goddamn dog. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be chocolatists before long. We're going to have a freaking chocolate fight. It's going to, we're going to be marching in the streets and, and, and fighting. Well, if it's a food fight, it'd be all right, right? Chocolate would be dirty, but it'd be, it'd be all right. Flavorful. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, break it and silly. Uh, don't be fucking pricks. Don't throw chocolate at people unless it's uh, semi-melted. No, it might be hot. I don't know. We're going to have to figure it out. Maybe it has to be soft or ganache. You could throw ganache at people. I don't know. Room temperature, right? Right? It's not gonna, I don't think it's like a salt and deadly weapon. It would be like, I don't know. This is not legal advice. Consult your lawyer before trial.